Welcome to the Grand Theft World podcast hosted and sponsored by GrandTheftWorld.com. It's May 8th, 2022. This is episode 79. We're going to look at the news, world events, current events from the past week. We're going to break it down. We're going to add some additional context, do some deep dives where necessary, get into uh, the facts of the matter, primary evidence, sources, details, deep dives like that. And uh, let's just take a little preview of what the uh, six or seven hour journey looks to be like tonight. We're going to start off by a story uh, with a story about Rand, Rand Paul. He encountered finally the Orwellian Ministry of Truth. He bumped up against it. Uh, he had some comments exchanged with uh, Mr. Mallorca, and uh, they're pretty spicy. We'll take a look at those tonight. Uh, also, the CDC has classified freedom as a disease, and they're going to take all your personal data, and they're going to see if they can prevent the next pandemic with it, but they might also be doing something else with your personal data. And then we got a couple stories on the uh, Billy Bob Gates. First, uh, Bill Gates uh, funds the World Health Organization. The World Health Organization wants to control you. Uh, who controls the World Health Organization? Uh, is it going to control the, uh, the United States Constitution? Can a pandemic usurp your civil rights and the Bill of Rights and Constitution of this country? Uh, more to be learned there. We'll also see a uh, report from Kim Iverson, also digging into uh, the massive influence peddled by Bill Gates without full disclosure to the public. Uh, we're going to have a special guest later tonight. Uh, we're going to be talking uh, about events that happened, well, about 20 years ago almost, and uh, see how it's relevant to uh, what's going on today. Still today is a lingering legacy of uh, the 9-11 attacks and a loss of civil liberties, the Patriot Act, all sorts of egregious losses of freedom for other people around the world who didn't really have anything to do with the attacks. We're going to dig in and see uh, what we can learn about that. And then, as always, to kick it off tonight, we're going to go to Luke Radowski from wearechange.org and bestpoliticalt-shirts.com. And I want you to pay special attention to the beginning of this video. The people dressed in the hefty suits with the guns strapped to the outside where it says police on the back are uh, shrink wrapping another human being. When are they going to unshrink wrap to the human meat? I don't know, but uh, some disturbing new footage that's coming out of China. And uh, that's a place that didn't have freedom or civil rights or liberties to be lost in the first place. So you can see it as a, you know, uh, early warning sign of the loss of human beingness around the world in the name of pandemic and your safety. It's for your safety that they might shrink wrap you like that. So let's go ahead to Luke. We'll do the kickoff and then we'll continue tonight's show all the way through the end of the wee hours of the morning. Let's go. Yeah, T talk about a sticky situation. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they probably discovered that, that you know, the, the sickness somehow travels through your pants and this is all being done for your, for your health and safety. Stop questioning it. Welcome back 
beautiful and amazing human beings. This is Luke Radowski here of WeAreChange.org. Again, there's a lot of absolutely crazy news to get into, not just, of course, in Ukraine with Russia, NATO, the United States, and some of the biggest establishment figures like you two flocking to Ukraine, but also, of course, there's a lot of very interesting developments here inside of the United States. We're going to be talking about that, plus a lot more with all the latest developments as they are breaking with the most important information provided to you from uh, pretty much the opposite perspective of the corporate media establishment and before jumping right into it me and atlas would like to wish you a happy mother's day as today i I hope you you find a mom and you show her some love can i can i say her now or or will i be 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 canceled who knows because we're living so ever closely to a total totalitarian chinese social credit score society where of course health policies for the greater benefit of society like the one we saw in the beginning of this broadcast are being implemented with the full cheer and support of the Western corporate media with individuals like Bill Gates calling for more of them here domestically and all over the world. Policies that are draconian, insane, nasty, and let's be honest here, have significantly spread throughout the entire world, even including places like New Zealand, where today we're getting reports that the government is sending out letters threatening to steal $15,000 from citizens there if they don't take a procedure that they want them to take, a procedure which here in the United States is being partly limited as it's being correlated with blood clots. Oh, oh, gee, if, if only there was some, some some kind of group of independent thinkers and, and media personalities calling this out for the last two years. If only there was some people warning about this. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They, they were censored by, by big tech and their voices were, of course, silenced. This, right after the announcement by the FDA restricting the Johnson & Johnson product, which they correlated with with hurting especially young boys. The former president of the United States with absolutely no remorse, no pittance, no cares or Fs in the world brought up the owners of Johnson & Johnson on stage with him during a recent rally, brazenly then announcing this. A great gentleman. You ever hear of Johnson & Johnson? He owns the place, I tell you what. This guy's got cash like nobody's got cash. Johnson & Johnson... His incredible wife, Suzanne. Yeah, definitely uh, incredible friends. As, of course, it's important to note that within the last two years, we have foregone the scientific method, foregone rational critical thinking, and just started to worship big pharma, multinational, unaccountable corporate interests as our new kind of deities and gods. This, as the current agenda, narrative, and script is being rewritten now, where my body, my choice, is somehow back on the table, as now the corporate media tells everyone that it's okay to say this, and believe this as we are reaching a new divide-and-conquer level of agenda, with specifically the Supreme Court ruling on Roe versus Wade, which of course is turning out ugly, as recently leftist organizations have decided to dox the home addresses of Supreme Court justices. This has led to now protest at some of the Supreme Court justices' homes, which actually breaks a federal law which is similar to the January 6th prosecutions that have been happening in Washington DC. This as high fences are being erected outside of the Supreme Court and with Mitch McConnell now even proposing a federal ban on this procedure 
I think it's fair to say that the left is going to be doubling down, the right will be doubling down as well, and I think it's fair to say that there's going to be some political and social turbulence surrounding this particular news. This as even recently on our YouTube community page, we asked you what will happen because of this major decision that soon will be rendered, and overwhelmingly 57% of the participants said that there will be riots in democratic cities, while 6% said that there will be riots every else. What will happen? Well, whatever does happen, expect them to be characterized as peaceful protests. No matter what happens, this, as we have the news, that the Biden administration has a new press secretary, which they're saying is the first black and, quote, first openly gay person to hold this key White House post. Why does that matter? It, it does to the Biden administration. This, as a lot of people are pointing to, a clear conflict of interest, since, of course, this new White House press secretary is also in a very long series relationship with a major figure at CNN. Oh, government officials colluding with, with the corporate media? <laughs> Who would have thought? But uh, I think it's very fair to say that this White House press secretary definitely has a, quote, uphill battle, as, of course, the administration has been very fervent with their implementation of the Build Back Better Great Reset to the tune of major supply shortages, the latest of one being baby formula, which a lot of people are saying that there is a crisis with, as many parents are finding it more and more difficult difficult to find food for their babies. How will the new White House secretary spin this? Well, most likely like they previously had, with outright lies and, and delusional grandeur of thinking, most likely proposing that fasting for babies might be good for them, and that babies could probably lose a few pounds. And you know who doesn't have to lose a few pounds? And because you do, Atlas thanks you very much for the extra dog treats that you're able to allow her to have. Right, Atlas? Yes. Her years going up means yes. Thank you. Now, some people have called this administration criminally incompetent, especially with their foreign policy and geopolitical moves that have been absolutely bewildering, especially not just in Afghanistan, but also the very clear and dangerous escalations that have been happening worldwide, which, which have bewildered a lot of foreign policy experts since, of course, the moves that the United States is making is not in the best interest of the American people and clearly is fomenting a lot of chaos. This as now, a lot of politicians have been using Ukraine as their next stage for political photo ops. This, of course, as just within the last 24 hours, the Prime Minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau, you too, yes, Bono and the Edge, along with Jill Biden, all made visits to Ukraine, specifically issuing their support. You too did a, a small subway station performance after being personally invited by President Zelensky, who says that he really likes you too. I don't know why someone would, would publicly admit that, but but he did. I'm still pissed that they put their freaking songs and their album on, on my phone. I'm not going to listen to it no matter how many times my car tries to start it. And that right there is the true is the true travesty of injustice. And obviously, all of this is happening in war-torn Ukraine that is being used as a proxy state to represent the larger conflict happening between the East and the West, happening between the United States and Russia. A brutal conflict that has been prolonged, that has been going on for a lot longer than a lot of other people have expected. We told you that this is going to be going on for a while. It has, and it has the potential to go on a lot longer. Years, as we've been specifically warning 
about specifically using the examples of what happens in Israel and Palestine, what's been happening inside of Syria, what's been happening outside of Libya. Whenever you have a destabilization of the region, that destabilization seems to reverberate for a very long time. And I think it's very fair to say that the situation is very unstable as the Russians are losing not only significant hardware in this theater, but they have just lost their 39th colonel. This, as it looks like, Ukraine is even making some advances on the Russians that have abandoned their assault on Kiev and are now trying to hold on to the Donbass region. This, as we're getting videos specifically of international technology coming from Turkey, from, from Germany, from the United States, being used against the Russians successfully, as there is an overwhelming amount of evidence suggesting that this is an absolute brutal conflict with major losses on both sides, with some military experts saying that Ukraine is getting the advantage here, leaving Russia ever so desperate. This, as of course, we've been documenting the very aggressive and desperate statements that have been being made by the Russians. This, as just recently, the head of Russia's space agency claimed that Russia could destroy all of NATO's countries in a half an hour. Specific comments by Dmitry Rogozin, and with a very important date coming up in just a few hours for the Russians, what will be their response to the latest revelations of the United States openly admitting that it is the one coordinating the attacks on their colonels and generals and assassinating them. And whatever their response may be, the situation is desperate and absolutely freaking crazy. To me, this is beyond ridiculous. There's two nuclear armed countries that are continuing to escalate their proxy conflicts, whether it was Libya, whether it was Syria, whether or now it's Ukraine. Now there's a big financial conflict. Things are crazy, and, and I think it's very fair to say there's going to be a big development coming from Russia, specifically within the next few hours that, of course, we're going to be following closely and reporting on. So make sure you're subscribed and have the notification button tuned to this channel, because as soon as the news breaks, we will be making a video about it, as a lot of people are expecting a major announcement from Russia. Whatever happens, we hope it's a de-escalation, but, but that's probably not going to happen. Conflict's probably going to draw, draw out for a lot longer than a lot of people expected, which is an absolute shame, uh, specifically being from that region, having family there. This whole thing is just absolutely stupid. And hey, that's my perspective. <laughs> I can see why Zelensky likes you too. I mean, Bono's probably about his height when Zelensky's not in those six inch heels. It's probably somewhere around there. That tight black leather. They got a thing, man. You know, they got a thing. They got it on in the subway in front of other people. That's what I heard. I didn't see the clip. Maybe, maybe somebody covers it tonight. We, we, we have yet to see. We have yet to see. All right. So, um, <clears throat> A lot in there. They're still ramping up World War Three. Got famous people there making unscheduled visits, press tours, you know, using it as a stage, using the rubble in Ukraine as a stage uh, for advancing their agenda, which has nothing to do with Ukraine. Doesn't really include Ukraine in its future either, because it's not going to become part of NATO. So it's sad to see what's exactly happening. Exactly what they there. said before the conflict started. That's exactly what our State Department told Zelensky that you would not be joining NATO, but you know, this would be a good rallying call um, too. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. in other words, they'll support them behind the scenes with military armament and other things if there were a conflict war to emerge. And we're not going to explicitly tell Russia that we're not going to support you joining NATO. We're just going to keep that quiet. Right. Plus, there's no need quiet? to mention 
the Victoria Newland, Jeffrey Pyatt, George Soros relationship dis- determining the future of Ukraine back in 2014-ish times, right? Yeah, of course, we can't, can't talk about Soros unless you're talking about Twitter and Elon Musk and how Soros is one of the people who are ganging up now. <laughs> On Musk, yeah. Yeah, a whole, it's a we thing. Have a couple all of a sudden, that. like Musk has to be a conspiracy theorist because he's like, "Wait a minute, what's going on here? You're not in their club, and uh, you know, you're not." It's a very strange situation. I'm um, seeing. The well, that's how that, it mean, it's meant to appear to the public. Probably. Correct. Yeah. yeah, and that's uh, Jason Burmis is going to do a fantastic. Yeah, we got intermission. intermission. Knock down that Trojan yeah. horse. We got it. Driving himself a, a Musk. That's not a Tesla. There's nothing Tesla about a Tesla. Let's just start there. It tells Musk. you a lot more about Elon's sixth company, Twitter. <laughs> Do we have that in the show card at some point tonight? We haven't really covered any. Yeah, I mean, now I he's now the- he's the CEO. So a couple weeks ago, he put in like he bought some stock and then he put in a bid and then they accepted it. Now he's CEO uh, and we'll see what happens. But like I said, weigh it with, you know, uh, there's a lot of news and, and Musk is in the news. He's made to be in the news. So you got to weigh it. The other side of that scale, you got to put a little Jason Burmis over here and watch his segment from hour four of InfoWars this past week. We're going to play it during intermission. So if you haven't seen it, uh, you're going to get to see it. And if you have seen it, it's worth watching twice. You can take some notes. Actually, we should uh, play that and the Gregory's bit together. Just to oh, for sure. Gregory's. Sure. We, we played that many, many months ago, but it's a good yeah, reminder. Just balance, of, just balance, balance it, out. it out. Yeah. Go with the facts. Maybe uh, both sides have dirty hands, whether it's Russia or NATO. Talk amongst yourselves. Think for yourself. Make up your own mind. Uh, I heard that uh, do your own research is dirty words, but I also heard that the the network that said that has now come out. CNN just came out with news this week that said they're no longer going to focus on their BS and they're going to focus now on facts and truth to try to save their brand because it's like the Titanic right now. Surprised they haven't taken a, a cue from Fox News, which will it's tell going you, down because the man purse over there at CNN got too heavy. <laughs> They're sinking. They got to drop the man purse in order to too much to tubing in that man purse. Too much There's been too much tubing over there. That's right. It's weighing down the man purse. Jeez, so, what a, a situation over there! And they had already excised Cuomo from that situation. <laughs> they had already thrown off like some of the, the heavy. Heavy who was, baggage. Who was but, their boss? Who also got ca- caught with an affair? But now they're down to throwing off the Merce, the man yeah, purse. The All right. So uh, next up tonight is uh, Christy Lee from Christy Lee Independent Media. She's going to bring you the week in media malfeasance. And uh, you might notice a couple recurring themes. There were some popular stories in the past week. We're going to get a little gist of them. Uh, and anything we don't get from the media covered, then we'll do the deep dives and we'll uh, make sure that everyone's satisfied. Let's go to Christy Lee of Chrissy Lee Independent Media. The propaganda puppets gather at the Prostitute Gala, otherwise known as the White House Correspondents' Dinner, to pat each other on the back while continuing to put out articles discouraging gathering and encouraging masking up. Fascist Fauci said he wouldn't attend because the pandemic wasn't over, but that didn't stop him from rubbing shoulders at pre-parties. The correspondent said even the president himself took the time to laugh at your struggles. You know, I think ever since you've come into office, things are really looking up. You know, gas is up, rent is up, food is up, everything. No, it really has been. 
A tough first year for you, Mr. President. Bringing you what's ignored, sensationalized, unbalanced, misleading, or just plain false, here's your media malfeasance for the first week of May. The Supreme Court leak dominates the news this week, but the focus became women's rights rather than the unprecedented leak of a draft opinion. SCOTUS blog tweets, it's impossible to overstate the earthquake this will cause inside the court in terms of the destruction of trust among the justices and staff. This leak is the gravest, most unforgivable sin. So who will be responsible for this leak, this stolen document? Will the Politico reporter be treated like James O'Keefe was? Reminder, Project Veritas was given the Ashley Biden diary. They turned it over to police, and then James O'Keefe was raided by the FBI and spied on. Politico publishes a stolen draft from the Supreme Court that is being used to intimidate the highest court before a decision is made. And nothing. James O'Keefe, yesterday, Politico's Josh Gerstein received a stolen copy of a draft U.S. Supreme Court opinion overturning Roe v. Wade and published it. And yet he sleeps well in his own bed tonight with no fear of being roused at 6 a.m. by short, loud, thuggish FBI agents as I was and handcuffed. Is this equal justice under the law? Except in this case, it would appear Politico actually is an accomplice to violating Title 18, Section 2071 of the United States Code. Also missing from the mainstream, Joe Biden's evolving position on the matter. From Gateway Pundit, Joe Biden entered the Senate in 1973, the same year the Supreme Court legalized abortion in its Roe v. Wade decision. 1974, a year after Roe v. Wade was decided, he said the ruling had gone too far and that a woman seeking an abortion should not have the sole right to say what should happen to her body. 1982, he votes for a constitutional amendment allowing states to overturn Roe v. Wade. But now he suddenly cares so much about women's rights that he didn't even bother to condemn such an egregious leak that threatens the integrity and safety of the Supreme Court. And oh wait, Barack Obama's position has flip-flopped as well. Obama in 2008, the first thing I'll do as president is sign the Freedom of Choice Act. But in an April 2009 speech, President Obama said the bill was not his highest legislative priority. Nancy Pelosi is mixed up as well. In 2017, she says she welcomes any anti-abortion Dems to the party. Now she says the Republican assault on Roe v. Wade is a manifestation of their decades-long disrespect of women. Did she just alienate and insult all the men that can get pregnant? Elizabeth Warren is awfully worked up. Did she just call for an insurrection? I am angry. Angry and upset. Angry and upset and determined. Has anyone told her that if Roe v. Wade is struck down, it won't have any bearing on her home state of Massachusetts, since this would only put power back in the hands of the states? Has legacy media made that point clear to you? And just for some context, this baby was born at just 23 weeks and will now get to enjoy life liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, as outlined in the Declaration of Independence. Because if we don't have equal rights for even the most innocent and defenseless, what kind of country are we? Meanwhile, legacy media continues to write smear pieces about anyone not on the side of its clear bias. New York Times. Elon Musk grew up in elite white communities in South Africa, detached from apartheid's atrocities and surrounded by anti-black propaganda. Yet if you actually read the entire article, it paints a much different anti-apartheid Musk who defended his black classmates. And never mind any mistakes made, New York Times again just edits retractions. They're so passe. 
How does the New York Times really feel about free speech? I can't tell with its buzzwords like unfettered conversations or dangers of unchecked speech. What about the dangers of checked speech? You couldn't say anything about the jabs except safe and effective. Now media is forced to report FDA is restricting J&J's COVID-19 vaccine due to blood clot risk. FDA officials said in a statement that they decided to restrict J&J's vaccine after taking another look at data. Oh, now they take another look at the data. Interesting. What about those of us who have been looking at the data yet weren't allowed to share it? Speaking of restrictions on sharing information, our current federal administration really wants to ram through its Orwellian Disinformation Governance Board. This isn't a Democrat versus Republican issue. Both have been guilty of disinformation. We don't need government to protect speech. Free speech helps protect us from our government. Do you know who the greatest propagator of disinformation in the history of the world is? The U.S. government. Are you familiar with McNamara, the Pentagon Papers? Are you familiar with George W. Bush and the weapons of mass destruction? Are you familiar with Iran-Contra? I mean, think of all the debates and disputes we've had over the last 50 years in our country. We work them out by debating them. We don't work them out by the government being the arbiter. I don't want guardrails. I want you to have nothing to do with speech. You think we can't determine you know, speech by traffickers is disinformation. You think the American people are so stupid they need you to tell them what the truth is? You can't even admit what the truth is with the Steele dossier. I don't trust government to figure out what the truth is. Same. Government is largely disseminating disinformation. For KLIM.news, I'm Christy Lee. What? All right, so there's a lot going on there. And uh, Tony, I want you to cover me because I just, uh, I want to play the, there was a thing I heard Biden say the other day. Mm -hmm. It was in a clip. I think I sent it to Lisa. So I'm copying this link. I'm going to send it to LD in the control room. Oh, man. Text. Come on, man. LD, welcome back. We missed you last week. I'm sending you. Come on, man. Yeah, exactly. There we go. Exactly. There's thank you. Thank you so much. I'm here. There's so. that. Um... The Met Gala. Do you see that? So the picture with Fauci at the pre or post party, whatever it was. No, I didn't see that. No masks. You can see the guy, the security guy in the background. Man, I saw a meme this week where like someone highlighted, circled in red, and like, you know, this is what I, it's like. I saw it's, a lot of people circulating Elon Musk's New World Order, Novus Ordo. Oh, that too. Yeah, yeah. from 2020. Um, and yeah, that's about all I caught from that. LT, I sent you that link. It's um, so here's the context. Biden is talking about back in the day, he was talking to uh, Supreme Court Justice Bork, I believe it was. And Bork held that individuals get their rights from the government. And Biden's position instead of Biden's rights, position, yeah. as he stated it, was that you are born with these rights and that they're not guaranteed or can't be taken away by government. And I was like, is this the same dude? Because it, it appeared to be coming from the sitting president right now, like recently. And I wanted to see if we can get that clip on the record, because I thought that I would, that's one of the few times I would agree. I would agree with what Biden said right there in that specific case. He seemed to have articulated it accurately. There have been a couple that? of times there's when he was, um, was it the part of the Senate? hearings for justice uh clarence thomas he made this like really strange speech about natural law and clarence and like talking about how he knows about it you know he read all this stuff on it clarence thomas is like i had no idea what he was talking about which is interesting but 
and, and I mean, I get the point. Not, I'm not, this is not an indictment against Clarence Tom. It was an indictment against like he talks. He he. In the past, he's talked a lot about concepts. I think that Biden, speaking to Biden now, doesn't understand just to prop himself up and make himself look intelligent, look good in you know the eyes of you know. In this case, it was uh, the the Senate confirmation here. Well, I mean, just look at his track record. Have you seen the the set of clips where it's like he said he was top in his class? There's just like a whole list of like uh, yarns that he has spun over the years. Yes, and he got caught for plagiarism, and the first time he was running for president back in the day. So it's like he didn't get better as he got older. They just got more like he became more useful to other people and it became less about Joe and more about people using Joe and his position to aggrandize themselves and their agenda. You got it. Yeah, it's two general fallacies. It's ad populum and petitio. So he talks in circles about things he doesn't doesn't know about, like natural law. And then he plays to the crowd, the sentiments of the crowd, particularly. Um, now, is that different, different. than Princidio Princippi? Petitio Princippi? No, no. Petitio Princippi is begging the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're being facetious. I was, I was being facetious. All right. So um, <laughs> are we able to play that short clip coming from? Yeah, we can roll that. Battlefront. Cool. Is that what it is? Battlefront. It looks like it's Alex Jones. Battle right? plan. Yeah. Yeah. It's a band on video cloaking was URL. <clears throat> yeah. Something like that. <laughs> Let's see if we can go. To the clip. So that's what you're listening for, program. where he says, Bork thought this and I argued this. And I was like, right there. That's a That's a snapshot right there that we should recognize it's like when the broken clock is right aren't just deplorable like hillary clinton said you are the most dangerous radical evil people in american history here it is got struck down griswold was thought to be a bad decision by bork and my, my guess is the guys on the supreme court now what happens if you have a state change the law saying that 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 children who are LGBTQ can't be in classrooms with other children? Is that is that legit under the way that the decision is written? What are the next things that are going to be attacked? Because this mega crowd is really the most extreme political ex- organization that's existed in American history. All right, so it's in that clip. We just saw a sample from it, right? So right before he said that is when he said the quote that we're looking for. So let's go to the actual clip because that's just the intro clip for that InfoWars. Do you know about how far in it is? Yeah, let's skip Alex talking about it and then go to where they play. Because I agreed with him up until like maga crowd most extreme political group in history i was like come on man come on man and i've never i mean i don't really know any maga people or maga however they pronounce it so, but i just don't i don't no, see it's not that. even close it's not even close students for a democratic society Dude, they're underground i mean there was those women that bombed right. back in the yeah. 80s there was a whole bunch of so stuff, many dude. radical so groups. many and like nothing really you know they didn't have like j6 they didn't there was no coalescent brand <laughs> and what happened marketing. on j6 a bunch of people like sort of a woman got it, shot by capitol police got caught, yeah that's right a bunch of un- unarmed citizens went into the people's house many which uh were ushered in by police ushered in i was going to say ushered electronic in a, doors were like opened a, a tour throughout the uh and people who did destructive tour. things are stupid and they should stupid, be yeah. they should be held account 
Yeah, it should be right. That guy in the bison horns. I mean, what do you expect was going to happen, bro? <laughs> right. What do you think? What do you thought that was a good idea? Right. So, but there's like people that had nothing to do with nothing that are getting caught up with that down there. And that's, they use what, that. they, that's they a paint. chilling effect on getting any American citizen to go out in any type of protest that might not be Antifa sponsored, uh, you know, or run. You see, that's that the part where I'm like, that's not a good thing for freedom. So that's the point. Yeah. These two sides should play more fair. If they're going to continue to play, like we don't mind you guys playing in the park, but don't let it wreck our houses around the park. You know, Red yeah, team, but, uh, you know, the, during the summer of love, that was, you know, it went from the park to, uh, to the houses pretty quickly. <laughs> that was just one summer in 69 summer of love. All right. So disinformation government governance board djb it's like the kgb that's how i remember it it's like the kgb but these guys couldn't like do their letters that high so they're like djb disinformation governance board okay uh we're gonna hear more about that tonight because it's a recurring theme and uh dgb didn't that why i say dgb disinformation government board kgb dgb oh you did okay yeah that's all right I don't know. I mean, I already talked for four hours earlier today, so I can have some uh, linguistic challenges as we go along here. I'm sure. All right. No, so, uh, I'm sure. yeah. I'm yeah look, did we find the uh, the part of that clip where he's going to start to spill the beans? Yeah. Well, uh, let's let's have a look. I can't can't really preview it without uh. Bring yeah, here it up. All right. Cool. Struck down. Griswold was thought to be a bad decision by Bork, and I'm, my guess is the guy's on the Supreme Court now. What happens if you have a state changes the law saying that 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 children who are LGBTQ can't be in classrooms with other children? Is that is that legit under the way that the decision is written? What are the next things that are going to be attacked? Because this mega crowd is really the most extreme political organization that's existed in American history. You know, as stunning as the lie to say that we're the most. Do they play the rest of the clip? Because I've seen I've seen a bigger piece of that clip. I'm now I'm trying to think where I might have seen it, if not that video. Because he was talking about Bork and he was talking about Bork in that clip. So it's from that session. But maybe it's another news outlet that had a longer take of that footage. Yes. Yeah, or is there like, more cover? Does he play more seems in like that video it. at all? Let's scrub through it. Do it live. Yeah. Well. Seems like that's up from Biden. Biden. Joe Biden. (laughs) Oh, but see. Yeah, that seems like it's it from Biden. All right. So somewhere out there, there's a longer clip of that press conference. And then he uh, he talks about uh, how the government doesn't give individuals their rights that they're born. And I was impressed to hear him say that or recalls that he believed that at one point or or what have you. So I can we can leave it there and move on to the next story. Which, um, where you want to head next, Tony? Because we have about a half hour for our guest. And so like 15 more minutes of news and then we'll play 15 minutes of. Uh, is it is it when he was giving the speech against like rejecting Robert Bork back in the 80s? I There's don't think a, so. No, I thought it was like him okay. in front of that bookcase. I'm pretty sure it's like uh, in that same press okay. conference. So somebody else, maybe it was Crowder, or someone else covered the press conference, played a longer piece of the clip where I actually got to hear some substance and not just him trashing a group I'm not part of. Okay. I, I was yeah. just because I have a clip of like that from back in 87. Never mind. Okay. Um, as far as going 
but anyways yeah i mean natural law is he's right um, government is there just to protect those rights individual rights they're not there to prescribe those rights um that would be a very hobbesian viewpoint but we're not going to get on the political philosophy angle right now as far whatever you want to do um ukraine and russia vaccines lockdowns um we have a special guest coming up do you want to maybe play right now it's 10 o'clock so we have a special guest coming up in a half yeah, hour. Yeah, so let's do news for 15 minutes. Okay. And then we'll start prepping for interview at uh, like quarter after. So like uh, what's a good 10 or 12-minute clip from one of those sections? I didn't get my iPad yet. I'll yeah, yeah, I'm looking at um, those video plays. I'm just, so I would there's we already went over the J&J. Big farm. Yeah, they knew that a year ago. They're pulling it oh, off yeah. now, but they, they, it's not like they just found out. So they let that thing like these people. It's not they're not trying to protect people. So we go judging by their actions, not right. their words. So I'm just saying. Should we go to? There's a Kim Iverson clip for life. Bill Gates reveals alarming plan to prevent future pandemics. We all or we have Russell Brand talking about Bill Gates' global surveillance. We don't want to do vaccines and lockdowns. Just do the talking doing one uh, follow-up conversation afterwards we could do there's three clips that would equal about 10 minutes paul joseph watson and greg reese two greg reese videos that are pertinent about um the war in ukraine and mm. one of the ways we can sort of we have to you know find the solidarity between all of humankind and reject war outright and all right some let's positive go. things to say so it's what everyone do let's go to uh rusty rockets russell okay. brand Let's get that Bill Gates on the record because that's a good hard corporate aspect. And it'll tie into the, the, the segment uh, that we're going to sample from our, uh, our special guests, recent appearance on the Richard Gage nine 11 unleashed podcast. That's what we're going to check out in a couple minutes, but right now let's go to uh, Russell brand and uh, see how stretched out his t-shirt looks today. I don't know. He was wearing something the other day. And I was like, yeah, that's how your T-shirt gets after a bully grabs you and holds you by it in the hall. <laughs> but he probably pays 300 bucks for that. You know, doesn't have that public school experience. Of... Anyway, let's let's go to Russell Brand. I want a global surveillance team to spot future pandemics and then to enact lockdowns. And I want the WHO, who I fund, to be in charge of it all. Except it's not me that wants that. It's Bill Gates. So there's even less to worry about. <laughs> Hello there, you 5.5 stroke 6 million awakening wonders. Together we awaken beyond subjectivity and objectivity to a unique oneness that celebrates our individuality, but also our collective identity. What a miracle. What a paradox it is. Now, if in the comments below, which you're going to be hitting up when you hear the stuff I've got to tell you about Bill Gates, when you're commenting below, if someone says, will you... Give me your money. I'm a Bitcoin broker. I'm not a Bitcoin broker, okay? I don't know about that stuff. I will never ask you for anything. It's not me. It's people pretending to be me, okay? And luckily, these things will soon be surveilled beautifully by Bill Gates himself, who's going to spot future pandemic threats, shut them down, lock us down, control all of it, so we're never going to have anything to worry about again. We could, in fact, just sit drooling, staring at a screen like morons occasionally, maybe doing something on Microsoft Windows or whatever. That little paperclip guy always liked him. 
If you want to come and see me in Blackpool, there's a link in the description. I'm still doing live stuff. And at the end, I'll tell you how to sign up to my mailing list. I've got a big announcement coming and I want to be able to communicate with you directly. Right? It's important. Now, let's see what Bill Gates is up to. A team of international experts ranging from epidemiologists to computer modelers should be created to quickly identify global health threats and improve coordination between countries, Bill Gates has said, warning that greater investment is needed to avoid another pandemic. Now, it would be cynical to look at that as racketeering. You could look at it optimistically as Bill Gates recognises that if there are future pandemics, we should be alert and aware and have a coordinated way of responding. As long as you've got total trust in your government and the agencies, non-elected agencies I offer you, that will be in charge of this process, everything should be just fine. But who will those governments be? Who runs those governments and who will those non-government, non-elected agencies that make those decisions be? It'll be the WHO. Who funds the WHO? Oh, well, here's a wacky old coincidence. It's Bill Gates. Now, let's break this down a little bit further and have a look at what Bill Gates' vision entails in his own words. If we make the right investments, we won't need to live in fear of another COVID. I think by we... Bill means government. If we make the right investments. And by government, he means you. Because the government's money is your money. So essentially what Bill Gates is saying, I want your goodwill when your government invests in programs that I am going to suggest in order to prevent the next, inverted commas, inevitable pandemic. Let's see what else Bill's got to say. And what motivates Bill? See, if you live in a world of transparency and trust, you will look at Bill Gates and go, I like this dude. He's cool. He wants nothing but to help people. I can look at his actions. I can look at his investments. I can look at his behavior. And I can see this is a person that operates entirely on a system of altruistic, philanthropic motives. If I see anything else in there that seems like it might be about power, control, profit, I'm going to have questions because I'm not an idiot. Here's how it should work. Epidemiologists will detect suspicious clusters of a disease that could cause a pandemic. Look at the style and aspect of Bill Gates' propagandist video here. It's kind of, on one hand, you can say it's sort of indie and folky. But on the other hand, it's didactic and it puts you, me, us, in the position of children receiving information from a parent. A parent who tells you everything's going to be okay. Well, here's the relationship I have with parental figures. As long as I know that I can trust you, I'm down with partnership. But I don't need or want a parent. I'm an adult. A global team of 3,000 disease experts managed by the WHO. Managed by the WHO. Don't worry about them. Called the germ team. And why are you doing it on maths paper? That's maths paper. We'll track the disease and share data and recommendations with governments. Wouldn't it be a lot easier to accept this if there wasn't an evolving narrative around the pandemic that suggests there should be transparency and discourse and dialogue between opposing camps continually? No condemnation of people that dissent against the mainstream narrative because why would you condemn people for being cynical when you've seen the profits that big business have made, the profits that big pharma have made, the controls that have been exerted, the mistakes that have been made, the censorship around particular arguments that go against the objectives of powerful corporations. All this has to be included. You'd have to be a child to just go along with this. Governments and pharmaceutical companies will work together. Yeah, governments and pharmaceutical companies work together, all right? That is my biggest fear. <laughs> They've been working together all along. Countries and the WHO will work 
and the best way to allocate these tools. Of course, if there are going to be diseases, it would be good to have scientific solutions. But it's important that there is transparency and dialogue between the governed uh, between government and those that it governs. One way that you might be able to bypass the complexity of that type of tyranny is by making it look all friendly and nice and just, we're just sketching it out on maths paper. How about this? How about you never leave your house? And how about we give you a passport and we just observe everything that you're doing? And what about if you don't question my authority? Hmm? How about you just shut up? How about we're involved in this conversation? Vetoed! And so this germ team will work with each country to do germ games. Mm, I don't like this germ team, germ game, squid game, dystopia, sci-fi stuff, do you? The only way around this kind of complexity, this kind of diversity of opinion, this kind of insecurity around our trust of authority, which I would say is a legitimate distrust. Authority should not be automatically trusted. You should start from distrust and then see how authority behaves and then maybe decide on trust. At the moment, I don't think we are at trust. That's not where I am personally. You might be. And guess what? If you are, that's fine with me. Are you okay with my mistrust, my distrust, or do you see my mistrust and distrust as mis- and disinformation? Diseases are always going to spread among humans, but they don't have to become pandemics. You can read more about this in my new book, How to Prevent the Next Pandemic. <laughs> Look at him smiling away, all happy. How to prevent the next pandemic. I'll trust you more if you didn't have a book out, mate. <laughs> if the whole thing wasn't a marketing exercise for a little folky book about how horror awaits us. Let's have a look. So Bill Gates said to the Financial Times, it seems wild to me that we could fail to look at this tragedy and not on behalf of the citizens of the world make these investments. So you want to get this to every civilian of the world? Yeah, every civilian in the world. So you'll be waiving all the patents then for nations in Africa so that any factory can make it because you just want the vaccine to be accessible to everyone. Oh, it's not as simple as that. It's not simple. It's not just something you do on like a child's maths book. Oh, isn't it? Is it complicated? Are there other factors at play? Are there economic factors? Are there pharmacological companies that are involved in this? Are there some people that can have the vaccine and some people that can't have the vaccine? Are there questions around the vaccines? Or is this just a straightforward little thing for little children? Oh, here's a lollipop. Here's a vaccine. Here's a solution. Shut up. Get back in your house. Buy my book. I'm not a glib idiot. I'm alive. I've been alive for the last couple of years. I've seen the suffering. I've seen the complexity. I've seen the confusion, the bafflement, the suffering. I've seen all of it. I'm just not certain that Bill Gates is the answer. Imagine a scenario like this. A concerning outbreak is rapidly identified by local public health agencies. If a threat is detected, governments sound the alarm and initiate public recommendations for travel, social distancing and emergency planning. Okay. So amidst this cosy language is the suggestion that we yield yet more authority, authority that most of us were willing to yield at the commencement of the pandemic because we all treasure and care for all human life. That's the assumption, right? And this is one of the things that I would like to see play out elsewhere. If the premise that human life is sacred is one that we're running society on, i.e. we have all these lockdowns in order to protect human life, then across all areas of human life and civilization, you want to see that premise playing out. If that premise only plays out in particular situations, you have to look at what other factors are at play in those particular situations. Are there economic ones? Are there control situations? Yes, 
Yes. Okay. So we're not only talking about the sanctity of human life, are we? Otherwise, we'd be talking about it everywhere. They start using the blunt tools that are already on hand. Ugh, I don't want a blunt tool. Such as quarantines, antivirals that protect against almost any strain and tests that can be performed anywhere. Okay, so lockdown and vaccines. We've already got there. So that book, How to Prevent the Next Pandemic, you know, I don't want to spoil the ending in case it's a bit of an Agatha Christie thing, but it's lockdown and vaccines and give Bill Gates more money and power. If this isn't sufficient, then the world's innovators immediately get to work developing new tests, treatments and vaccines. And this all happens quickly. Here's what I'd like to see in place before we go down that road again. No one can profit from any medicine that's used in an emergency situation, particularly not if it's mandated, because if something's mandated, obviously you've got no choice but to take it. So the idea that you're forced to do something that makes people money doesn't seem right to me. So there's not just one simple, clear-cut answer unless you believe in centralised power and centralised authority. And Bill Gates does believe in that. Nowhere in this video and nowhere in this book will Bill Gates go, listen, obviously you're all autonomous individual human beings and we can see from all of our cultural conversations about diversity and identity that people are going to have a wide range of opinions on something that's global. So obviously people are going to want to do different things and people are going to have different priorities. And we're going to respect that because we have to because it's a democracy. And in a democracy, people have the right to be wrong. Even if they're wrong not to pursue certain medical treatment, or even if they're wrong not to observe certain measures, they have to be allowed to in a democracy. Unless we're saying human life is so sacred that in the protection and preservation of human life, we're going to introduce these tyrannical measures and we're going to acknowledge they're tyrannical, but we're doing it to preserve life. Have a look again at those videos of China where the people are wailing in the towers while their pets are executed and see if that's the world you want to march towards. And believe me, you will be marching. <laughs> This is from Politico in 2017, so five years ago. Let's have a little look at our old friends, the past. Over the past decade, the world's richest man has become the World Health Organization's second biggest donor. That's interesting, isn't it? Because when the current world's richest man, Elon Musk, buys Twitter, everyone freaks out. Not concerned that five years ago the richest man was controlling a World Health Organization. What difference could that make? What difference that could make? Oh, well, play the tape forward. Oh, look, there's this pandemic. Suddenly this guy's got a level 40. Oh, what sort of things is he suggesting? And do those things benefit him in any way? Oh, don't get into that. Look at Elon Musk. He's trying to buy Twitter. What if I can't say the F word? Oh, what if people do say the F word? Ah. Second only to the United States. I'm just above the United Kingdom. The United States, biggest most powerful country in the world, then Bill Gates, a bloke who's good at computers, third, England and history and the empire and everything. He's right between those two things. Sorry, United Kingdom. This largesse gives him an outsized influence over its agenda. Do you reckon? That could grow as the US and the UK threaten to cut funding if the agency doesn't make a better investment case. The result, says critics, is that Gates' priorities have become the WHO's. Interesting theory. Rather than focusing on strengthening healthcare in poor countries, that would help in their view to contain future outbreaks like the Ebola epidemic, the agency spends a disproportionate amount of its resources on projects with the measurable outcomes Gates prefers. And that's from those conspiracy theorists over at Politico. Woo, Politico! Here's Tim Schwab at The Nation. Revelations of the Gates Foundation's financial stake in COVID-19, which Bill Gates does not appear to have publicly disclosed in dozens of recent media appearances, speak to broader criticisms about the lack of transparency in the foundation's increasingly central role in the pandemic. Transparency. Imagine if Bill Gates, instead of sitting there perched with his little bookie work, said instead... Listen, I've got to be honest, I mean, I'm, I stand to make a ton out of all this and I'm in control of all these things. I invest in these media organisations and I invest in these pharmaceutical solutions, just so you know that I believe in them. That's why I'm doing it. Like, what's wrong with saying that?
Who are they accountable to? They don't even have a governance structure that's clear. Notes Kate Elder, Senior Vaccines Policy Advisor to Doctors Without Borders. Those scoundrels. Increasingly, I see less information coming from the Gates Foundation. They don't answer most of our questions. They don't make their technical staff available for discussions with us when we're trying to learn more about their technical strategy on COVID and how they're prioritising certain things. All we're asking for, Bill, is a bit of communication. Just write it down on a bit of child's maths paper. Just sketch it out if you want. Don't be so stupid. That's childish. Because Gates is not an elected representative or public official, the details of his far-reaching influence and finances have largely eluded public scrutiny. Remember when sort of conspiracy theorists used to say truly powerful people aren't visible within the system. They operate in opaque ways where they cannot be reached by democracy and agencies of democracy that encourage or demand transparency. And then just bear in mind what you've just heard. You have an enormous amount of power that affects everyone around the globe and there should be some accountability, some transparency, says Love. People are not asking unreasonable things. It's a charity. We're asking, can you explain what you're doing? Can you explain what you're doing? No. Can you show us what these contracts look like? No. Particularly since they're using their money to influence policies that involve our money. Here's a drawing I did of a tree with an apple on it. Bill Gates' tax records and investment portfolio bear scrutiny because of his leadership role in the pandemic, whose total cost to the global economy is in the trillions of dollars. Public understanding of Gates' finances is also limited by the foundation's maze of inscrutable investments. Now listen, when it comes to investments, I'd like them to be, of course, inscrutable. That means they can't be scrutinised. So I've decided to put them in a maze. It's always clear that your objectives are pure when stuff's in a maze. Inscrutable investments like its reported $100 million stake in GTIA Institutional Investors, a private fund domiciled in the dun, 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 Cayman Islands, a jurisdiction renowned for its financial secrecy. The company in charge of the fund, Global Forest Partners, said the fund-specific holdings are not publicly disclosed. Okay, then, why don't you just write it down on a little bit of maths paper, do a little bit of a drawing for us, since that's all so simple. While the Gates Foundation is a non-profit organisation, its endowment still generates billions of dollars in income, more money over the last five years than the foundation has given away in charitable grants. It's making a profit. If the pandemic does end up delivering a financial windfall to Bill Gates or his foundation, it may pale in comparison to the political boost he's received as Earth's de facto vaccines are. His widely lauded role in the pandemic already appears to have helped institutionalise and normalise his political power in other areas where the foundation works. Well, there you go. Bill Gates has a lot of power and a book out. Bill Gates wants to save us. Do you think that the solution is granting more power and authority to unelected agencies that are privately funded by wealthy individuals, particularly ones that are directly connected, powerfully and significantly connected to Bill Gates, who's their second biggest investor? After the United States of America, let us know in the comments below, particularly as information around the pandemic continues to evolve and change. I'm not saying this from a conspiracy theory perspective. I'm not interested in conspiracy theories. I'm interested in information. I'm interested in transparency. I'm interested in truth. I'm interested in democracy. All the things that all major political parties and media outlets claim that they're interested in as well. So there should be no trouble here, right? Hit us up in the comments below if you agree with me or if you disagree with me. What mistakes are we making? Give us a thumbs up. If you don't subscribe yet, subscribe now. Remember, if anyone replies to you in the comments saying it's me, you'll know if it's me because it'll be all weird and weird spelling and stuff. And I'll- all right, so Bill Gates, what he's doing is he's a similar uh, function to like the British East India Company or the British Raj. It's kind of like a, a private company that has more sway than a lot of nations. Here's an example. Uh, East India Company, uh, bigger than the United States, bigger than the United Kingdom. But it's owned by people in the United States and the United Kingdom. 
So it's like a private entity. And as you look at over time, it trans transitions into the British Raj. <clears throat> so it's a huge amount of private influence kind of off the books, but uh, racking up lots of money. That's kind of like what Bill Gates is doing. It's not just him. It's all the other people that invest with Gates. Like he was going to Jeffrey Epstein for funding. Shouldn't it be the other way around? Shouldn't Epstein be going to Bill Gates, one of the richest guys in the world for funding? Why is Bill Gates always trying to go and get government to fund his projects instead of using his own money? Right. Because the we, he doesn't have a mouse in his pocket or maybe he does. Maybe he does. But the we, he's talking about him plus a whole bunch of governments and they're taking taxpayer dollars to do the things that he wants to do, but can't afford to do with his own money. It's a really interesting dynamic and people should look at him with a little more scrutiny. There's Gavi, there's Seppi, like all the groups that approved who would make vaccines in the first place were Bill Gates uh, influenced organizations or controlled organizations. Not to mention that he's making windfall profits of trillions of dollars. So he's making way more money than he ever did by uh, being and a primary said stakeholder in M- Microsoft. He's yeah, done I mean, CNBC that's actually interviews and TED yeah. Talks and had pointed the whole time, you know, it's and knew these things were coming money. and did nothing to protect people, but did everything to make money from it. And they're saying, well, we might have to do these things to protect people. But at the same time, they're waiting a year before they tell you what they knew a year ago on the J&J shots. It doesn't add Remember, up. Remember, they were suspended for about two weeks a week um, early on when they first were made available because of clotting issues. And then they were re- reviewed and allowed to be under emergency use again. Yeah, and remember when it didn't matter which shot you got? They're just like, as long as you get a shot, you can mix and match. And they all work together. And all those lies they told It only has to be one time, by the way, whether it's a cycle of the two shots for the mRNA or one shot for the J&J. It's only one time, Rich. You won't need a booster. Yeah. Don't worry about it. And then you got places like New Zealand, it's $15,000 fine or six months in jail. If you don't have one of these concoctions that might, you know, do whatever they'll tell you a year from now, but they're not telling you today when they want to scare you with those fines. It's not about health. It's not about science. It's about compliance at like every step of the way. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, people might say, well, that's New Zealand. It's not America. Well, I think it was what Delaware or no, New Hampshire. One of those two states, I think it was New Hampshire. Rhode Island. Rhode Island. That's Rhode Island. Wrong. Where they would tax people if they didn't have so up to date injections. So double tax, be, I think know, it, what yeah. it was, right? Double tax. You needed three doctors to sign off and have an exemption. A bunch of crazy stuff. Yeah, they're just um, looking to make people move. That's all. That's what these. <laughs> that's what those rules are doing. Making people look at you know, where's the states that have freedom. Now that was you shot know? down, from my understanding, with the fact that that yeah. was considered should you know. But be, they'll try again. Cause for pause. Exactly. That's right. That, that, that's just, it's testing the waters right now, seeing what they can get away with and certain, and that's a very sort of uh, progressive area. They'll do it while they have the Alex Jones trial on after they've put the blood in the water with the depth trial. So yeah, the depth trial is just uh, it's a preliminary sort of um, circus that's going on. Circus. It's like the pre-show for the circus of the Alex Jones trial that they're going to televise probably this summer. Yeah. Such that's going to be a shit show. All right, LD, uh, do we have a juicy clip from the middle of uh, the Richard Gage interview with our special guest tonight? And then we'll we'll prime it because what he does is, um, yeah, he's giving a presentation. So since we'll just be having a back and forth for like a half hour, forty five minutes, he's not going to have a chance to get lay all these facts out. So it'd be good to get some of these facts on the record. So I want like fifteen minutes from the middle. And then like the last two minutes when he shows like the who's who and who could have had influence, control, command, control, these sort of things. Does that fly? 
All right. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to start where he's talking about Paul Bremer. Maybe that's. Yeah. Right before that. Right, right before that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, at, right before uh, the tenants, yeah, right before. See, the whole thing is really good. So it's like, yeah, okay, that's a good spot. Any of those, yeah, tenant alterations. I mean, oh yeah, the uh, oh yeah, right where they spray yeah. on so the whole thing. That's one of the reasons I wanted to have him on, so more people would just go and watch this interview with him, and Richard Gage. Yeah, and uh, yeah, get that presentation in their wherewithal, so they can see other other options to the official narrative for sure. They look a lot more credible. Than the official narrative for sure. All right. So this is uh coming from Richard Gage's 9-11. What is it? Richard Gage 9-11 Unleashed, his podcast, his video podcast. Go ahead over to YouTube, find Richard Gage's page because he's separate from the architects and engineers 9-11 now. So he's got his own YouTube page. Be sure to subscribe. He's been interviewing a whole bunch of inter- interesting um authors, researchers. They're doing presentations. He's had several summits. And it's all good for consideration because I don't think anyone really has it right yet, but it's like from seeing all these puzzle pieces laid out that you're like, this one fits with this one. And, you know, from, from the, the clip we're about to see right now in there, um, the guest who I'll disclose afterwards, uh, well, and I'll just tell you now it's a researcher named Jeremy Reese. I've been a fan of his work for like 10 years. Uh, Richard Gage had interviewed, interviewed him a, a week ago. And Jeremy during the interview says, you got to watch Richard's previous interview with Aiden Monahan on um, remote control systems. So then I watched that one afterwards. So there's just like a ton of good content for consideration. And it's about having an open mind and trying to understand because there's it's multiple layers what happened back in that event. And those layers are very different than what they've told people in the narratives. And there's a lot more evidence in these other layers. And it's important to get like, it's not just one thing. It's like a whole recipe of things to bring about the effects we saw that day. So with that, let's jump to the a sample in the middle of this interview between Richard Gage and Jeremy Reese. This Komatsu Dresser Mining Division for a while he headed, which was a demolition company. I'll do like so that's another interesting two minutes before that. This yeah. kind of company. He's also severe military response. Oh, right before that. Yeah, let's get go to the beginning of the Bremer section. Yeah, the clip. He's the first one that uh, talks about, about Osama bin Laden, aside from Andrea Mitchell. The American way of life is not threatened by these people. Many resources as, as really who could have. All this troll and, and all these, this network of, you know, spooks and operatives and, and stuff like that. Um, John O'Neill would have been the guy to go on and, and tell us, you know, who is responsible for this. He would have been, he, he should have been on, on television that morning. This is who went on the television that morning instead and gave us the first official pronouncement of what had happened on 9-11. And um, let's play that interview real quick. Can we, should we, I'd like to play the whole thing so people hear it. number yeah. of groups who could be responsible for something. We want to turn now to uh, to a uh, guest who is joining us in the studio. Uh, it's Paul Bremer. Want to make sure I'm getting your name right because I'm just meeting you right, just at right, this moment. Right. You're you're a terrorism expert, counterterrorism. I hope and 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 can talk to us a little bit about about uh, who who could. I mean, there are a limited number yeah. of groups who could be responsible for something of this magnitude. Yes, this correct? is a very well planned, very well coordinated attack, which suggests it's very well organized centrally. And there are only three or four 
candidates in the world, really, who could have conducted this attack. Bin Laden comes to mind right away, Mr. Bremer. Indeed, he certainly does. Bin Laden was involved in the first attack on the World Trade Center, which had as its intention doing exactly what happened here, which was to collapse both towers. He certainly has to be a prime suspect. But there are others in the Middle East, and uh, there are at least two states, Iran and Iraq, which should at least remain on the list of potential suspects. What, what kind of coordination would, I mean, how, how could you, something like this be put together? Well, you'd have to have, uh, first of all, you've got to find some people who are willing to die, which is not that easy. And then, of course, they have to find ways around what we thought was pretty good security at our airports. We haven't had a hijacking in a long time, let alone four. Um, so there had to have been some very good coordination there. Um, there has to have been coordination in the whole planning of the attack. People, if they were not Americans, had to get visas to get into the United States. They needed false identities probably to buy airplane tickets. They needed uh, cars to get to the airport. I mean, there, there's a whole lot of stuff that had to happen here. With, with, Go ahead. Well, with, with as many resources as, as our government and, and our allies' uh, governments around the world devote to, to studying terrorism and, and knowing what's going on and what they're planning, I, you have to wonder how something of this magnitude, how this could take place without any warning or any well, hint that it was coming. First of all, the intelligence against terrorists is the hardest intelligence there is to gather. Mm -hmm. Basically, you have to have a spy in the terrorist group who's willing to talk to you for whatever reason. It's the hardest intelligence there is. The, the National Commission on Terrorism, which I chaired last year, made as our key recommendation a much more vigorous effort to try to get terrorist spies uh, as, as informing on their colleagues to us. Every time there is a major terrorist attack, it is automatically, of course, an intelligence failure. That's by definition. But I'm sympathetic to the problem about how you get good intelligence on these people. It's not easy. There is an intelligence failure here. There is a massive security failure where we have four airplanes being hijacked in the same morning, two from Dulles Airport, it appears. Uh, so there's a lot of lessons that are going to have to be learned. But first, we've got to find out who did it. Mr. Bremer, I, I want to speak to that for a second. When the Oklahoma City incident occurred, the immediate response from a lot of people. Uh, you're on mute, Jeremy. So he got that wrong. I don't think there was two planes hijacked out of Dulles, but um, he he he. There's some key things. He he chaired this National Commission on Terrorism. He points the finger at you know possibly Iraq and Iran, and and then towards the towards the end here he he says you know Pearl Harbor happened a month before I was born. Pearl Harbor. I hear my parents talk about that as a seminal event in their lives all the time. I am not aware of anything like this in the United States before. Americans are now, I think it's fair to say, really scared. Uh, should should we be? This is a well, day that will change our lives, isn't it? It is a day that will change our lives. It's a day when the war that terrorists declared on the United States, and after all, they did declare war on us, uh, has been brought home to the United States in a much more dramatic way than we've seen before. So it will change our lives. Um, I do think it's important, and I'm sure the president and his, his colleagues, when they start talking about this, it's important to hit some balance. The American way of life is not threatened by these people unless we threaten it ourselves. If we start throwing away, throwing away the, uh, the democratic freedoms and the civil liberties that, um, that are at the heart of our society, that's what they're, they're after. And that's what we can't allow to have happen. And we've got to go about our business. People have got to move, move around. I've, I was uh, 
diverted on a plane this morning. I was trying to get to New York and wound up in Baltimore. And I, I in a way, was sort of at least relieved to see business as usual going on among people. We, we, we have to go on with our lives. It's not to say we don't take it seriously. We take it very seriously. But it's not something where we can all jump in a foxhole somewhere and hope the world doesn't come and bother us. We, we have to find a balanced response, one that makes it absolutely clear, as the president said this morning, that we're not going to tolerate this act of war. This will have consequences for the people who did it. Very, I hope, very severe consequences. I hope the most severe military response we can come up with. But we also there have it to is. remember that we've got a way of yeah. protect. Military it's response. Threat, this is not an existential threat to the United States. All okay. right. Paul Bremer. So, yeah, he he it's it's strange that we, we find L. Paul Bremer going and giving us the official story of what happened that day on um, the first person to point the finger at Osama bin Laden. Because um, Paul Bremer had an office right in the impact zone of the North Tower, right on the 90, 90, near the 93rd floor where flight AA-11 impacted the North Tower. Uh, that was right near Marshall McLennan's secure computer room. And um, Paul Bremer later became the Iraq occupation governor. He was later, you know, the, the point man in Iraq and, and, and led the Iraq war. Yeah, but so, Marsh, Marsh McLennan was, um, was pretty wiped out by the, the, the uh, collapse, if you will. Yeah, they were there. I mean, they were a big component of the World Trade Center there, and uh, they were they lost uh, a number of in, their employees, and uh, I guess like hundreds, hundreds, yeah. I think afterwards uh, they they formed a division called Marsh Crisis, and um, and Bremer headed Marsh Crisis up until I think 2002, 2003, when we invaded Iraq. When he he left there to um, spearhead the Iraqi invasion. So now he also said uh, that the that o Osama bin Laden had involvement in the ninety three bombing. I was unaware of that. Do you know about that? I don't so, think it's true, actually. Um, but he it, threw it, it out. There. He threw it out there. I, I, I'm pretty sure that the investigation into um, the investigations that I've seen done, the later ones that people have gone back and 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 released the, the declassified tapes and stuff, show that it was in that the Ramsey Youssef or uh, wasn't he an FBI informant and that the he thought that he was bringing a, he was doing an FBI drill and that the, the van was full of uh, mock explosives as part of a drill and that they had given him real explosives instead. There, there was an FBI informant, but it, it wasn't him. No. Yeah. So the whole 93 world trade center uh, bombing is definitely, um, definitely something. Yeah. I get, I have a, another slide on that in a little bit, I think. Paul Bremer, though, I want to get, I want to talk a little bit um, more about his some of his interesting connections. So there were a, a number of fireproofing upgrades in the towers on the floors, you know, that were owned by these companies, and the fireproofing upgrades included um, the spray-on fireproofing called Interchar, which was developed by Axel Nobel or International Paint Company, 
which Bremer happened to sit on the board of directors of. Huh. He's on the board of directors of a paint company. That's curious. Yeah. And this kind of company, he was also connected to this Kamatsu dresser mining division for a while he headed, which was a demolition company. So that's another interesting connection that Bremer has, um, which makes him, you know, a little bit more of a suspect. Here's the actual documents on the fireproofing upgrades that performed in the towers. Abatement of asbestos containing fireproof material from the elevator shafts was ongoing. Expected to take, you know, millions of dollars in, in a number of years. Um, there were World Trade Center alterations on, on these floors. And uh, these are the time frames and uh, in years, you know, starting in 1988, 1988 um, going through the 90s up until, um, you know, Marsha McLennan recently there. <laughs> Excuse me. So they were on floor 95, apparently, uh, Marsh McLennan, uh, which is uh, right in the middle of the the, the plane impact. It yeah. Looks like. And I have um, at the North Tower. I have a whole. So this is the. We'll get into this. This is the whole blueprint, so people can go and look on who was on each floor. Oh my and, god! And dig into that deeper. Um. These are available in on PDF on 9-11 Blogger under this link right here. And uh, hopefully you have that to share in the description because uh, I'll post it in private chat for you. And you can share that with people. But yeah. uh, Gail, do you want to grab that link out of the private chat and share it on, uh, on the social media so at least people can have it now who are listening and we'll... Also remember to put that in the description after the show. Yeah, there's large printable versions of these, you know, that go into, you know, highlight the the real interesting connections in red and some of the other, you know, interesting connections in, in other colors. So um, these were made by Jonathan Cole uh, based on Kevin Ryan's research. Oh. And, um, you know, FOIA requests into you know, the World Trade Center tenants who was, you know, and the leases, you know, to, they went and got the leases from the World Trade Center to see who occupied what floor and, and when and what kind of work they did. So that's interesting um, part of the investigation that uh, should have been done. Also, uh, Scott well, Forbes. Hold on. Let's let's go back. We can't. uh Go over this uh, too fast. I mean, here we have the fireproofing upgrades at or adjacent to the floors that received the the, uh, the, the that had the impact of the plane. Uh, yeah, so that's where that's where variation. the plane impacted, and it's also where the failure initiated, the collapse initiated at that point at the at at this point in the building where the plane floor seventy seven to seventy eight in in the south tower and floor 92 to 100 uh right there so so was the question of course it's implicit is was the uh fireproofing upgrade an undercover operation for the application of a paint uh 
uh, or uh, Interchar, uh, for which Paul Bremer was sitting on the board of directors of, was he creating something else? Was he in charge of another yeah. operation here that was used well, in the World Trade Center? These are questions. These are good questions because if if you were going to do an operation like this, you could potentially um, if they if they were to replace that paint that fireproofing stuff in the paint, right? So they just swap the paint, right? Say we swap the paint with um, you know a salt a sol gel nanothermite paint on thermite, you know, basically basically the same paint that they used on the Hindenburg, which you know the, the, caused the thermite reaction in the skin of the Hindenburg to to uh, light up. So that they knew about this kind of stuff. There's this, you know, the investigation into the Hindenburg, um, you know, revealed that this type of chemical reaction was occurring in, in the, these types of paint layers. If if you, if you know, the iron the iron rusts and creates this iron oxide, and then the aluminum, or you can use magnesium or other other elements too. So you can use lots of different oxidizers, lots of different. Um, burning burning metal agents that will oxidize um with that uh, to create that reaction there's a lot of people think it's just uh, aluminum and, and iron oxide there's other types of thermites as well mm -hmm. so it could have been done that you know one of these companies had developed you know a way to make paint on thermite and could have swapped this this paint in the buildings for those spray on fireproofing so that these workers think they're spraying on you know real fireproofing material but in reality they're spraying thermite onto the beams wow. and if you were to if you were to do a full fireproofing upgrade on those floors right right on those right on those key floors right here or you know say 77 to 78 say we painted what if those beams were painted with thermite instead of um instead of fireproofing material how or the that... underside of the uh, metal decking uh, above the ceiling. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the metal decking uh, under between each floor. Yeah, what if that was painted with thermite? What do you think would be the difference, <laughs> you know, in fire performance? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, of the building. And would that maybe explain the rapid onset of collapse a little bit? For those better? of you who don't know, thermite is an incendiary used by the military to cut through steel like a hot knife through butter and nanothermite, uh, which uh, we get into in part three of our webinar uh, is a very, very high tech form of thermite, which is sprayed on uh, or can be, it's a fluid applier. Yeah. Well, they, you know, realize that normal fuel um, or burnable materials in powder form become explosive. So it's the same kind of concept. That when you pulverize the components to making thermite and make them really small, or nano, micro, it's not actually nano, probably micro scale, rather. But well, actually, the components of of nano thermite, the rhomboidal shaped uh, iron oxide crystals, are a thousand times smaller than the diameter of a human hair, which right, by those... definition makes them nano nano scale. So that's why they call it nano thermite. Mm. They call it super thermite uh, in, uh, in in Los Alamos and Livermore, where it came from. 
So there's also some evidence that I found of, uh, you know, Gary Corbett testified before and also Scott Forbes, who is a fiduciary trust um, senior database administrator. He testified to power downs the weekend before 9-11 where they, they shut the they power and, and evacuated the buildings, uh, which I thought was suspicious. Also, there was a, a whole elevator modernization, which would have given them unrestricted access to the core of the building where the core columns were that's where the majority of the structure was for for these buildings for those of you not familiar with the architecture and the the engineering structure of the, of the towers there was a six box columns at the center of the uh, huge box columns at the center of the world trade center which uh housed the elevator shafts and uh, were the main support structure for the building if i'm, if I'm not wrong, let's clarify something sorry sorry to interrupt but uh, there's some things i have to to correct yes. The the elevator hoistways uh, there there was uh, there was more than fifty of them in each tower, and there they are. And so w we wouldn't call those box columns, but the the uh, structural interior core columns are immediately outside all of those elevator hoistways. So such an elevator modernization could have given access to those columns to plant uh, whatever kind of incendiaries or explosives. Sorry, go ahead. There's also the, these these spandrels between. All right, so that was a good sample. Uh, you can go to Richard Gage nine one one Unleashed. <clears throat> it's a YouTube channel. Go ahead and check it out. Subscribe. Get his updates. He's doing shows. He's doing interviews pretty regularly, like a couple a week. And what he's able to do now that he got away from uh, architects and engineers from 9-11 Truth, where it had to all be basically about the architecture and engineering, he's actually going out there and interviewing. Uh, going back to the classics of 9-11 research all the way up to present day and getting a lot of different considerable evidence on the table for consideration. That's what it says. All right. So tonight's guest is a researcher. His name's Jeremy Reese. Jeremy, how are you doing tonight? Thanks for uh, showing up and uh, wading through that clip of, of you and Richard talking. I appreciate it. You were here early too, so I felt bad, but I wanted to have that clip playing in context for the audience. How are you doing? Great, Richard. Thanks for having me on. And, uh, it reminds me why I tend to pre-record and edit things down. There's a lot. There's a lot of ahs and ums. <laughs> yeah, uh, and there was also a little bit of speculation in the part that we actually played, and I wanted to let the audience know that everything that came before that was like well-researched, footnoted, these sort of things. So, shame on me for not not picking the clip more carefully. We did it kind of in the five minutes of pre-show, but uh, I appreciate you making time and. Uh, yeah, where where would you like to start? You have the floor. Um, you can talk about what you talked about with Richard Gage. That was fantastic content. If you want to talk about how you got started in this and like what questions you first asked and what evidence you just found and like kind of follow the trail evidence, but it's uh it's up to you. I wanted to make sure that you had a good platform to express yourself and uh, get the word out. Yeah, I mean, I was just trying to research anything I could about, you know, who was inside those buildings that could have had access. Cause I, I mean, I got kind of beyond the, the stage of realizing that it was a controlled demolition and, you know, the whole back and forth arguing with people about the, the physics of the collapse and, and the smoke clouds and the molten steel and all that stuff. And, um, you realize that there's a lot, a lot of layers to this, um, that you have to unwrap for a lot of people because everyone, learns 9-11 the wrong way it seems and even the debunking is designed to kind of wrap um layers around the the core of this even even 
when you start diving into the research, there's so much, um, there's so much infighting and arguments that can draw people away from kind of this core stuff. And, and, uh, it's easy to get, it's easy to get sidetracked and distracted with, with a lot of the, the stuff that's out there. But I think that, um, in going after the, this core group of suspects and reminding people just exactly who Dick Cheney and Donald Rumsfeld and L Paul Bremer were and how far back they, they go in, into the depth and the heart of this whole, you know, deep state, this, this entity we call the deep state or the new world order. Um, or the Illuminati or whatever the, the, this all these words for it. But if you want to look at who's been at the core of this military industrial uh, banking intelligence complex, that's what I like to call it. Um, uh, really, you could add a couple other terms in there, you know, banking intelligence uh, surveillance uh, complex as well, because they, they've wrapped a lot of different, um, a lot of different, <laughs> heads to this hydra you know yeah the people control dudes yeah right they're about total full spectrum democracy transhumanism cybernetic i mean it's yeah, yeah they them those who want to take away our freedom yeah and it's it's crazy it's kind of crazy how they're so in the open but also in the shadows as well with their connections and and henry kissinger comes up a lot in this of course a lot of people don't know that henry kissinger was was actually originally appointed to head the 9-11 commission until you know it drew, draw a lot of it drew a lot of uh, attention and well, Bremer um, he stepped worked down for kissinger associates if memory serves i i didn't i just looked in dope inc which talks about the east india company being transitioned to kissinger associates so I looked in there in the index for Bremer. He's not in there, but Bremer, I'm pretty sure he did time at Kissinger Associates, which is a, another connection in addition to these other. So they wanted to put Kissinger in charge of the commission. People recognize that right away. And it's not that Bremer got in charge of the commission, but he got other key roles. He's a know, partner. His, He's a partner with Kissinger Associates. You're right. Yeah, he was like he, he his position at Marsh. One of his positions was like CEO of risk management. Yeah. That, that that the whole risk crisis so there's yeah. a number who um who worked with or were associated with uh with henry kissinger including brent scowcroft lawrence eagleburger uh joseph kasputis who was actually head of baseline financial which is where the uh the, the plane impacted the south tower um That's and then you had like george schultz but you know i agree with scowcroft because he on the morning of 9 11 he was in an e4b doomsday plane on the tarmac when world trade center set uh, one got attacked apparently like that's a, the official story somewhere i got his book and i got the 9-11 commission report here i looked up in here bremer because i'm like of course he's in the 9-11 commission report right but i was like i have i ever looked it up so let me show you what i found here's the official like this is the official story i got a couple of these you know just in case one got edited i got like the paperback i got the hardcover Here's this part about Bremer, and let me uh, give you a little context, because he's only mentioned once. I was surprised. He's only mentioned once in this whole book. It's under the realm of counterterrorism. Talking about the 1960s and 70s State Department. Then you go down no, here Brzezinski to Zbigniew Brzezinski. Cyclone nonsense. George Schultz, Cap Weinberger. And then right here on the next page, it picks up. Through mm -hmm. those Schultz elevated the status and visibility of counterterrorism. 
by appointing as its first coordinator, L. Paul Bremer, and then Robert Oakley, both senior career ambassadors of high standing in the Foreign Service. The department continued to be dominated by regional bureaus for which terrorism was not a first order concern. Then it goes on and talk about more warmongers, uh, mentioning bin Laden. So uh, just but, mentions but, him in passing sort of. Thing. Yes. Yeah, that's weird. Yes. That's weird. Does it mention that's, Jerome Howard at all? Oh, like, let me look. Let me look. For Curl Associates. This should be a I good mean, game. I, we should make like a 9-11 <laughs> board game. Hauer. Because, I mean, Hauer is, an, you know, he was sort of the go-to guy. It's, it's interesting that Bremer was on early on one of the first ones to, was it Vance that mentioned Osama bin Laden? Then he sort of like backs it up and says something about the World Trade Center 1, which... That There's had been no, long debunked, I thought, in regards to Ramsey. You said exactly what no you were saying, Jeremy. Hauer, I thought it was H-A-U-E-R. Hauer? H-A-U-E-R is how you spell it. Yeah, I thought so, but I don't see that. Unless I'm also... All right, yeah, we're getting uh, sidetracked. The point was, well, there was only one reference to L. Paul Bremer in the official report. and uh, Yeah, H-A-U-E-R. Yeah, that's weird. Yes, definitely did not dive enough into um these names and characters uh, in their investigation i think that almost like they had a predetermined narrative created by philip zelikow who used to work with the national security council people that did it almost or john like john lemon who was an associate of henry kissinger and a 9-11 commissioner and james thompson also a 9-11 commissioner associated with mm. uh kissinger so well i seemed when i looked at the 9-11 commission like i remember there's a dude from the new school for social research and that's like a communist kind of outlet here. And then there's some people from the Tower Commission, uh, like good old days of Iran-Contra, BCCI fame, right? So it's like a who's who have covered up the last big thing. And uh, I didn't really, I mean, I had hope. Like, I remember when the, they came out with this report. It was like January 20, I'm sorry, July 22nd, 2005. 2004 maybe something like that it was a long time after 9-11 they waited 441 days to start that investigation what 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 i mean if you're looking for criminals putting off the investigation look no further than 9-11 but people aren't allowed to know these things so um you've done a good job in my opinion over the years of avoiding the red herrings and sticking yes. to who's who who do they work for what's their background follow the money and also like this part about interchar, I didn't know that about Bremer until like I had come across your research and one of your other presentations, right? But my theory was before I knew about interchar, when I asked the question, like, how could they do the things that like there are things that produce the effects we saw on 9-11, but there's layers of them. So how did they do this part where they might have applied some sort of thermite? To the construction well there's construction opportunities these upgrades these renovations these sort of things but the way i pictured it was when i saw the movie the italian job and ed norton's character goes in there and paints that rectangle and then they blow exactly that rectangle and it cuts right through the concrete and the safe drops down and then they get it out of the water and that's like the beginning of the movie i was like they could paint it on like the painters don't know what kind of thing they're applying and then when you find out they did new spray on fireproofing it's like mm. so well, the hidden hindenburg so, i didn't realize that technology had been around i mean obviously the nanotechnology yeah it wasn't uh, nano application no i know the nano it was a came thermite later, re right? reaction which is fascinating right that that to me is fascinating 
Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's there's even more if we could really dig through the literature going back and stuff. Uh, it was it was funny because when Jim Meggs of Popular Mechanics was on uh, our, debating this with the, the creators of Loose Change on Amy Goodman um, back in the day, he had they, they had claimed that you know thermite couldn't. It was ridiculous. It wasn't it wasn't a military weapon. We actually found it in the um, in the explosives for sabotage handbook. I found it in several, um, you know, army reference manuals for explosives. Um, so proved that it's it's used by the military. <laughs> it's in the manuals, and then we proved that it was also used to to uh, sever vertical steel columns with an article that one of our researchers found in an old issue of Popular Mechanics, where they demolished a skyride tower in Chicago using thermite to melt the legs. And so, like everything that they said was was wrong. And, um, but yet they're still, um, they still every year get, you know, it gets put out like, Oh, you know, popular mechanics, popular mechanics they got it. They got the answer. Don't need to think for yourself, man. Why are you even thinking yeah. about it? <laughs> yeah. So, um, it's, it's pretty, I don't know. There's a lot of interesting stuff in the history of nanothermite, but, um, with, with nanothermite was being developed at, it was being developed by, um, at, at, at uh, Los Alamos Labs and the director of security apparently at Los Alamos at the time, just in that division was was uh, the same company that ran security at the World Trade Center, that Securicom Stratasec. Right. So th they found the contracts for Los Alamos and so someone traced it that's down. I'd like to really see that um, hashed, all that research hashed out. I've been I've had a number of people reach out to me and even send me more documents on on different stuff since I was on, on Richard Gage, because um, I guess more people know about or were, you know, the, you get people coming out of the woodwork that say, yeah, I've been sitting on this for 20 years and who do I share it with? <laughs> you know, and then they see that I'm doing the research. So they send it off to me. And did and you talk like, about the galvanized pipe the other day in the, in the world trade center about they had to replace uh, pipes or something like old that. galvanized pipes. In the world trade yeah. Cause center? I had someone That's contact me about that, but, but then I heard someone, it was either you or Aiden Monahan. Cause I listened to that right afterwards. Cause you said to listen to it. So I did. One of you guys mentioned oh, it was that, him. Yeah. Yeah. Someone who came to him and was saying that thing. And I was like, I had someone contact me 15 years ago and she's like, my dad helped to build it. And he used to come home and complain like they, that. They didn't make any sense. Like the buildings weren't being built to last, built to last that they're putting this galvanized pipe and enclosing it in concrete. And when it fails, you're going to have to dig up the floor, like on oh, every yeah. floor. And it was like a crazy thing. But if you look at it as those buildings were built to be stage props to do exactly what they did and trigger their family's legacy, because it's like Nelson and David were the names of the rock. Like they were the names of the towers, the nicknames of the towers. Right? Wow. Those internationalists. I'm just so saying they cut like, corners. Well, well, galvanized pipe cost actually more. So they probably used just uh, cast iron and which encased in concrete will rust and, and, and corrode in a couple of years. They, they yeah. would have had to use galvanized. That's an old Galvi. type of thing. When when were the trade centers built? By then they would have been 70s. 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 Yeah, by then, like that's something that was like 1920s style architecture. And then like, the other thing that didn't make like an sense old house was my parents lived in, for God's sakes, a big old stone house. Like, they would right. not use that in the 70s and for right. a building that would want to last for a long yeah old cast iron you the, the 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 casting like the polymerized casting over it would over time wear away and it just like like a steel cast iron panel just start rusting like there's a couple crazy. other interesting problems sense. so like if i were to okay. talk about it i would look at the pre-existing problems like what was going on at the world trade center in a couple years right before this happened 
they were being downgraded. The rental space was downgraded from like an A to a C. So like uh that's the, interesting. I didn't know that. Okay. Because of the lack of modernization I and see. lack of okay. internet, and you couldn't use a cell phone really in the building because the, the the building's casing was like a big Faraday cage, basically. So it was a hard time using the cell phone up there. Or Huh. I worked. I worked up high. It could have been you're up too high to get a good signal, but it was notorious that you can't use your cell phone in the building, even to call someone else who's in the building. Interesting. So you'd have to like you know grab a desk phone and do that. Um, and then why would they be doing these upgrades in these select areas in buildings that like the, it didn't economically make sense to keep them in service anymore? And then the question comes: How do you take these buildings down economically? What's the insurance risk to take down these huge, huge towers? And then I thought, well, they had to ask that before they got the permit to build these things in the first place. So maybe in the permit, there's some, you know, how are you going to take this down? Maybe they're like, we have a way to deverticalize it later on command, just like they do to embassies, right? They can have it set up in the construction to do the thing that we observed that oh, day, I see. Yeah. right? So there's a whole bunch of, and then there's the insurance policies prior to that and Silverstein and then the tenants of yeah, the Silverstein, and but that is that whole connection. So much and interesting what he history built afterwards in any of those hours. I have a yeah. quick question for Jeremy yeah. though. Like, you said something very wise to me earlier on. Like, it's a lot of people start with the how the, the buildings possibly came down, gets into a lot of that ignorantium fallacies, you know, possibilities, but we're not quite sure. But you had the wisdom to see through that and say, no, we need to see get more to the the who, what, when, and where before, and then the logic of those connections before we even get to the house. So yeah, what, you need, what, you need what the who, that? what, when, and where to get to the why, then right. to understand the how. That will yeah. all lead you to how it was done, but right. to, to, for you to, and I know you're, you have a background in physics. I remember your moniker as alien scientist back in the day. I used to love your videos and watch them all the time. What used was, to. You don't watch them anymore, Tony? I haven't, but it's been a while. <laughs> call me out. It's been a while. Um, not that I'm still at it, man. I'm still doing it with still the alien it. scientists, man. That's where we got to go in the future. Uh, that because that's like the 100%. big solution, man. Is uh, there's technology that you know the government's not just been hiding this stuff, they've been hiding a heck of a lot more. And oh, yeah. the technology that they have under their belts out there again, when you start understanding who really runs the world, who really runs the show. Um, you look into companies like Battelle, and I started researching Battelle. Um, it, it, it led me to all the like who could have developed the nanothermite. I started metallurgy contractors. Battelle comes up right away. And when you realize that <clears throat> Battelle has been around since before the Manhattan Project, uh, they and they essentially own they don't essentially they, they, they own every single national laboratory in the United States. All of our literally all of our science is managed by Battelle by Battelle That's in the entire United States. You can look this up. They have the contracts for every single national laboratory. Then you realize that every single national laboratory in the country has um, these patent holding companies uh, where, where basically hmm. they'll scoop up the patents and hold yes. them and shelve them and and pay off the scientists who invent these these sorts of things. It basically anything that would anything that would can. Uh, be a threat to the powers that be, which is, is the gold, oil, and drugs. Yeah, that run every you know the gods yeah. is basically gets bought out and shelved, and then they, they there's actual physical systems and mechanisms in place within the scientific realm to do this 
And that's what a lot of people in the scientific community don't realize. They think like, oh, well, I could just become a scientist and go and invent like the next uh, life-saving, you know, energy technology. That's and a car that it. runs on water. Yeah, you know, right. Many that's not cases. the case. It's not the case. I'm sorry. Like, it's not how it works. <laughs> no, you're exactly right. It's knowledge filtration systems to these uh, review boards and these journal reviews and all this sort of nonsense. Plus, most of it's done through private. Actually, most are competing for government grants nowadays, but even when it was private funding back in the early 20th century and the 19th century, still a lot of it, if they couldn't support the infrastructure already in place in order to make more money in some capacity or to uh, precipitate or continue this, what's going on in regards to how the way we distribute electricity and thinking of Morgan um, and uh, the whole battle with Tesla and Edison and all that sort of nonsense. But to me, you provided a theoretical foundation for like making sense uh, how these technologies actually could possibly be developed and could like here are the theoretical foundations around actually creating technologies that are gravity shielding anti-gravity things that really would be sort of a whole different way of viewing physics and understanding the nature of physics and that and i was really into that earlier on because i'm like well if this is true and a lot of my research led there as well and i'm talking going back like 15 10 15 years ago when i sort of had my own awakening then there has to be at least a, a some sort of theoretical foundation that can be grounded in some sort of scientific understanding that would make this possible. I don't want to hear some sort of like, because there's so many, when you yeah. get into this research, there's so many different, well, let's just call them sort of bad actors or just people that are just not heavy within the physics and they're interested in the sort of what ifs and the imaginative aspect of it, or just, there's so many, there's a lot of weird theories out there and a lot of people would go down a lot of strange rabbit holes. So to me, you grounded it in a sort of physics that but you got to be able to me. entertain weird theories in order to get you to do, what the actual but you have to make is. sure you can, you can ground it in logic. And that's what Jeremy, and that's, that's what was really powerful about your work, Jeremy, because you really grounded it in logic for me to help bring it back to sort of a material reality. And this is how, how it could manifest this way. So and by logic, you, you mean starting with evidence that exists and, and deducing from first principles. Yeah, yeah. Right. This is yeah, simple. But that's the, what we were going. Well, that's what I did with all the electronics and photonics. I mean, I was I was talking one of the first people talking about yeah. about yeah. spent using yeah using opto electronics and and the, the the future of how everything would be run with uh, and and indeed the quantum computers they're they're now realizing that we can't build quantum computers with without this technology without right. the opto electronic technology it's just not possible. So um, it's it's good it's good to uh, becoming full circle now with a lot of this as it's emerging and people are like, Oh, you know, people have been talking about this for 20 years now. What, where, where is it? It's like, well, here it is. It's, it's, it took 20 years to get here and it might take another, uh, another 20 to get where we really need to go with it. Um, right. But uh, I think that it, lowering our power, power down is, is, is a big part of this, uh, you know, um, realizing that we're really wasting a lot, a ton of energy with the mm-hmm. way that we have our, all of our infrastructures currently set up, including the um, gasoline engines and, and cars and everything. And then that's going to be a challenge in and of itself, because, you know, we're trying to switch over to electric, but then that the uh, the cost of lithium is going through the roof, and Correct. and we don't we don't have enough of and how uh, many that. lithium deposits. I mean, it just gets yeah, it just becomes. We can't. We don't have the infrastructure to completely, you know, replace, uh, you know, fossil fuels yet. And we right. we're we're a bit of a. But a we jam. could, we could uh, allocate land, grow hemp, make alcohol, make alcohol gas. You could have an engine runs on alcohol. You don't want to grow hemp. You can buy it from the town hemp 
uh, agora. Corn. And if you corn, grow it, corn works great too. Yeah, corn works great, mm-hmm. but hemp's, hemp's more efficient at it. There's a book uh, by David Bloom, Alcohol Can Be a Gas. And then you put that together with Jack Harris, uh, The Emperor of Hemp, or The Emperor Wears No Clothes book. Boom. We got that solved. Don't have to worry about the Saudis. There's actually or the a Russians. bunch of different biofuels lately beyond hemp that are, I said, from my understanding, with new technology would make it pretty much just. But as we want low tech. We want low tech. Like remember back in um, the times of Gandhi when he wanted to protest the the British Empire, they started making homespun clothing. So for them, freedom was a loom where they could make their own cotton, so they didn't have to depend on British textiles. Today, instead of textiles, it's petroleum, British petroleum. <laughs> And uh, to get free of that, we could grow hemp. We could process it in alcohol. We could pump that. That could be like freedom. I'm just saying you could do that with a lot of different bio, but it doesn't have to be hemp. I'm just saying that the technology has evolved to the point where you can use a lot of different, different weeds and grasses and sort of field crops such as that. But yeah, um, cover something that can be grown. The laws haven't evolved. (laughs) Why is it illegal in the first place? Let's go back to history. JP Morgan and DuPont wanted monopoly money and they got it still but back to the my original so it's great to finally meet you and really appreciate your work throughout uh, all the years you've been doing it what 15 plus years now i think i discovered you like 10 years ago um but what sort of made you transition obviously not away from the possibilities of how the towers could have been brought down the materials used uh controlled demolition uh different types of explosive materials but the transition to the 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 people that might have been the connections let's say the individuals that maybe have some uh, sort of connection to the, the trade center in some fashion? Like what, what made you transition from the echo chamber of a thousand different opinions fighting back and forth on the how it was done and ignoring the financial connections, ignoring the political connections, ignoring the corporate connections? What was that? Well, I think it was it was right around, you know, when all the thermite evidence started coming out with Stephen Jones and, and Kevin Ryan, a lot of these guys who were investigating that. that they it's like 2006 ish. 2006, 2007, all like a lot of those papers started coming out and we started looking into the thermite stuff. And that's when I was like, I really I know there's something more down this rabbit hole uh, with with the thermite connections and stuff. So I kept kept digging down that that hole. But at the same time, uh, we saw that whole wave come out of of these alternate like really alternate theories of um, how the towers were brought down. And um, the whole uh, there was this whole theory of. using the Hutchison effect, which I was mm-hmm. familiar with and, and uh, interested in. And um, there's a whole bunch of videos uh, talking about how that some of these more uh, exotic high, high physics, voltage, yeah, situations. Direct, yeah, directed energy weapons and stuff yeah. like that could have been you know, used to um, to vaporize the towers or, or other other, uh, you know, more unconventional methods. So I, I <laughs> of course, you know, like, you know, become, you know, like, entangled with that because it's 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 more science to kind of dig more stuff to dig down but what you and realize there's layers to it too because it's like it seems laughable but there is footage where a girder appears to just vaporize it doesn't it, as it's yeah, falling it just disappears it's, it's steel, and there's there's right? cars that are half rusted and there's materials that have gone through like perfectly gone through other perfectly like my cemented. point has always been because very I worked, strange it is i had a client strange. that worked there each floor in the world trade center is one square acre so yeah. that's one square wow. acre of Jeez. concrete and rebar under our feet because it's all open floor plan supported by the interior columns and the exterior mm-hmm. columns right so there's all that that's there and for 220 square acres of concrete to vaporize pulverize turn into dust 
I don't know what kind of energy it takes to do that, but it's more than comes from jet fuel in any equation I could figure out with physics. That's true. So but the thing is, that, like you vibrational, mentioned, people, people molecular that, dissociation. There's something else there, unless thermite accounts for it somehow. Oh, I was I was no. totally into that early on, yeah. just from my research into alternative potential right. energy solutions to Jeremy's. Wait, go ahead, Jeremy. I'm sorry. Right. The whole thing with um, molecular dissociation, if it was steel and, and you're using directed energy at your, or microwaves, um, it's going to, you know, it's going to spark. It's going to sparkle pretty brightly, uh, just mm-hmm. like the, the argument that they used against the thermite said, oh, it was, it, the whole thing would have lit up like a sparkler on the 4th of July. So it couldn't have been thermite. You know, well, the same thing would have happened if you sh- if you put directed energy weapon on on the metal, especially the aluminum facade on the outside of the building. Like you mentioned, it acts like a Faraday cage. Well, how did they penetrate to the, the core, you know, columns in the building if it was directed energy weapons? And, you know, you come up with all these really scientific ways of of asking the questions and looking at it. And then where did the energy come from to do it? If that, you know, it's much easier to store it, that energy in chemical form right. inside devices that are pre-planted within the buildings and why are they all this effort to look at a hurricane that was you know 100 miles off the coast and it, it just seems like distractions from you know what we should be looking into which but without is, that know, hurricane you would have had a cloudy overcast maybe day and that hurricane sucked all the clouds and all the smoke that day out of the set so from the camera and the you know all the cameras were looking south pretty much yeah that day and as the set design the, the wind blows all the smoke left all yeah. day which There's is going strong east, wind too right so it's it's it was a it's it's something that you can continue to look at and analyze and look and see what are those angles. It's not just that there was a hurricane there. There's a whole naval armada out there just off the coast of Long Island when this is all going down. And then you see some navy helicopters maybe flying around the the trade center while it's on fire. There's are a whole you bunch serious? Of stuff. Wait, there, well, there's um, the naval armada. Was there, Rich, is that part of the? That's not part of the NORAD. It was Hurricane games. Aaron. Yeah. So it, the whole thing is you have there's a whole bunch Aaron, of facts. That's the woods angle. But to Jeremy's point, how do you penetrate like a Faraday? And then there would be some sort of friction with the waves with the material. I mean, I know about planning and, and a, you know, picking the date of September 11th for esoteric and other reasons, That's but it's uh, the birthday creating the a hurricane. They created a hurricane too. I mean, it, it's yeah, like maybe no, it was I a lot. Yeah. I don't know. Anyone Lucky claimed, happenstance, but um, I'm sure people did claim that they created the hurricane. I just think it's yeah, that's uh, they only created they created the hurricane and then stored the energy in that and then used they sucked the energy out of it uh, to, to demolish the buildings um, later. <laughs> is there so a that, cartoon of that one? That would be pretty good. No, this, this is some some out there, but you know, and, and it's a logical cartoon. <laughs> You got to look at these things logically, and 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 I'm right. still like we still got a bunch of Hutchison guys that we talk to and bring in um, every once in a while to to try to show you know where they're at with with that technology. Um, no one's no one's really there vapor uh, vaporizing steel towers yet with with it, but uh, I, I'm still open to anyone that can show me, you know, a, an example of how to do this. Um, you know, so I, I try to try to be open minded and science to the science that exists. That's what you're, you know, you're, is that your limit? Is that your line in the sand? Like things that either exist or we have, you know, evidence that they've been researching in this area and it could exist because they've been ha- pouring money in. We can't see. So it's like up to the line where we can see plus a little bit further because we know there's a lot of top secret stuff that we they're know doing. that they're 20 years ahead of whatever they're telling us out here in the public. Oh, at least. And yeah, I went to Lockheed Martin say those 75 years. I was going back about 
12 years ago they were saying they might have had some more military technology whatever is in the consumer level is they're 75 years advanced in the military level at least that was his claim it was some managing director at lockheed martin like well is that because they got uh, a time package time capsule package from lockheed martin 75 years in the future is that how they got ahead in the first place (laughs) i mean you guys are like this close to talking philadelphia experiment with that whole hurricane and you know, we might have got something. It, I don't think it was made by Lockheed Martin, but uh, we might have right. gotten we might have gotten a window into uh, something much more advanced in the future. That'd be like an ether physics sort of thing. All of a sudden we had like the silicon chips physics. and, you know, all sorts of technological advances right after 1947. CIA, all sorts of stuff. Well, National had, Security uh, Act. John, John Trump. John G. Trump took over Tesla's work. Tesla's work. He's uh, knighted, Sir Knight John G. Trump. No way. He was knighted. Oh, yeah. He got knighted by uh, Queen Elizabeth, I'm pretty sure. That's Trump's uncle. I mean, it's it's a weird. Could have been King Edmund or Edward or Strange. Right. That's what they were saying. It was like Trump, Trump. Trump holds the uh, the, the secrets. That's what someone was saying. (laughs) They had that time travel book, the, The Adventures of Baron Trump. From like the 1800s yes yes uh, i remember that too yeah see, I that that's entertainment what you and i, I look into daily as our research work is not entertainment it's like oh these are the sad facts of the matter that people aren't really getting to right and um there was a point in that richard gage clip where you guys were talking about 1993 world trade center bombing and um the informant for the fbi i think you said ramsey youssef but he's the guy they put in jail for it the FBI yeah. informant is a guy named Imad Salem. He was an Egyptian military officer. His FBI handler was a guy named John Antisev. And when I first met Jason Burmas, uh, so this is like 2006, my wife and I drove out to Oneonta. We're hanging out with Loose Change. And Burmas tells me about Imad Salem. And I didn't know about that at the time. I didn't have those details. And he's like, brother, you can have the recording. And he goes to the internet. He's like, here's the FBI guy right here. So I got to sit there and like, oh, wow. And, you know, Salem's like, uh, you're the one that to- told me to switch the fake bomb for the real bomb. You got, you know, and, and they're argu- it's the calls about arguing over expenses for him being an informant. But during that conversation, Salem was like, you guys are the ones that told me. And he's like, I know, I know. And I was like, oh, geez. So, yeah, understanding like the context of what is Iran-Contra, what was BCCI? These sort of things. And then 9-11, the story is a lot harder to believe, the official story, because you're like, wait a minute, you guys have been grooming Arab proxy forces for like years, and you got those from the British. All of a sudden, now those guys are rogue. They're not working for you. Yeah, it's it's crazy because that's that's when um, John O'Neill was hired to investigate uh, after the World Trade Center bombing. That's when he started getting into all those networks and started learning a lot about all that stuff and, and became the expert on that. And that then, was the only other detail I think that I I heard like uh, I don't because you said he started that day or the day before. What did no, you it was like a, it was actually there was rumors. Um, it, it turns out that he he started like a month before. It was like like August twenty third or something. That's like why that. I brought up yeah. Jerome Howard because he's the one who got him the job. If I remember yes. correctly, and Howard told the yeah. White House to go on Cipro. Yeah, Cipro the day of the day Howard that it happens. If I remember correctly, works That's- for Kroll. And then you had a bunch of dirt on Howard in your presentation. What else do you remember off the top of your head, Jeremy? Well, um, Howard had been like 
knew knew exactly how the towers collapsed before anyone else did and and you know was assured that it was probably the jet fuel that you know heated up the beams and and caused the structural failure he was at um, the event 101 meeting oh, was before the, event, oh, 201. event 201 yeah <laughs> no i'm um, saying back for 9 11 it was called the event 101 meeting <laughs> that's where they decided on that how things would go that day yeah yeah we'll have to see if there's a video for that one but go ahead sorry um there was another connection that uh oh i thought it was interesting that richard gage mentioned that early on when he had started architects and engineers for 911 truth that Howard had uh signed on and reached out but he didn't he didn't trust him so he didn't put him on the list because he thought he was up to something so but apparently you know Howard was suspicious became suspicious he said he didn't have really really questions about the twin towers but building seven kind of like you know didn't wasn't sure about how building seven came down apparently according to a conversation and, and i told richard like you gotta you gotta dig up this conversation he said he recorded it i was like you gotta post that man like that's incredible that's incredible actually that he yeah. that power reached out to get that's so wow <laughs> that's far out man. honey pot so, stuff there there was another point you brought up that i didn't realize and um so i knew world trade center seven solomon smith barney brothers building right I didn't realize SSB had that much uh, real estate in it. It was like 83% of the building was them. And then the rest was CIA, SEC, you know, emergency bunker. So they had a large part of that building and that Rumsfeld and who else was on the board of directors of that company at the time when it happened. Cause I was like, that's not coincidental right there. They also had a know. small office on the same floor as the OEM uh, apparently so i thought that was interesting it's like well they wouldn't want to have to rebuild the towers and have world trade center seven stick out like a thumb so they were kind of like i oh, might as well pull it we'll we'll build all three or we'll build the whole thing right because at the end of the day it's a i've always looked at it seeing the players that are in it it's like first it's geopolitical strategy to bring about like their wet dream as expressed in the council on foreign relations and the project for a new american century like new Pearl Harbor document underneath that it's a real estate scam. It's real estate fraud where they take out insurance policies, they individual terrorist attacks on each building. So they get moolah coming out of that. They wanted to redesign and modernize and they wanted to have somebody else foot the bill for it. And then out of that, they called it the freedom tower, but it's not the freedom tower anymore. And the memorial that they built on that place is like a black hole abyss. It is like such a disturbing uh, monument that they have there. And if there was any justice, they would have taken that square area of real estate, whatever it is, 10 square acres, that part, and said no, no commerce can ever been uh, transacted on this ground ever again because of those attacks, right? But that's not what they're doing. They're like they got to rebuild the whole place, bigger, better, stronger. When I saw the rebuild of World Trade Center 7, it's such an ominous building, dude. You can you can just tell it's so over-engineered so that no terrorist attack will ever take this building down again. And I'm like, these are permanent structures these people are building. And they're not the set pieces that got torn down that day. And uh, yeah, it's pretty, pretty ominous the last 20 years what they've gotten accomplished with so little resistance or people catching on to what they did. So yeah, yeah thank it's you. A, it's amazing that... Um... I wish they had this, I could take like a time machine back with some of this information to like 2004 when the, when it was first, it, it could have just hit so much harder than it did. 
um, in the mainstream because they were just able to take all these alternative kind of theories and just and just beat this uh, down in the public uh, public eye to the point where I can't you can't even talk about it without offending people and and uh, they don't want to look into the actual information. Well, it's one of those cases where the the victims had to get close to their abusers, and then anyone who questions it, the abusers are saying, "Oh, you're you're doing an injustice to the victims by looking into these events." But it's like an I mean, analogy to what's going on today: Stockholm syndrome, dude. Yeah, it's a form of Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know, looking back on on that entire situation. I mean, one of the things I did recently is I went back and just reviewed very quickly, like what are the justifications for how these towers came down? Obviously it's the burning of jet fuel that weekend. And so the argument, you know, there's always back and forth, which is like, well, it's, you know, jet fuel at that burning at that uh, Fahrenheit wouldn't be able to warp the steel enough for it to collapse in the fashion it did and world trade center seven they argue there is one major column that was the key form of the structural integrity and that was on fire for like seven plus hours i forget the number of time and that that caused a free fall collapse of the building once that 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 beam gave way but it's sort of you know in that the, the issue comes into just physics it's like well free fall first of all even if if, when, if we, we we grant them the the hypothetical that okay jet fuel can burning at a specific temperature can warp you know and it, because the, the 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 beams are open essentially the jet fuel somehow was on fire and then fell the whole way down to the whole like to the bottom of the base somehow warped all of it enough burning at various temperatures that it would cause a straight collapse the way it did at near free fall speed speeds um that that's to me where it's like if anything wouldn't it buckle at certain points wouldn't there be different there be structural integrity issues it'd be inconsistency so i'm going and you back wouldn't have like, two similar buildings doing the same thing the exact th- well neither three, one really, of them fell two, over sure, and hit all the other buildings right? that's what though I mean. there were iron girders from world trade center one that were shot 500 feet across the street through Merrill Lynch in the winter garden behind that building. Girders don't do that. If they lose structural support, they fall straight down. So there's all sorts of like pyrotechnic incendiaries, but people aren't used to watching such things. And that's, they, I mean, that's why I really liked that Jeremy not only looked into like the AIG and Marsh and you found those connections, but then you went and found all those other connections. Which, which the, what's the longest presentation? What's the one that has like all the stuff in it? Do you have a name for that? Um, I don't have like one that has everything. I, I made like three different versions of um, of the of a, a documentary that I did about this. Uh, one was called the first one I did was called 9 11 uh, Conspiracy Solved yeah. uh, Names, Connections, Details, and Stuff. And that one's probably the most thorough. And I kind of chopped it down from there because it was a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff in there that didn't need, didn't, wasn't core and didn't really stress on this whole continuity of government group, which I felt was like I, I later, you know, realized was an essential, you know, core to the 9 11 where it was initially planned. You know, uh, when you when you're looking into that um, the disaster scenario, the think tanks and all that, and uh, scenario 12D, you know that 
that whole concept of that uh, scenario came from those cog think tanks. And uh, that was a, a core part of it. And I did another one called black nine 11 after uh, Mark Gaffney's book kind of talking about some of the, um, the D he had, he had elucidated in that book. Not, not all of them though. Cause he's got a whole theory on flight 93 in there mm. and um, how it was taken down and, and exploded. But uh, the whole hammer fund and all that I covered in, yeah. in the black nine eleven one, one, which uh, a lot of the, a lot of the financial guys, like um, people who, who, who really watch what, what you do were, were interested in that and, and wanted me to focus more on that in future things. But I don't really have the financial background to kind of understand that so, so well. And I had one guy reach out to me who did, and I uh, wanted to connect a couple other dots for me with, with his investigations and stuff. So I, I, I got to reach out to, I got to reach back out to some people. Yeah. My uh, only on problem that. with, I mean, uh, like the problems that I remember with this book were there were ambiguities in his writing about my experiences and those ambiguities had been removed. I thought through the correspondence and provision of evidence. So he, it was like, he was taking like this way over here, Grove, Grove claims. I'm like, well, I, you know, at least Grove has provided evidence to the, you know, toward the claim or something. Right. Mm. Uh, so it was almost like, but anyway, I thought it was a good treatment. He looked at uh, AIG and Kroll and Hank and, you know, uh, you know, the whole Greenberg family. And um, yeah, I mean, there's so few people that talk about this. I was thankful that he's like, you know, new enough to ask me and not just write about it without asking, you know, he's like i can actually go to the source and get documents instead of looking from afar so uh yeah i yeah. remember a couple of interviews i'd seen with you um you talked about michael dukakis i think was his, maybe his name um some of these other uh some of these no other but his last name does start with a d and i'm not looking to dox him and get his organizations uh looking at this podcast oh yeah huh all right cool we'll talk we'll have to talk about that more privately then um but <laughs> but i'm pretty uh, sure because i I told Gaffney, I'm not going to tell you his name, but his name's in the documents and here's where it is in the documents. So it's like, I didn't want to be the doctor or leaker, but uh, yes, yeah, he's a character. Yes. We'll call him Definitely. Mike, Mike D, and it's not Mike Delaney for anyone who's here from <laughs> autonomy tonight. It's not Delaney. It's another Mike D from New York city from the beastie boys. <laughs> no is he the one that passed away because i don't want to be associated no that was adam yeah. any ill communication <laughs> all right so um the documents surrounding some of these companies uh the financial ones you didn't look into but you started looking into the manufacturing and production and like military contractor providers of you know, things like that. And that's where you got like dresser industries, hammer, and you started finding like a small group of people and the companies they sit on and the family control of these things. Right. Like you mentioned Securicom, which if memory serves was like Marvin Bush and Wirt D Walker, right. Yep. That's Wirt two Walker. Bushes because yeah, he- Wirt Walker is George Walker Bush's side of the family the walker side of the family and then marvin bush was also part of that so he's a direct like he's george what, Bush's that's, brother. Com, that's a curacom right marvin bush yeah let me bring up yeah. i got it in the history blueprint here let me see if i can get and it. a lot of those guys came from the carlisle groups um mm-hmm. you know um 
Frank Carlucci had had uh, worked with a lot of the uh, those Stratasec employees um, for a company called BDM International, which did a lot of Navy Black projects. And well, and Carlisle Group was meeting on the morning of 9/11, right? And they had H.W. Bush and Salim bin Laden, the brother of the Hughes terrorist. And H.W. Uh, Bush had spent the night in the White House that night to go to the Carlisle Group meeting in the morning, and that's when 9/11 happened. So you got all these dudes in the, in the, involved, but I didn't have, um, was, uh, Securecom Carlisle group company or they were. Yeah. So Carlisle group, um, was a, you gotta look, you, you gotta look up, um, the BDM international, which is, uh, Braddock Dunn and McDonough or something like that. Um, I'm pretty sure I don't have them, but BDM was Brad doc Dunn and mcdonald that's what it is yeah so braddock dunn and mcdonald's so 1990 carlisle group to buy bd okay yeah and the carlisle group bought them out and um brought a lot of those guys over to uh secure com stratasec this is kind of what they did before and um no, it's called Stratasec before, right? Securicom is the, the name later. Is it always secure? It, secu- it was Stratasec, Securicom, Securicom, but then a company, a similar company sued them for that name and they had to change their uh, name okay. to, to secure to, to Stratasec. And during that lawsuit, apparently they had like had had a bunch of frivolous motions and frivolous filings that just showed them they just wanted to show their um, legal opponents that they had money to burn and you know, with when it came to lawyers, apparently. Um, Posturing a little bit, yeah. Yeah, I had Securicom under Kroll, Marvin Bush, Wirt Walker, and then off to the well, side, Clients, kind of World like Trade Kroll. Center, Dulles, yeah. and United Airlines. But I didn't have Los Alamos. Is that what you had mentioned earlier? Yeah, I have to find. I'm going to get that contract and um and I'll find it for you because Kevin Ryan, I think, is the one who um he he published this in an article called um the top 10 connections between nist and nanothermites where he started just connecting the dots between you know nist this company called saic oh yeah uh, Mm -hmm. scientific applications international corporation which saic became lidos corporation and then lidos uh that's where that's where um barry mcdaniel ended up apparently he works for lidos corporation according to his linkedin account and uh, he was the COO of Securicom Stratasec on, on 9-11. That's interesting because just looking at some of the notes I had here, also worked for Patel Hatfill. Here was, hold on, let me see. Well, Hatfill, is, isn't that the name supposedly... of the anthrax guy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, that's blame? correct. And as, according to my Didn't notes, Jerome he also Howard worked work for Patel, which is the, the chemical company you were talking about earlier, Jeremy. The metallurgists. Uh, the metallurgists, yes. Oh, not chemical. I'm sorry, excuse me. Metallurgists. And uh, they were they were awarded a huge biodefense contract, supposedly right after 9-11. SAIC. Dun, dun, dun. So then Hatfill was a friend of Hauer, and he was working on supposedly anthrax. So that's the claim. At, or AM at the Fort Detrick. Yeah, but uh, Port and Down had the same copy of that. Oh, okay. Uh, a- AIM strain of anthrax. Was also going to Britain as well. Okay. And Britain Britain would also have a motive to send those letters to those people with that wording because it's uh Anglo-Israeli relationship that's expressed in those those notes. 
And then Howard, on top of that, being friends with Hatfield is the one that tells him to take Sipper Bay on the day of 9-11. That was before this. That's Well, there's just, you got to get out your 9-11 so coincidence bin, Tony, and put that in there and say, there's nothing to see here. This is a coincidence. And yes. that bin will get very full. Very quick. Preponderance quickly. of evidence. Holy shit at this point. I mean, uh, it's just, and then, you know, the connections with Patel, which I, I was, I've heard, completely forgotten about i did not realize that until jeremy brought that up as the metallurgy that's just interesting as well jeremy did you ever check out the document where the joint chiefs of staff changed the aircraft piracy rules uh june 1st 2001 do you know what i'm talking about yeah there i i I spent a lot of time trying to find that exact because that was a claim that was made in a number of documentaries and and other things around 9 11 is that they this they changed the um authority of who could you know order a shoot down and yeah just to make it just the vice uh vice president apparently they removed that power from the joint chiefs of staff and others in the chain of command all right, but so I, let's see if I have it here because I had it linked to a Google search. Like this is the Google search you used to do to find it, right? And it would show statement on aviation security, but that's posted 2004, right? Yeah. Now it could say as amended June 2001. I don't know if I trust that. Um, this might go to it. So I'd have to relook it up, but I have the actual title. I have the links. We could go back in the Wayback Machine to find, and I also had a copy of it here. Let's see what this post is. Again, uh, this the title of it was Aircraft Piracy, Hijacking, Destruction of Derelict Airborne Objects. But uh, I'm looking to see. Yeah, so that's, I'd have to relook it up. Oh, wait, wait, wait. PDF. What is this? Notes. That's somewhere. Notes. We have some plan. Oh, this is 9-11 Commission Report. Oh, so if I go to page, yeah, it's on eleven report. You can see the top. Yeah, yeah. So, did I put in what page it is? In my notes, do I have notes? Let's see, notes. No, I didn't. I left myself hanging. Control oh, yeah. F, maybe. Uh, <clears throat> well, the point is, such we a talked memo about that a couple exists. episodes ago. Yeah, yeah, I have a printout of it that. someplace. And that one I remember, and I remember repeating that claim in, in one of my things, and and then I got called out on it, and I had to try to go uh, track it down, and, and I had a terrible time um, finding the actual documentation from the Joint Chiefs. Yeah, so I have, a, I have a printout of it in a folder, so those things don't happen, because I know the internet is tending to change these days. I just I, yeah. I didn't I don't have that folder down here and I didn't think of looking this up, but I wanted to make sure that you knew it existed and someone's already tried to call you out on it. Why don't why don't they want people to know that that exists? Right? Cuz they they now know it's hard to find. So it's like, oh, you might give up on presenting that point. And I'm like, yeah. no, that's why we got to go to that point and get it out there more and um I could uh Yeah, we'll have to we'll have here. to d- dig that dig that up cuz I'd love to um I have a and this too. I like to I'll, take I'll things like that and put it and resurface them every now and again, you know, to make sure that they, they, you remember that, that video interview with on MSNBC with L Paul Bremer, I was taken down three times by Google video and it was, uh, it, it used to be banned, you know, from even being presented. Now you can actually find it if you search for it directly and scroll down to page, you know, 70, <laughs> 
on YouTube search. <laughs> That's I'm funny bits because their algorithm and I was trying to paradoxically it. Send it seems... to LD. Sorry. No, you're Just good. Delay. Now to Jeremy's point though, a lot of stuff does get hidden and the algorithm doesn't pick it up necessarily if it doesn't get the type of hits because it's weighted based on hits and the interest that people give it to certain degrees. And then they look up certain keywords associated with it and it has a sort of complex if thens around it. But it's just, uh, if it's something that doesn't have a lot of notoriety, there's stuff that still remains on YouTube or other platforms that otherwise uh, you would be shot down if it had if it had the certain cloud or notoriety with the number of people that watch it. So that's a good point. Whereas, you know, one of the big things in True Stream Media just sort of a brilliant uh, production about it is what's been happening with the internet, obviously, over the past. For me, it was a, around 2016 election in America for us when Trump got elected, or I started noticing and that the cultural reaction to that, uh, the internet became conspicuously. I mean, before that, people have been doing research and alternative communities, which have been a part of for a long time, working with Rich for over 10 years we had already noticed this trend, but it didn't become really conspicuous to me until about 2016, where it's like you would search for something. So even what I would consider to be somewhat benign. And all of a sudden it would never, they, they, the, nor, the websites I was used to frequenting the blogs or the news sources, they're all of a sudden not available the same way. And that's where I started noticing the algorithm was becoming very stringent. And, um, I think they got they, it took them a while to get hip to that honestly I, I thought I thought they they were slacking on the intelligence uh in, in my my opinion because for a number of like 4 years there we dominated YouTube and Google video like Google video like we dominated Google video like when that was up it was like we kept all the conspiracy 911 conspiracy was at the top and we kept it there for a number that's of all it years. Was. <laughs> that's all it was. Yeah. I was what my, the main conspiracy videos I would watch was always on. This was when I was in college was on Google video. I actually probably downloaded what I could, if it was even programs to allow me to download back then I have to go back and look. Cause I mean, then they took it down. I mean, that was so long ago. I can't remember, but I guess you're having trouble policing that. And then YouTube popped up, but YouTube was sort of a wild west too. They couldn't really police anything on there as well. I mean, that the sort of censorship around YouTube didn't really pick up until again the whole seemingly around 2016, which it seemed oh, like seemingly, 2016 well, I don't gave them what the precedent happened. needed to then go around justifying supposedly that they need to control speech, which is very dangerous. To, All right. So this is this is the this is what this show does here. We get to the bottom of stuff. Okay, you go to Google Books. You type in this, you go to page 458 in the 9-11 commission report. Here's the footnotes, but wait, there's more. We can actually look in the book, the hardcover that I showed you earlier. Let's go to page 458 and let's uh, zoom in right here. Here's the aircraft piracy and destruction of derelict airborne objects. June 1st, 2001 joint chiefs of staff memo. They did change stuff right before 9-11. And this is why Cheney can stand there and say in the, uh, the, the bunker and say, yes, the orders still stand. Did you hear anything to the contrary? Because the orders were changed. He was in power of saying, don't shoot it down. Don't shoot it down. Let it hit the building. Up until then, there was a different chain of command that would have had that f alleged flight 77 shot down uh, before it got anywhere near the Pentagon. And then when you ask the question, who changed the rules? You got the people who were in charge of the operation. So it's interesting. 
that they claim that such things don't exist and it's right there to be looked up at um uh and i already had that page marked so in the six hardcover. no wait that would have been three months before yeah yeah three months before see if you look okay. in my copy of this book there was a I, green tab i think i have the actual right order here on this page you guys uh is yeah we're so, yeah we can see it had a green tab see on that page i just highlighted it but it, that page was already marked for such things yeah it would be in section c and destruction of derelict airborne objects Ah, uh, there you go again it's into it it, it refers it refers you to enclosure, enclosure d. d i remember yeah. there's like a whole bunch of these you have to jump around and you have to have all these to like piece it all together because this they hit it in a lot of uh you know like legal terminology it said like oh the, you have to you know refer to this section refer to that and refer to this so it's you have to piece together like three different sources right uh, in order to yeah i remember they made it very difficult and, and then hope and hope with piecing it together it doesn't become circular that right. they're all just don't reference each other as to who has the answer yeah it's what I'm well they do the thing they don't give us all the information up front in the first place and then over time they just slowly keep taking away the facts that used to be there and easily referenceable to help people understand right and like you're saying like 10 15 years ago it was a heyday of all sorts of people were noticing these things and now it's like mm, that information is not available anymore <laughs> yeah that's it right there yep yeah control control plus for a second and just like kind of zoom in on it so people at home can like see that screen capture there we go juicy screen capture there boom boom look that up read it and then show it to people who think the guys with box cutters did it all because you asked the question how did how did the guys with the box cutters write that memo yeah it was in their favor on 9 11 that memo (laughs) plays in their favor bro well, it's so nice it's, when you start out with the questions and the answers you want to get, and then you just have to spend the do a sort of. Does it say limits are at the bottom? I'm sorry, I thought we were in Operation Northwoods. This is a different document, apparently. <laughs> Vice Admiral Fry. Yeah, brought to you by the people who do. Who would things. stand a profit? Why would AIGF connections to them? Kroll, and then there's Marsh, largest, uh, one of the largest law firms, one of the largest oh. insurance groups, AIG as well and then you have crow associates one of the more corporate investigations industry yeah yeah it's really private security corporates investigate exactly yeah like the private curacom is basically like a crow as well now crow has connections to the cia it's like they're private contractors there's connections to private contractors it's like an international private intelligence agency right yeah basically brought to you by certain state actors not america but they were um they did a lot of the electronic security and badging uh the securecom stratasec so they had all the uh, uh contracts for the cameras the you know dvrs the surveillance systems and also the uh, electronic you know swipe cards to get do you know how to do the ability. the proxima cards do you the know fob. like how to read the information off of one of those cards because yeah. i still have my original world trade center id which is a, it doesn't look like it, but it's a Proxima card. And when you would put it near the thing, the doors would open and whatnot. And yeah. I would like to see like what information is actually on the card, you know? Yeah, we could try to, we could, we could check that out. Uh, I needed a um, nerd needed, to ask that question too. Cause I'm like, yeah, I don't know how to do it. Um, I'd have to, I'd have to run it through like, um, 
I'd have to go get like the systems to do that. But you, yeah, you have an FOB and an FOB reader. It's called a FOB FOB. Yeah, um, we do that in our industry, actually. That's interesting. Yeah, I wonder what information is on it. It, it, it. Normally, it's just a PIN number, and that number is actually associated with that card in the, in their actual system. Yeah, like so, but it gives um, me which gives them authentication. Yeah, yeah, because um, when you go to the World Trade Center back in the day. They would take your picture and give you a paper temporary card. So every time you went there, you had to stand in line. And finally, I was there often enough that Marsh was like, we're going to give you an ID. So I went down to like 94th floor, 95th. It was a downstairs thing. And I didn't have to use the elevators. Every couple of floors in, in the in the Marsh area, they had a stairway that would go down to the other floor. So I went down to security and I got a hard pass. And um, But it only let me open doors on like 90. 697 like where our office and our workers were as like you know contractors so uh but i still have that it's good through december of 2001 so it wasn't expired yet yeah it's generally um i mean that i'll tell you how some of the systems work and they're on different zones or different areas and uh, some of them are cleared for for those areas that you work in um and some of them are you know can be like individual doors individual zones and stuff so they have it all organized inside of like a a system um on a computer where again it would be your number would be associated with an id card which would which would have uh access granted to it within another secure program i just didn't know how much information they would have stored on it would they have like my address telephone number driver's license number other things associated with not with necessarily the on the card but no, the it would be associated in the with, computer in the yeah. computer so like then right. that's that's where the servers would connect with let's like where the erp systems would come in they would connect to different databases that then would be able to pull up so like that number could tie you to another database if they wanted to look that up in the it staff to see your name your address but that wouldn't be on the card itself the cards is relaying a number that's on a database to Jeremy's point, because we do this when we set up security yeah. and manufacturing corporations, when we do the ERP systems, like it just all relates to like a central database that then can tie into other business processes or other business modules, depending on what you want. So but- that fob, that fob, that area is just a, basically it's a magnetic inductor and it activates a, a chip inside the, uh, inside the card, which has an RFID, um, thing in there and all that rfid thing is it it, it, it spits out a number it's it's a radio yeah. radio frequency active identification number and it just when it gets the electronic charge from that you know when you put it up to that fob it spits out the number and then that there's a reader inside there that reads that number that it spits out and that's yeah right on all right so there's, there's no information lurking on that card then that's waiting for us all the information on the computer based on the number that it went back but those computers and those systems are long since yeah they don't exist yeah. anymore yeah yeah who knows so. where they went it <laughs> convar that's, right. that's a good point convar yeah <laughs> convar yeah that was a good one i should have mentioned that uh that's another key piece of the puzzle i i i, I should probably I mean, if you look over. at it as like a forensic historian or some or just like a forensic invest not even a historian a forensic yeah, a german company recovering all this hard drive data found in yeah. the rubble and then german company it. and then curl buys <laughs> it all the the steel is shipped to china china so, i mean I, it's like china yeah so like it's just a very weird you think of a crime scene you Thank want to preserve the evidence as well as as well as you if can you go back to, to the original oceans 11 
Mm-hmm. There's Sammy Davis Jr. putting like shape charges on girders in the building because in both Ocean's Elevens, there's a deverticalization of a building. Yeah. And there's a, a gang, like a whole thievery type thing going on while everyone thinks something else is going on. Yeah. A lot of switch. Yeah. Some really interesting symbology. Well, when did they remake so. Ocean's Eleven? And when did Matt Damon and, and George Clooney turn around, face the camera while the building go, drops behind them? Why name why be 11? Well, I guess it goes back to the 1960s film, which goes back to the probably George novel. Clayton Johnson. Mm-hmm. Wait, really? He's one of the. Uh, yeah, yeah, he wrote that. He wrote that? I did not know George. Okay, interesting. Ocean's 11? Yeah. He might have had a partner on it, but he wrote that. Okay. Yeah, back in the day. All right. So, um, yeah, where were we before we got stuck in George Clayton Johnson land? He's also in the Jack Harrow movie, now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> the Emperor of Hell. I'll have to go back and watch the original Oceans Eleven. Talking about Convor, though. Sorry. Oh yeah, hard drives in the the dust picked up by Kroll Associates. Well, there's a bunch like Jeremy. There's a bunch. I'm sure you know about most of them, but there's the the Patriot, right? Nine eleven, nine pounds, eleven ounces. There's uh, oh yeah, I remember finding stuff like that. Okay, so at the movie at the beginning of the movie, the Mel Gibson movie, The Patriot from like 1996 or whatever that is, um, he is making. A rocking chair and in the first scene of the movie he's weighing a rocking chair and he says nine pounds 11 ounces then he sits on it perfect perfect and i was like what who needs a nine pound rock like what's the deal with that man and it's just this interesting part of but then like, he that would sits be more on it and it, it falls it falls apart revelation right? of the method. so like it's there's yeah. a whole yeah there's the whole revelation, revelation of the method yeah. So. planning ahead of time and letting people know like the lone gunman and those types of things that they put out before then you know would they have a uh commandeered aircraft going into the world trade centers a couple months before they actually did it i mean come on no one's investigating that yeah so oh, that science fiction show yeah i mean there yeah there's was it the, oh the uh x-files or the other yeah, one X-Files. the lone gunman lone gunman and x-files i think were the two i yeah. was thinking of yeah no yeah, that Did was you... an amazing episode. Everyone I show that to is like, this came out before 9-11? Yeah, yeah, it did. Like, so a couple weeks ago, we went over the Titanic, sort of, because it sort of uh, yeah. came up. And it was interesting because it's sort of like the first case for the potential conspiracy around insurance fraud. At least, like, that's one angle that can be played because there's a sister ship. What was it called? The Titan? Oh, yeah, two. There's two. Yeah. And then there was the, damage. Olympic and they and couldn't the get the insurance for it. Or the Olympic. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, right. But the book, The Titan, was where they come up with the hypothetical. Fiction, wreck of the Titan. Fictional. Or Wreck of the Titan. Yeah, but the book, yeah, Wreck of the Titan. From the fictional scenario. 1898 fictional scenario about, and in the first, like, couple of pages, it outlines almost exactly what happens with Titanic, but it was the Olympia with... um. And it's weird because, you know, that ship gets damaged. They couldn't get the insurance on it. It goes back to Harbor where exactly the Titanic takes off from. Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of very strange coincidences around that whole situation. as well. So it's hard to discern. It's like a weird It takes work. It takes purposeful work to discern the the correlations from the Mm -hmm. causations and these things that are like bright, shiny things, but don't tie into the who, what, where, when, why and how. I did Trump just read that book and decide to name his son Baron, or is he really a time traveler? (laughs) (laughs) 
synchronicity you know? or coincidence. Yeah, it's he's like, this will really mess with people if I name the kid Baron. So, Jeremy, I know we talked about this a little bit earlier, but um, someone in our community just asked me and maybe we could I want to actually sort of follow up, but sort of twist the question a little bit. Sorry, Tim. Tim asks, any thoughts on Dr. Judy Wood, dustification, use of directed energy weapons? So yeah, we had so we'd started we'd... getting into that, and I didn't really like come full circle with that because, mm-hmm. you know, again, you mentioned that the, the floor plan was a one acre wide. So so you got to think about how big those floors are and how 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 big the object is, that spire and that video and stuff like that, because right. um you can't claim molecular dissociation with the resolution that you're viewing that at because it, 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 it could just be dust. As point. I mentioned, the, all, a lot of the steel in this building was, was uh, fireproofed on the inside with the spray-on fireproofing. That spray-on fireproofing wasn't so much a paint as, as it was gypsum. No, interesting. So, okay. So gypsum is like drywall material. So if if you um start cracking it, it it, it turns to dust quite easily, and and if you're blowing up a, a building's worth, it can create quite a bit of dust. So there's arguments that you know what you're seeing is is re- in reality is is dust. You know, it's it's not the building turning to dust. It's just that a lot of dust is 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 going up in the air. Because Judy Wood also makes the argument that you know there wasn't a lot of a large rubble pile left over. In fact, you know, there's numerous photos of the of the rubble pile. Huge. And a lot of it was shipped off. Like, like that's massive, six stories, massive. 60 feet, yeah. about six stories. But I remember seeing some of those photos early on. I mean, it there's a there's a massive rubble pile. That's exactly true. I mean, that's yeah. So there's certain things that Judy Wood said that I just uh, um, I don't agree with uh, as as far as the you know the forensic evidence and the facts and just her using of a lot of she she avoids a lot of scientific terminology and in favor of like kitchen item you know the, yes. the bubble the bubbler the fizzer you know like this. Well, it's like I always try to separate the messenger from the message because she's almost like the most eccentric person you could have positioning the topic right and i have her book and i like to listen to everybody and you know i reserve my right to make a decision later i don't know yet but i'm looking at all this stuff right yeah if you separate her and put judy wood over here eccentric presenter and just look at the the stuff that she's saying it's like does the government use tax dollars to make any type of energy weapons oh yeah department of energy right and so there are aspects of this. They do have technologies they haven't review revealed Correct. to the public. That's what all we're these types about of things, right? That's right. But so that so I would go away to uh, so I'm not I don't know about her her claims, but is that a like they showed it to us in a James Bond movie where they had like the satellite Golden Eye or whatever? Golden Eye, yeah. Golden Eye was actually an operation. The sun, Golden Eye is the name of um, Ian Fleming's, uh, or was it? Uh, it was one of their. Uh, their hideouts down in the Bahamas. So there's a golden eye like plantation, but there was operation golden eye back in world war two that Ian Fleming was in on. Right. So I'm not saying it was directed energy weapons or anything like that. I'm just saying the people running the show have already shown us predictive programming where such things exist. And you've had this Reagan star Wars program and armed satellites and rods of God and all this stuff floating around the planet. They might have yeah. used something that we haven't seen yet, and I'm open to that, but not from her I'm, explanation. I am. I'm open it. to it's, yeah, me yes, too. Yeah. To that's certain. that's where I wanted to transition. The question is like because you mentioned you have people that still that you communicate that talk about the Hutchinson effect, which she obviously 
uh, is big into in regards to field physics and directed energy weapons and these sorts of concepts. So I appreciate your openness to say maybe Judy Wood isn't the best representation for that or the evidence that she's pointing to isn't the best evidence to to implicate the or use of directed energy weapons. Or it could be on purpose to make the... Or it, could be, it could be a straw man. It could be a straw right. man to tear down the possibility that some sort of weaponry was or was not used, but to hide the fact that there possibly has been development of... But on the flip side of that, of I watched that Heavy Watergate movie one time and I had concerns about the Department of Energy too. What are they up to over there? <laughs> but know? i appreciate the, the, the so speaking about the jeremy though i appreciate the fact you still because judy was dubious but still are willing to at least consider the possibility because a lot yeah. of physicists a lot of people who have been trained in the science you know you're, you're trained as a physicist so there's a good interview just, that she did with greg yeah. jenkins um where he's an actual scientist who who really is knowledgeable about a lot of this stuff and, and asks her a lot of really good questions and catches her and a lot of stuff a lot of uh it's a good interview uh greg greg jenkins um if you want if people want to di dive into that and look that up um and i've asked judy wood to come on and debate and i've asked her, her you know proponents to have debate with me on this and stuff and they, they they tend to run away from uh that kind of stuff they 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 tend to go on a lot they he she was real popular in a lot of uh you know underground channels including going on you know coast to coast, coast, AM to coast and right. stuff like that so she 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 made the circuits and and then they sent out a massive email campaign uh that to which my professors at a small state college here in massachusetts even got their um emails and you know wow. they 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 had gotten the emails and forwarded to me because they were like you know my professors were like well harry this is up your alley i know you're into all this stuff so so they sent it to me and they didn't you know they didn't really look into it too much themselves but it just gives them the, the impression that you know because they're so busy with you know their university duties and whatever they're doing in, in research in grants hyper specialized fields and whatever they, they don't do. bat an eye at that stuff they just forwarded it to me because they know i'm interested in it and um but that's their interpretation of what what this is out there and of course i i, I you know responded back to them and showed them you know the, well, here, here's some of the other theories and, and and other other information on what happened as well so you know that this isn't the only woman out there questioning the science you know um there's more more legitimate you know uh questionings of the science and and height and and with a little bit less uh you know speculation on on what on what and she try, tries to say that she doesn't speculate but her first uh right out the gate she had published a paper with morgan reynolds on directed energy space-based you know weapons systems and he used this to work like the, in the reagan and bush administrations right because i've talked to morgan reynolds before and i was like hmm, this guy's maybe not like us he's a little bit different you know and so yeah. um he was the no planer and no plane theory saying that you know the, oh, the tower the tower the holes weren't big enough for the impacts and the tower the tower stuff and the only the, the other guy saying that was this guy albert stubblebean uh who yeah who's psychological warfare operations working with uh, rima lebeau and and he was mentioned by Kay Griggs in that six hour talk that used to. Oh, that's know, fascinating. Had, right. I forgot about the, yeah, I yeah. remember Kay Griggs, but I didn't remember that connection because yeah. I remember her talking about that's Kissinger. Why, as you bit, learn right? names, you got to go yeah. back and listen to that because a lot of what she's talking about, General Gray and all those guys were involved in exactly what she's talking about. It's all Cy War stuff. Yeah. It's psychological warfare. Exactly. Yeah. So you start looking into that. I, I, the whole thing with the, the Judy Wood thing is it, it was just 
it tried to make people look at hurricane Aaron. It tried to make people look up in space everywhere, but, you know, inside the towers. And, and yeah. it was, Don't I just look at the vault at underneath the trade centers. Don't look at the financial <laughs> oh, yeah, look away, look away. Or, or look too closely, look too. Yeah. look in the fine dust and look on, on this. And, and now, now we're arguing that, you know, Oh, well, when you vaporize the, the aluminum and the iron in the building, it turns to what looks like nan nanothermites because it's just vaporized building components. So, so there we've explained away all your thermite stuff uh, and you don't have to look into that anymore. So and that's why they covered it with aluminum 50 years ago. And then you can come all full circle back to the construction. It's, it's, it's an interesting piece of work. And I think the truth is somewhere <laughs> between where you're covering it and where, like there was, um, I'll Lots use another cinematic reference, there, Rich, be careful. a cinematic re reference, um, 1984, 85, there was a film called real genius with Val Kilmer no, in there, a great film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. in there. He's, uh, you know, they take these hyper smart kids at a university, which is a front for military research. They get these kids to make a super laser. And then they find out yeah. the military is going to take the laser up in the air and vaporize targets. But they tell space? the students that they're doing it just for it's like research or some yeah. sort of hypothetical project. It's not yeah, something they're actually trying to in manifest. Front of them and stuff. Yeah. It's a it's a crazy movie. But so I think it's somewhere between what you're describing and what they probably have mm -hmm. on national security, which means we have to guess on it because we don't know exactly what it is or how it works. Well, but if that laser was an invisible part of the spectrum, if they used energy from a non-visible part of our spectrum, so that in, the laser is not. Uh, apparent to the visual eye or to cameras but the effects could be dependency the that's that's the jeremy's yeah. point There's about the penetration radiation yeah. and it, it all it all depends on those free electrons in the surface of the material right. that you that you're right. trying to you know so if you have an ionization energy it, it it will it will knock those electrons off and ionize them that that causes sparking. the two big questions is like where do you Turning get the force. energy to do it and then if there was a directed energy there should be some there's contracts so there's contracts for who built those uh directed energy la lasers or masers or whatever have you and there's energy okay. you know there's a lot of technical detail in, in within those contracts or the patents for, for those devices um hmm. you know which okay. which you can look up a lot of the stuff on on how you know part like particle beam weapons and uh and other another things that they've experimented with is department of energy contractors and researchers working on such things yeah yeah it, it's department of energy but also the, there's a number of you know private companies that have developed uh, similar systems with Maybe plasma energy weapons. as well B, like... bae is a big one yeah um yeah. british Raytheon. aerospace engineering mm -hmm. Raytheon. yeah, got... yeah. Raytheon. So there's a number of uh, companies with the contracts, even for U.S. naval uh, laser weapons. You know, so they have these systems on our battleships that can take out um, incoming, you know, missiles. Yeah, I've seen those ones where they like chain that. a bunch of capacitors like together to have like a sort of it's it's like a laser-like weapon almost that was interesting on a massive naval carrier where it's just like chains of capacitors, which are like almost like mini batteries in a way to store up enough charge, then have this. Ridiculous, well, but the, the problem was the energy to generate that charge. Like that's to yeah, have that over and over again. They use flywheels no. and stuff. To oh, charge okay. I would say this group is is part of the the globalist, not friendlies, right? So did they have any capacity to make some of the things maybe on nine eleven up here? Because they're they're right in the midst of autonomous weapon systems. Bandar Bush, Michael Chertoff, Carlisle Group, MI six. 
one of yeah, the things it, it would be yeah. interesting to look into that i mean as far as the energetic capabilities go it's just uh it's just more plausible to me to to believe that that came from chemical energy stored in you know pre-planted explosives that it, it seems like these alternative theories are trying desperately to get people to look away from you know those types of connections i agree um, that's Occam's razor too. One must not multiply entities beyond necessity. In other words, multiply hypotheses and, and like the chem- chemical energy, this, the energy stored in sort of chemicals would be in other words, to, also from a cost perspective and a cost for right, the possibility. Right. Yeah. Occam's razor too. says there's no need to bring anyone else into the, the, the buildings coming down when the owners plausibly did it themselves. Fair yeah. Enough, yeah, exactly. Fair no, enough, right. Also, um, you know, like, as far as a space-based weapon, it would have to be in a, a geostationary orbit to That's you know, right. strike the same point on the globe twice, because otherwise you need two of these things, and then that doubles the cost. And if they there is this kind of energetic capability, that you know, and then again, the the issue is, is that if if you have oh, a weapon that has capable of this level of destruction, why didn't why aren't we using why are we still drone striking weddings and, and why aren't we you know taking these guys out with these these weapons from space this, this you know light from you know <laughs> and why haven't we have haven't there been other targets you know internationally that we've taken out with this you know you know weapon or other nations possibly having developed similar technology I mean, it just it, it multiplies again entities beyond necessity go back to william of Ockham. the idea is this ifs and ifs and what ifs you know hypotheticals and type of hypotheticals and type of hypotheticals about i would more say because they haven't unveiled it publicly yet and they it's, haven't it's had because of the strategic use of whatever they did on 9-11 they haven't had to do much else i mean Fair when 9-11 happened they were like oh these guys jumped and they you know the, we know that they allegedly took four but the news that day was like they had eight airplanes that they hijacked and this could just keep happening for days there was like no like they'd have to shut everything down but nothing ever happened really after that except the anthrax, right? So it's like Al Qaeda had a sound, but all of a sudden they let it. Yeah, yeah right? the, the C4 that he tried to light with his bick, which doesn't make sense. And that's like there to tell people who can think that's a fake story. And it's right. there for people who don't know the difference. Yeah. So there's a there's one more question from our from our audience. Don't mind, Jeremy, that uh, just asked, can you ask him about his position on the nuclear theories? Oh, like the Dmitry Kozilev. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So as a researcher, it's our job to like consider all theories. We don't know until we observe it and start to look at it and think about it and let it marinate. And we don't have to make a decision right away on any of these given things. So I remember going through Kozilev's research and I found it somewhat compelling. I'm like, they did something. I was actually with you at that time. And that was, it was interesting. They didn't blow out the bathtub that that would have let the Hudson River in like it was a very precise construction you know type of thing and when he said they'd use this all the time over there and he had experience i was like okay i'll listen to him so what did you think you remember doing uh, that yeah research? it's just that uh, nukes that don't give off the radiation signature and don't have the byproducts apparently they're like they're micro like almost like fifth generation mini nukes or place uh, charge uh, shape charges but but there was tritium being shot out of that um uh that real estate for yeah a so long time apparently there some of that yeah. tritium can be traced to the exit signs uh, apparently they have a small amount of the radio at radio device to in the exit signs Interesting. Um, during a during a power down or you know there's no power in the building they want the signs to actually glow 
Um, yeah, I don't know about so, that. If I buy that, because I this, thought the tritium detection was from like what, drones what's the satellite on that, like because you'd have to do like what a spectrometer reading and like for how long does the tritium or yeah. the ions from the tritium last? Like, there's so many questions that. So there's a study, a dust study that was done um, by Deutsche Bank, and there's a couple other ones that you can you can actually have the isotopic uh, readouts um, on on the on the on the scale. I don't think that there was uh, any okay. solid evidence of uh, radioactive isotopes, you know, indicating um, the use of nukes. So I kind yeah, of I didn't get that from Kozilev's research. I remember from back, like within a couple years afterwards, and I remember seeing some maps and it being like credible information, but I hadn't connected it to any micro nukes or anything like that. I didn't hear Kozilev's thing till like probably ten years after that. So. Thermite it's interesting that they the use compelling it. to me. Sorry, go ahead, Jerry. Yeah, it's just interesting that if it was disinformation, that they, they'd use like a Russian source for it, you know, to kind of like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> he passed well, away though, didn't he? Uh, recently, I forget if he's. So still... my thing with the thermites always been like I remember seeing. Okay, so <clears throat> was it the nine eleven conference? There was some counter arguments against thermite. Like no, no, I just remember I, I, I was at the nine eleven conference in 2006 and i'm pretty sure i walked into the auditorium and stephen e jones was either presenting or somebody was playing the footage that he plays where it, the, the 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 molten metal is just coming out of the side of the building and you're like there's a exothermic reaction going on there that doesn't look like jet fuel and that's where i first kind of became aware of that uh that hypothesis so i was like that's one thing to cut those girders but it doesn't account for the pulverization of all that rebar concrete right so i've never Is that thought the same stephen thermite... jones with the cold fusion Stephen. yes oh you not get that oh man it's i forgot yeah. it's been so long oh my god and yeah, uh, the heavy water gate stephen e jones from the department of energy that threw ponds and fleischman under the bus yeah. apparently looks to be the same stephen e jones doesn't work for the department of energy and sells this thermite but if you looked up his contracts and what he did for like I don't know if it was Lawrence Livermore, but I remember looking into it and I was like, hmm, it's almost like you would have I tried a guy to get Stephen to come on and clarify that because I, I wanted I wanted to get him to come on and give like an account of that. He had sent me a link years back on, you know, clarifying his work on cold fusion and and, and directing Pons and Fleischman to hold that first press conference, you know, so that, that they got so much flack for in this, from the scientific community. So I would love that science that isn't really done by, yeah. So there's, there was a number, it looked like there was a concerted effort to, to uh, character assassinate Stephen Jones when he started speaking out about the thermite stuff. Cause anytime I'd post that stuff around, I would get these same, the same people um, approach me and, and give me that mm. information. And I, and I, it would come from a number of different sources um i mean well, i much- saw it because i watched the heavy watergate film and i was just doing like cold fusion yeah. research and all of a sudden it's the guy on screen i was like is this the same guy from the 9-11 movement it is and i rewound it and rewound it and watched and it's like when the department BYU. of energy when BYU, the department yeah, of energy yeah, yeah. was threatened by pons and fleischman the department of energy sent their own james bond to kind of disrupt the situation and it just seemed like when the thing came around and it was like nanothermite, and I was always asking, "What's the source of the powder that you guys analyzed?" And when you get to the answer that it was just like anonymously sent to them, I was like, "How do you even know it's from the same site? Like, it wasn't like collected by anybody that we know from the site to be like evidence." 
and so, so there's a number I, I got some of the names of the of the people that actually collected the dust and is it like and niels Herrett and those guys back in the day that was like the that that group that did the analysis yeah Neil, niels Herrett was one of the guys that did the analysis um there was uh, a number of people that saved dust uh, samples and then submitted them um one was that kelly kelly i have her in that in one of my slides there from my my uh my presentation i thought but her one of one of women's name was kelly there was another older woman with uh some real coke bottle glasses that um you know worked near the world trade center she's she's got to be dead by now she was really old then um 20 years ago so i again yeah there there are names actually for the people that collect the dust and submitted the samples and stuff and there's also a record of approximately where the dust samples were taken from um and that's all in the uh, bentham open report i believe um the 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 studies that were published uh but it's in the first part of it, like the chain of custody of where they got it from, because that was an important factor with a lot of you it. Would you would have know. thought everyone would collect dust from the scene, but no one really, I don't know. It's like, I saw the dust. Well, the I didn't collect any moment, right? Like, I have uh, volcanic ash from Mount St. Helens upstairs that my grandparents had gone there as tourists after the thing and got me the volcanic ash. And I used to take it to show and tell and be like, Hey, but you would have thought that, you know, having things like that, I would have been like, here's an empty vial. Let's get some, you know, evidence and who knows what we can do with it later, but let's, you know, see what's in all this dust that's everywhere in like inches deep. i don't really blame you or others for not considering that though no. if you think about the shock at the moment that. yeah dude like yeah, and i remember right. the debunk the debunkers coming out and saying that you know the the uh microspheres were um fly ash from an incinerator dump and all these other you know they're coming up with all these other plausible explanations for the the the, uh, the evidence that was coming out and uh so there was a there was a lot of um a lot of that early on and then yeah they, they tried to position stephen jones as you know yes he was this doe inside man to disrupt the cold fusion thing and that's this is and they try to frame it as that's what he's trying to do with the 9 11 uh oh i issue. remember that I don't you know but that, that, that heavy watergate sort of film was like from the 90s so it was like a pre 9 11 film that's the other thing it wasn't like simultaneous to that it, it existed in the past, so there was that, that. that accusation came before then and uh the heavy water heavy watergate i have to check that heavy watergate film out yeah it's got uh, the guy from uh quantum leap uh dean stockwell is the narrator for it i'm pretty sure he's like uh that was he's doing some I voice work in the 90s. a long time ago it's actually yeah, that i haven't seen it in i know paul my buddy paul verge had asked jones on you know during an interview or something about it and he just smiled and walked away you know so nobody has gotten a, an official statement and I don't know that he's published a statement or anything like that. I'm not, I, I don't need it. I just, when I look at these topics, there might be something from department of energy other than thermite is what my thought is. That's all. It has nothing to do with the messenger. It's just about like what technology exists on the shelf. Yeah. My, from my understanding with cold fusion is that there's even departments still this very small amount of funding. Like there's a small Italian university and there's a couple other universities around the, the, the globe that will do, that have a tiny, tiny, tiny bit of funding to try to reattempt it, but they can only sustain a cold fusion reaction for essentially microseconds or something like that. U.S. Navy Labs, which could just be a magnetic sort of 
Yeah, Spaywar, uh, Larry Forsley of Spaywar and the U.S. Navy's lab um, yeah. confirmed tritium production in cold fusion reactions. So that they've come out with a lot of evidence, you know, showing that these these types of nuclear reactions are possible. Possible, right? Of, That's uh, what I've yeah. But the Lattice, problem is, which is getting... interesting that it's connected to this Hutchison effect stuff with yeah. a lot of the research that I've seen. Uh, the people that are working on it now, there's a guy uh, called the Martin Fleischman Memorial Project uh, named Bob Greenier, who who does a lot of his own personal research into uh, transmutating uh, elements with, mm. on, under similar, you know, cold fusion effects and stuff like that. So there's, there's some interesting the symmetry of nu done. nucleic to the, 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 the nuclear, well, no, just like the nucleic part, like the protons, the electrons, and the neutrons. Like, there's some sort of like weird symmetry, geometric symmetry that occurs with under like the the fusion reaction is happening because of some sort of like weird symmetry, some sort of like field effect essentially that is causing that is like um, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, normally, like, in normal fusion, you have uh, what's called the Coulomb, Coulomb barrier, and uh, it's the this outer electron shell has this uh, you know number a, a charge with the electron yeah. shell and you can only push two protons you know close enough together in this coulomb barrier provides a you know massive barrier to overcome and if you could cross that barrier then the, the two protons and the, the two nuclei will touch together and they'll fuse but um nor it, normally we do this through through in in like fusion reactors we try to you know put a ton of energy in there it's just like a um, friction we pressure. force the yeah exactly but that's, the idea that's, is that's inside not elegant. of no it's not elegant yeah. inside of um inside of a, a lattice um of of a me metal like a metal lattice like for example they have pal palladium deuteride is the the lattice mm -hmm. that they use for cold the the Pons and Fleischmann use and uh, a lot of the replications use is, is um, deuter deuterium is, is heavy water, of course. So it's heavy right. hydrogen. It's, it's a, it's just hydrogen is just a proton with an uh, electron, a single proton. But if you add a neutron, it gets it a little bit heavier, um, but doesn't change the charge because neutrons are neutral. So it's still, right. it's still uh, the same charge as hydrogen. It's just a little bit heavier than hydrogen and that's uh, called deuterium. And then if you add another neutron, it's tritium. So heavy um, water gate. Yeah. So this is, uh, this is the whole idea is behind it is that if you, if you put stuff inside of a lattice, you can get them, you know, things squished together and, and you can get transmutation of, uh, elements under other hmm. conditions. Uh, how does the Hutchinson cause. effect play into that? Cause my understanding of the Hutchinson effect had to do with extremely high voltages with different directed at specific materials creates very strange sorts of effects gravity like effect so, yeah, gravity like if a gravity yeah. shielding effects which is that has effects. to do with like the whole ether theorist yeah. idea yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, so there's um, a model a model that they have of this you know your your particle in, in the box and you know that's called your hamiltonian so the if you're, mm -hmm. you're adding real high electrostatic charges to it you're adding real high potentials to that um oh, you know, okay. equation so you could potentially you know reach different results in the end wave equation um, for the physics. So, so there's lots of, there's different models, um, you know, including Peter Hagelstein's hydroton model. Uh, that's one of the, one of the latest ones and, and Edmunds, Ed, uh, Edmund storms and some of these other guys are, are, are working with uh, similar models for how, you know, how fusion occurs in, in these, uh, these types of situations and stuff. But again, the, the experimental side of this is is we have we have some you know data on this, but it's no one's 
from any of those organizations has come up with you know a, a definite you know plan on how to use wave interferometry or hmm. uh, any of these you know methods that have been claimed is is going on in the physics you know no one's actually been able to demonstrate and show this you know happening and then and then also come up with uh you know working reaction uh, or something or working, yeah, working hypothesis of, of of how to do this how it's done you know how do we take a, a laser and 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 vaporize steel and 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 molecular molecular dissociate steel to it's like lasing a stick of dynamite so, so as it's, far it's as the cool nine- theory it's cool cool stuff but it's like where's the practice and then that's that's sort of where you have to you know separate the science from the science fiction Correct, and yeah. uh, i have to give that? you the science trivia because i talked about real genius val kilmer if you go to the 1996-ish film the saint mm-hmm. also with val yeah, kilmer another val mm-hmm. kilmer elizabeth film, yeah. shu talks about pawns and fleischmann Oh, yeah. She draws the it out on the about board. cold fusion, but it's about right. the economic impact of cold fusion. If and Russia, oligarchs, yeah, yeah there's and Russia oil. involved. It's really good, and it's not in the original theme. I mean, that's the plot in 1996, but the 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 series, The Saint, ran in the 60s, right? So you have to separate the series from that particular theatrical plot, which has Russian oligarchs, just like they got today. Well, to uh, me, it still always yeah. seemed like whether cold fusion or that's um, it's not nucleic acids, but some atomic particles that we're talking about. But the lattice structure of those particles, but like there are the Hutchinson effects. These are essentially effects that have happened. That's just like superimposing them onto a narrative in regards to nine eleven, not cold fusion necessarily, but um, the Hutchinson effect is being sort of the theoretical foundation for. A, the possibility of high voltage or directed energy weapon systems being used. That's where the not unlike what in. Tesla did. That was all high voltage. And well, he had a Tesla was trying to set up like a resonant transformer with like the ionosphere or something like that, which that's great static charge. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Right. Earth currents. Static charges like and hurricanes. Because that's why he built his what Wardenclyffe Tower underneath a running river system, or not river, but like a water system to create like a static charge at the top that he could then can try to somehow dial in as being. Uh, with the, like transforming the high voltages from above. Yeah. I mean, it, it was interesting. I mean, whether it's possible, I mean, it's, it's, it's very interesting. It's very, it's very interesting. He did um, it live. <laughs> he tried to do it live and that got shut down pretty quickly. I don't know if it's possible. I'm just, I really don't. It's just, it's a very interesting theory. Um, yeah. Again, so. I, with the, a lot of this stuff is I have to look for experimental proof of concepts. And yeah, that's why know. I liked your channel back there. I still like your, your knowledge. Cause you always grounded really be like these incredible theories, but you tried to actually explain the possible pun. he grounds it physics. He grounds it. Yes. Takes those electrons to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite videos you did, this is nerd, me nerding out real quick is when you were, this is a years and years and years ago, you're talking about the potential creating for an anti-gravity or gravity shielding effect to like a UFO, like disc structure. And you're talking about, could you take a ferro fluid, like a mercury and spin it around like a electromagnet? But the problem is you have to create a superconductive effect. So we don't really have the ability at high temperatures and pressures to spin it fast enough to be able to cool it enough to create the key is you got to take superconductive materials to near absolute zero. But the problem is we don't have the material to create the absolute zero material science. So So now they're using liquid light and um, they're using trapped. Yeah, it's trapped light and. and that's liquid light so that's uh that's where we've been at like the last uh you know five or ten years with uh with a lot of the interesting research coming out on that so you know now you're not gonna 
need to push around mercury fluid or or, or super fluid you, you can actually just use liquid light because liquid light is itself a super fluid a super conducting super fluid at room temperature so is that almost like a no plasma is like a gas of ionized part that's liquid light i'm trying to that's, well plasma is its own form of it's its matter. own form of matter yeah. yeah 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 it's a little it's a little bit different that's i'll have to check that out that's fascinating i appreciate that i have to follow up with all that i've gotten yeah, right, one, more, cool one more nerdy thing before we go back to something <laughs> else. Uh, they have this Bell experiment. So it's in a double vacuum of glass, and there's two batteries, there's two bells, and there's a ringer, and it's just ringing. And they estimate it's rung about 10 billion times so far. It's been in action since like the 1880s, and it's self powering essentially uh, from its structure. So the scientists today don't know how it works. And they're scared to take it apart because they don't know how to put it back together. And they hypothesize at some point the the thing will stop ringing. Um, but that's it's interesting what they could build back then that still works today and hasn't been plugged into any electricity. Interesting, yeah. Like the Helmholtz resonances and and I was just thinking there's a lot of the, resonance, yeah. a lot of interesting stuff like that and the and the great pyramids too like the, mm-hmm. uh, the the structure of the the grand gallery and and um and also like the structure of the uh even the other other pyramids like that give that give these uh weird reflect reflective uh resonances the, and stuff like that it's yeah diff- there's weird sonic resonances that occur inside the various chambers kings queens chamber there's also like weird static electric effects at the top of the pyramids as well. Um, there's a lot of interesting and very strange theories um, in regard, but at the same time, very interesting because they almost act like resonant sort of conductors, which that's, well, yeah. Like, Again, is that where you get your name alien scientist from, from your like pyramid and uh, early origins research or where does the moniker come from? Um, I came like in 2008 when I was trying to come up with a, a cool name for, you know, <laughs> a channel for YouTube. And I was just like, well, it's kind of like alien technology, you know, but I wanted, you know, it's science and stuff. So like the whole idea of, you know, what would, you know, this whole idea of alien civilizations, they got to have, oh, that's what it is. they have to have uh, farmers and, and, and carpenters and spaceship builders and everything else in their civilization so they got a scientist too i uh, would you know and that would be like the coolest thing is if you you know if i was going to talk to any alien i you know of course i'd want to talk to a, a scientist and and figure out what they know about science and technology so yeah it's kind of where i came up with the, the idea or the name for that and uh i, I don't know I, I thought it was kind of cool because it's like Nobody else is the alien scientist, so I get to be the alien scientist. <laughs> yeah, that was a good handle for back then. I remember um, it was probably around that time, maybe a couple years earlier. I was on JoeRogan.net. I was consuming all the crazy stuff on that website that he used to have. And he used to have a link that went to this page called Elf Trance or something like that. And it's like it had these these monkeys in the jungle and the aliens come down and give them mushrooms. And then all of a sudden they're like building pyramids. It was this whole uh evolution of civilization kind of um cartoon graphic novel and you it was interactive so if you went over here you could uh, like chill out with the aliens and get some of their tech and bring it back to your people uh you'd have to use wayback machine to find something like that but i'm pretty sure that's what it was called like elf trance or something like that 
like ELF, like uh, yeah, uh, extremely low frequencies. Low frequencies, and, yeah. yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I'm trying to remember, but such things don't exist anymore. I'm sure to to easily find. It was an interesting. Someone's got to have it on the way back machine or something. I yeah. never. That's that's cool. Uh, Rog Rogan um, was definitely on to a lot more stuff back in the day. I, I feel like I feel like he got reined in or it toned down at some point. Um, where they're like, you know, he has to bring they're... everyone else along with, like he has to bring the audience up to the point instead of being like he's already been there, done that, right? Because I remember, who was it? Uh, Kevin Booth, American Drug War. He used to be Bill Hicks's manager. It was like on Rogan's site, you could get the Bill Hicks and Kevin Booth and all those dudes who knew each other. Alex Jones, it was all connected together right there. I remember going to uh, Kevin Booth's website and I looked at his t-shirts and he had one that was a psilocybin molecule. And then it like, it said, squeegee your third eye. And then it had like the chemical uh, symbols for it. And so I bought one of those. I still have it someplace. Uh, it needs to be reprinted though. It's it's old t-shirt. He says some very fascinating people on like uh I mean he's always says, but to Jeremy's point, I mean, obviously being on Spotify now, having the notoriety he does, because he started out talking about mushrooms. I mean, a lot of it was like DMT, mushrooms, aliens, DMT, this crazy the out there stuff because he was interested in that type of you know, it started out in like a room in his house with his friends talking. He's about MMA, psychedelics and sort of alien type of yeah, just conspiracy stuff back in the day those yeah. first 100 shows or so that they did it's trying to think of that theory. christopher dunn i think was the name of the theory he came up with some, some sort of chemical theory for the power plant that the pyramids potentially being power plants or something and yes some sort of resonant resonant geese power effect. plant it was yes called, yeah. that's it yeah it was based on some sort of chemical uh does have those aqueducty type things underneath like the understanding yep. of how they're built mm -hmm. is still not explained today. There's a whole and, legend yeah, where Tesla supposedly visited. I've been trying to find it's I don't, a Stargate that he supposedly visited the pyramids and he's had this aha moment and then came back and started construction on the Wardenclyffe Tower. Because you look at the, the Wardenclyffe Tower, Wardenclyffe yeah, Tower, it connects or, the wall, yeah, because it has the same sort of aqueducts underneath, creating this sort of static charge at the top and having sort of like resonant transformative effects with. The ionosphere and it doesn't violate as far as i understand any laws of physics or at least thermodynamics you're just transforming power that exists around in a the upper layers of the atmosphere where charged particles is what we call the ionosphere which is probably coming from the solar wind to some degree or something like that so anyways right that that Sch schumann resonances or the natural earth resonances and, and currents and stuff there's some interesting stuff there uh there's a company that's like out in texas trying to build a, oh, yes. a, one of those tower like warden cliff towers and doing some beamed energy uh, experiments on you know commercial viability of the actual technology and stuff and um i think the navy did some they actually beamed some energy to uh, a station with um microwaves recently and they they oh. did some experiments with that too so there's stuff going on with this um i guess the issue is how, how lossy it would be in yeah. regards to transporting energy wirelessly which had to do you'd have to type what's well, what happens when you stand in, in the way of the beam that or the, too, or the birds that, that, that fly in the way yeah <laughs> right um to get bring it back to 9 11 real quick and we'll, we'll keep you forever but this is a fantastic conversation i got one well hopefully this will be the last one maybe not from our 
from the gallery. Um, have you seen some of the new nine? This Rich and I, it's the preface this, found this to be either a giant honeypot or a massive red herring. But there is this, for the, those that are embedded in the 9-11 alternative sort of truth or community, there were the Kevin Wesley YouTube videos that dropped a couple months ago when, now, Rich. When the Russia war started. Right at the day the Ukrainian-Russian yeah, war Putin started. Moved in. And some, so Tim asked from uh from the community have you seen those what do you think of those have you can to me it didn't really seem to say much it seemed to be more occult it seemed to me it'd be a a wink and a nod from some of the people who did it because it's got anglo-american establishment all over it and secret weapon systems and department of energy and nuclear clearances and a whole bunch of stuff on that dude's youtube page but it's all like on the down low and it's got Easter eggs embedded into it that only like spooks would probably put in there. Yeah. I'll have to check this out. Cause I, I wasn't even aware of this Kevin Wesley and I found it on yeah. here and I'll have to go and. All right. So if you check out, I watched all the YouTube videos that he has, uh, Yeah, it has his retirement. So you can get his whole official history and how he's an Anglo American officer. And he retired in London with the American flag and the British flag behind him. He had a, a Q clearance, secret weapons, energy clearance, nuclear clearance, experimental aircraft clearance, a whole bunch of ominous things. He's there filming when World Trade Center 2 explodes. And if you listen to the audio around him, it seems kind of scripted. Like if you're on the project, go stand there that day with your video camera and we'll use the, whoever has the best footage and circulate it. But his didn't make the cut. So they waited 20 years and then he releases it. But at the end, he plays a song as he's showing you other footage and it's uh america god save him or whatever america the beautiful a song that was written and and and, and embargoed for 20 years until it was released just like his footage was so there's like this kind of like psyop thing embedded at the end of the video that tells you it's a little bit more than maybe it's claiming to be and for those with ears to hear and eyes to see you could see maybe it's not just like tourist video like it purports to be. Again, it'd be great to get this guy on and interview him because a lot of people claiming that he's a real person, but someone's impersonating him with this YouTube account. It's his personal videos, though. I went through all the videos like those. He, you know, there's the horned horned owl predator drone type thing. Horned and owl. if you look that up, Northrop Grumman horned owl or whatever it was, Lockheed. I couldn't like it's not easily findable. So it's almost <sighs> like a not so public aircraft is in one of those videos or maybe i missed there was it. also another like in that weird sort of gothic inspired sort of cathedral that under which he was um his retirement ceremony took place in england by the way which is strange. yeah i thought that was interesting. there was a uh there's a poem talks about warping steel or something or warping what like there's it, it's obviously allusions to what happened on 9 11 i'm trying to remember i talked about this during the town hall but I've been too tired and I don't remember I'm trying to find the specific because there, in other words, there's Easter eggs all over the place. There's this very strange poem that he, he takes a picture of in the background of this basement of this church in England. And then there's another situation where he shows because he was an altitude flight instructor or something like that. Or he obviously was, a, I guess yeah, a his resume well. is in there. I, I found so it he, interesting. He has this whole altitude chamber thing and I'm like, what's he alluding to? Is it yeah, impossible right? to bank at those, at the speeds um 
making those sort of nose dives and then banking to the right or to the left to try to like get in line with the towers and like what type of forces are involved there, what type of effect does that have on your ability to breathe? I don't, you know, because it's that just weird stuff. And the banking maneuvers expertly executed within split fractions of seconds of they otherwise they would have missed the target and dealing with the the wind speed coming from west to east when you're coming in from the south jonathan swift that's what it is jonathan swift that that was the poem gulliver's travels or the ones where they eat people where they eat the irish babies there was a video analysis of the last 12 seconds of flight uh, 175 before it hit the buildings and yeah that showed it showed that the built the plane made like a single corrective maneuver um like if you were controlling that a human pilot you would have made like a, a corrective maneuver every like probably three per second you know uh several corrective maneuvers but the the, the plane that hit the 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 uh south tower just made like a single jerky kind of like correction and then went right right in it was a uh, very mechanical it looked computer controlled and with what we know from aiden monahan's research and also you know what was in that x-files lone gunman episode it, it why why wouldn't they have uh hijacked these planes and flown them by computer it just makes the most sense to me well they have the software it's like they have the hijacking prevention software so if the plane gets hijacked they can take it over remotely and fly it and do whatever they want so they're no longer you know so they these things exist at the time and yet it's the guys at the box cutters and we got to go get them over there so they don't come over here and get us again and right but we had all the we had we had planned for it and we had the systems in place they were on they were in place actually on board the aircraft that were hijacked on 9-11. So we had those systems in place. We could have just shut, shut them down and flown those planes from the ground, uh, which is just more, more remarkable once you learn that. Cause it's like, Oh yeah, they definitely, <laughs> they definitely, you know, like even L Paul Bremer says that it, it's really hard because you to find terrorists who are willing to do this because you have to find someone who's willing to die for their country. And that's, that's really hard to do, you know, to someone who's willing to die for this so that, that they believe in this so much. Well, if you yeah. have, if you have this technology, then you don't need that. All you need is, right. a, is a couple uh, patsies that think they're op for agents, which is opposition force team. Um, you tell them that they're going to take part in a drill and they, they got to hijack the plane as part right. of a drill. And, then the rest falls into place so it's That's sort of a little loose analogy to the first world trade center bombing it's all just or you get a, these guys who are like drill. saudi drug cartel pilots and say how would you like to fly for a legit airline here's a ticket get on the plane and during that even if they did hijack it you know pentagon takes over those hijackings and so the the guys that are in there and they're like sir yeah, we just engaged that, so. the takeover system and then someone comes in and says okay everyone get up out of your seats there's a new team that comes and sits in there when they're not going to land the planes they're going to drive those planes into the targets and so there's all sorts of scenarios and that's right in line with operation northwoods from 30 years earlier the bigger issue though is the impossibility of taking amateur pilots to maneuver oh, yeah. the way that's that to me was always not only big... to hijack but to kill themselves in a very strategic and like world changing way they didn't crash it into the nuclear facility which would have been one of the top targets if you're going to do something like that right so it was like a theatrical look up here 
while who knows what was going on. There's a bunch of weird esoteric. You have the tower, a lot of Aleister Crowley symbolism in that too. Yeah, weird. Like it's just a very strange. It's sort of symbolic. Taking down the towers represents symbolic destruction of America's economy and the Jack and Boaz. Yeah, Joachim and Boaz. Yeah, yeah. So there's you know, and then there's yeah. It's just weird. It's uh, the whole thing seems to be very ritualistic. Obviously, then there's the, the the put options. There's the financial connections. There's Silverstein, the insurance. There's Kroll. There's Securicom. We talked about AIG, Marsha McLennan. Okay. <laughs> I mean, the gold. Yeah, Amec, goes on. The Amec Corporation that did the renovations in the Pentagon. Bovis. Amec and Bovis. Good yeah. Phoenix Construction. Phoenix Construction Phoenix. had roles at Turner both places. Also. Turner Construction. They're a big. Well, I always remembered Phoenix because the trade, uh, the Pentagon, they broke ground September 11th, 1941. And so 60 years to the day on its birthday, it gets destroyed and then rebuilt like from its ashes with Phoenix Construction. I was just like, you know, some people were loving their symbolism when they're putting these things together. It's entertaining script they got there. Lots of good characters. What were you saying about Bovis? These these are the big construction companies that build and also remove the demolition. And materials. you said something about the yeah, Amec Turner. was the the Amec, Well, Turner Construction was one of the uh, contractors that I know that had some contracts to do some of the work on the on those floors at in the World Trade Center and stuff. And they have to use union construction um, for a lot of that. So because it is uh I don't know what the contracts are, but they have to use union for for a certain for the, the that type of construction. You can't use outside. Um, Thank you. Okay, has to be union. There's a lot of yeah. it, and there's a lot of interesting yeah. connections there that that could that could be there. I mean, the, all the unions are mo- like run kind of. It's kind of like a mafia. It's a almost. mafia. It's like a legalized mafia. And before, in the past, you know, going back to the 40s, 50s, and 60s, Jimmy it was mafia. literally the it was literally the mafia. I mean, the mafia had pretty much embedded the unions as well as, you know, the FBI and, and other organizations and plant agents. It's not like everyone was a part of it, but in order, so it sort of like runs as a, a legal mafia. Of course, government, you could say, is kind of like George that. Bush, the mafia and CIA. It's a book. <laughs> it is. Teams, Teamsters to... were a famous yeah. example of that Italian mob and various other mafias were infiltrated those unions in order to, I mean, there's uh, one of the conspiracies of JFK was associated with the teamster help supposedly get him elected. It goes back to the bootlegging his father was doing during prohibition. And so there's all these very strange connections Then they didn't supposedly JFK. Yeah. Meyer Lansky and the uh, whole Cuban connection because the Batista had come in, Batista had been ousted in Cuba and they had, and Fidel Castro had taken over and he had outlawed the gambling industry, which was a big, uh, big part. So there's, which is Godfather too. That's sort of like illusions. That's sort of what they try to point a little bit out there. It's like, Hmm, these people, they're, they're willing to die for this cause of nationalism. Um, Yeah, I got you. Operation Underworld 1938, the UK starts working with Meyer Lansky and the Jewish Organized Crime Syndicate. And then in 1942, the United States starts doing the same thing. Yeah. So, well, they realized that during World War II, there was actually a bombing of a ship that happened um, in the port and they were investigating it and they, they got nowhere with their investigations until they, they brought the uh, mafia guys in. And when the the mafia was able to figure out who exact, who was responsible and how it happened within, you know, 
a couple weeks uh, yeah. versus um, the federal investigations, which were getting nowhere. And so that they, they basically signed a deal with the mafia because they realized that we, we're not going to be able to keep our ports uh, safe without them, <laughs> you know, and True they, they were right. Well, so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's part of the MI6 infiltration of America is they start working with organized crime here before we do. Well, it's and sad to was, say uh, too, there's actually, there's, there's a reason for that though. It's like they're, they can operate outside the bounds of legislation yeah, and bureaucracy. They already ran so they a drug monopoly more, more, and America's goody goody. That's the so deal. There's, there's sort of a paradox there where they're more efficient, even though they're also participating in crime themselves, they can paradoxically also control the ports and also control the, the security around it. Supposedly it's, it's just weird. I mean, that's, it's nothing. Well, supposedly because if someone anyone supposedly, else tries to control yeah. it they make it difficult <laughs> <laughs> it's almost as if they issue. wanted to be point. the center of world trade well it's all just different levels of organized crime right we talk on that's level, what the like wire taught me. Family. yeah the wire watch. exactly that's i was talking well, to my dad today that, about goes, the wire. that goes back to that whole uh what's the um the empire that was over there in in the ukraine the the kozilovs or whatever Oh, the uh, Khazars or the Khazars? Khazars, yeah. Oh, the Khaz- Khazarian, Khazarian Empire in the 9th through like 13th century or something. The Khazarian like that. Mafia, apparently. It, it all oh, goes back to there. Like... It all started out of out of there and, and, and has roots back to that area. In fact, it, didn't the uh, the term deep state came from Turkey? Uh, originally, I heard it was because uh, they had they had found some prostitute who was involved with a drug dealer and then it tied right into like the, the top people in government. And so they they, they came up with that whole term uh the deep state um apparently it has it has some ties to this whole this whole region um well you have to remember the ottoman empire one of the longest lasting empires in history i mean centered out of up until world Byzantium, war one bro constantinople Lawrence yeah, of arabia one, took yeah. care of that right That's i'm right. sorry the balfour declaration took care of that well, it's like Spico, you had Balfour Decoration, you had you know, the carving up of territory based on resources, thanks to that belligerent, that. belligerent hegemony that was World War II, World War One, excuse me. And then the British saying, yeah, 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 we don't even own that territory, but we'll give it to you once we win the war. We just got to get America involved. Don't worry, we got the under. Let we'll us teach that. you what government is. We give it's away called, things uh, that the aren't sinking ours. of the Lusitania. <laughs> yeah. Sink Lusitania will have, uh, you know, the heavy, won't say the word, but the influence of the press that are of a certain predilection run stories to sort of galvanize sentiment within the American public to get them to go to World War, you know, to embrace the concept for war. And we send what one of the things about world domination, Tony, they have the best interest at heart, (laughs) greater good, in other words. And that ties back to 9 11. Sorry, go ahead. This journalist Hugh Roberts has described the shady nexus between the police and intelligence services, uh, claiming certain politicians and organized crime whose members believe they are authorized to get up to all sorts of unavowable things because they are the custodians of the higher interest of the nation. Yeah, that's 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 about it. it. That's it. It's like that movie. um, There's a cop movie from 2015 called War on Everyone. Or at war on everyone, something like that. War with everybody. The attitude of the two policemen in that movie is pretty much the attitude of the globalists. Like they have authority, so they can like 
corrupt and not like keep justice you know yeah they use the artificial sense of authority in order to bolster their own positions and make it seem like there's checks and balances when in fact they operate outside the law yeah and they set up 25 cent version yeah exactly it's the elevator i gave you the nickel version tony gave you the 25 cent version he's pretty fancy he's like two bits here you go there you go so jeremy what's crazy that they're fighting over all these resources apparently apparently it's all for resources at the end of the day and control over those resources but man if they but they're also hoarding the technology that could you know liberate us up yeah liberate us all and it's just right just they're kind of dicks one of the big problems (laughs) with like not talking about the more out there types of free energy or cheaper energy out and cleaner energy solutions that obviously we could invest in and, and explore is um also the way we set up the the sort of con game of crony capitalism fascism really world worldwide so it's there's all these embedded structures and and institutions and infrastructure in place and it would the count the argument from the count which i don't agree with but just they would say is like well it caused such destabilization from a world economic standard standpoint to bring out a technology that could not only maybe revolutionize our understanding of physics but then potentially overdo all the key infrastructure that is tied to every main institution the way we run all of world supply chains that it would cause such an intensity stabilization that adopting it would which i don't see how that that argument doesn't hold up the water to me because ds on one level that's true because then people would argue to cause like world war three and attendant famines and destabilization of the supply chain and all this stuff it's sort of like uh, that movie First Contact, the old Star Trek movie from the, the 90s where they invent warp, warp drive, right? In the and, year it was after, 2063. It was, after, I think it was April 4th, 2063. After the world had gone to war and there was only like tribes left in America and most of the world had been destroyed, but new technology had emerged and there's like a rogue scientist's engineer, you know, develops warp, warp, the warp drive or whatever. When in and, reality, Elon Musk claims he just did but the point the point is that only they're trying to insinuate through an artistic representation that only can take place in a society that already is sort of destabilized to the point where we'd be willing to or could accept the new technology it's like the new technologies that came in after world war ii like microwave technologies or something like that and Global that's, union. to me it just seems like an argument to try to maintain the status quo rather than accept the idea that we can peacefully initiate and implement technologies that could really truly change the world and better the human condition in a way that would be mind-boggling i think for most people to even consider the potential possibility but that's i woke when i woke up i considered that if we were to change this game it would have to be through physics <laughs> and new we technologies that would be reset. able to create de- decentralize the power structure and that starts with energy what's the first thing i need to run my starts home. with taking our energy to- back and understanding and energy can be used metaphorically and literally in that and that yeah anyways i'm diatribing but i hope that uh, yeah Jerry, it, it's cool uh, stuff to talk about and i guess I, i'm glad we're all on the same page with it so yeah yeah i definitely. feel like we just scratched the surface but it's all it's like almost one o'clock in the morning already <laughs> <laughs> uh i want to thank you for carving out time and investing uh not only with us but we're sharing it with a an audience out there of people who are nerdy too so uh, where can people catch up with you and keep up with you? And what would you like to uh, plug or promote or uh, tell the future? Well, just uh, 
definitely check out my uh, YouTube channel, Alien Scientist on YouTube. Um, subscribe to me there and keep an eye out for our, you know, the conferences that we hold talking about these types of technologies and trying to get uh, a platform where scientists can come out of the woodwork and and speak openly to their peers and about these things so that if, if there is, you know, technologies that they want to disclose or declassify, there's, this is a, a place to do that. And we're trying to, you know, encourage free energy, warp drive technology, any kind of thing like that, that, that exists out there. Uh, we, we try to have a place for people to come out and talk about that. So uh, that's altpropulsion.com is the, the website for um, the, that conference that's run by Tim Ventura and, and, uh, Mark Sokol and, and several others of uh, who, who are collaborating on, on that effort. And um, yeah, so it's basically it's scientific disclosure. Um, we're trying to, you know, bring a lot of a lot of different new ideas uh, out of the woodwork in terms of uh, these pro mostly propulsion technologies right now. But I want to branch out into more uh, cold fusion and free energy kind of stuff. Um, real, you know solutions for the for the problems that we're we're facing globally now um also for my 9-11 stuff i have a page on on facebook called 9-11 inside out where i have a lot of uh, my all my documentaries and other stuff posted a lot of other uh articles and related source information anytime i come across anything that's related to that core group of suspects or the or the 9-11 investigation I, i'll i'll probably have it posted there um i also had a website uh, but I, I just don't have time to keep up with the, the hosting and the, and the, uh, and the editing and everything else. So I, I, it's, it gets hard these days, but yeah, um, definitely check that out. Richard Gage has got that new, uh, on Richard Gage unleashed nine 11. Uh, he's, he's kicking some serious, butt. uh, check out what he's doing with that initiative. Uh, we also didn't even get into the whole NIST lawsuit. They're suing NIST, mm. um, to try to get, you know, them to correct things and, and, you know, with their investigations and reports. So that, that's a, that's some groundbreaking stuff that could potentially go somewhere um, as far as accountability for nine 11 and, and, and truth and justice. So definitely check that out. Um, and I encourage people to get more involved uh, themselves with just uh, you know, the dissemination of information, man, people are, that people are ready for this stuff now after COVID uh, people are like wide awake and they're super receptive to the information now, like they've never been in, in history before. So it's now is the time where, you know, you may be like, I know I've gotten a lot of burnout when I see not, when I was seeing nine 11 stuff, I don't even look at it anymore. If it comes across my newsfeed, cause it's just like, no, I'm just burned out on this. Like, and, and it's now's the time not to be burned out. Now's the time to, to reignite your fire and, uh, and get back in the game because we're closer than ever. And, and if something's about to break, it's about to give. And, and you think that, um, we're there. We're, we're only, we're only, a, 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 a we're, we're only just beginning, man. It's it, our time, our time's coming. And, uh, it's great that, uh, to see all the people in this community have, have just come full circle and, and coming together. And, and you guys inviting me on the show is great. Cause I, I've looked up to, to you and your work, uh, your book, your books, uh, everything you've done with, with tragedy and hope. And, and, and over the years I follow, I followed your work too, Richard. So you've been in a, a silent inspiration to me as well as, as many others, I'm sure. So 
well i appreciate the, the kind work. words man yeah you you do likewise and um uh <clears throat> we should have another uh i'll come up with like some aspects but i'd like to talk next time about like when we have a conversation about 9-11 how does one <clears throat> put evidence on the table to say such and such took place right so like when people would say well the planes did this i'm like rules well, what of planes? evidence yeah yeah rules of evidence uh, <clears throat> methods of identification for these various things right. um how can we be certain of, of chain of custody or you know time and service of the airlines these sort of things right so it's in those details that i think people start to get like a a much bigger perspective on what's going on and uh yeah there's a whole bunch more to talk about so we don't have to do it all tonight we got it started and uh, well i just want to this thank you for your work jeremy i've well i'm gonna have to get back into it i've fallen off the wayside a bit i'm big into philosophy but i've got i started out in alternative technology and alternative physics and these sorts of ideas and your channel was probably one of the most, if not the most important I discovered in regards to considering the true possibility behind it, but again, grounding it in reality. So I want to really pick that back up and reconsider that. So I really appreciate you throwing out those resources. I'm definitely going to check that out and get sort of re-involved with, with a lot of that work. So yeah. yeah for anyone problem watching, now, go ahead. Good. Sorry. It's just so much. Some of those we're, we're trying to cut down on the, the length of the content because we've given presenters like an hour to present and then an hour of Q and a and two hours no who has time to sit there and watch two hours in these days so so there's got to be a lot of work that needs to be done on condensing that sort of stuff down and and really taking out the gems because there's a lot of a lot of dense information in there when you start diving into like the technologies and and, and all that kind of stuff so right yeah and for anyone who's watching if you if you do go watch uh richard gage's interview with jeremy what i can promise you is at the end not only just Jeremy show you all these things, he connects them together. And then he's like, to do this, these people could have had command and control and he's already made the case for it. So he summarizes. And when it's like more plausible that these guys did it than those hijackers that everyone thinks did it, you have to weigh that and consider it. And it's not conspiracy theory. It's facts that exist that may or may not be connected together. And the only way we're going to find out, uh, you know, connected together correctly, accurately, efficiently is to talk and to have discussions and to, to figure out what we know about in, you know, getting wrong. And, you know, I, I found those couple of things that's like the most minute details in your presentation, but it's like, it's worth mentioning it's a mod salam so that in the future, you don't, you know, say Ramsey Youssef. Right. And then yeah. you, you make such offerings to me and I'm like, Oh, thank you. I didn't know that. I appreciate that. And I think that's how we find the truth eventually is by us learning to grow together in the light direction and not be like at odds, like, no one's smarter than all of us together right as a team yes i yeah. think you said that before and it, it really resonated with me because together we can collectively be so intelligent that we're coming up with things you know that's what we, we try to do with the scientific community but bring all the smartest people together in the same room to tr try to hash this out and then we say well if you got better ideas then and come and present, you know, and then that sort of puts other people up to the challenge and brings uh, smarter people to the table, which is a benefit for all of us. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right. Well, we'll let you get back to uh, probably sure. getting rest at this point and uh, have a productive week. Thank you. And uh, I'll send you a link when we clip out the interview. We'll probably publish it like Thursday, Friday this week. You can share it with your audience and uh, let them see all your fine work being appreciated. Awesome work. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Jeremy. Yeah, thanks. We'll have to do this again. Yeah, right on. Absolutely. Yeah. I've and uh, are you on the East Coast? Yeah, I'm in Rhode Island. 
Oh, I'm in Connecticut, dude. We should we should hang out this summer. We should definitely. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Heck yeah. 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 Like I have to come up then. Yeah, Tony, get up here with that new computer. And, I'm going uh, down to computer. I'm going down to Pennsylvania um next week for MUFON. So <laughs> oh, I live, I live in Pennsylvania. That's ironic. Yeah, he so. lives in uh right outside that place where they're gonna have the MUFON probably. Well, MUFON PA, go check it out. If you wanna <laughs> if you wanna meet up with me, I'll be there. So. Very cool. All right, right on. You have a good night, and uh, yeah, we'll catch up with you again soon. And thank you for all the the research and studious uh, academic work over the years on the variety of topics that you've touched upon with your research. Yeah, awesome work. Thank you. Have a great night. You too, man. Peace. Have a good night. All right, Tony. Now we're gonna have to get to. We got a long way to go and a short time to get. I just wanted to talk about free energy all night. Sorry. Not me too, man. Yeah, I could, we we could have got into so it. Good. We could just change the whole nature of tonight's broadcast with. Uh, <laughs> no, it's all good. That's a way. Break out right. the energy machine of Joseph Newman, and we'll start learning oh. about uh, gyroscopic masterpieces, physics, and uh, magnetic yeah. theories, and all the crazy. Hey, Joseph stuff Newman believed in the gyroscopic masterji so much that he named his son Gyromes. Short really? abbreviated version of gyro gyroscopic mastergy, which I believe to be like a concept worth considering when you think about it. It's like it's a particle that theories. spins, it rotates at the speed of light, but also travels linearly at the speed of light. And it's a particle that would appear as a wave, uh, or as a you know, so anyway, that's pretty a particle interesting stuff. Or as a wave, yeah, particle as a wave. particle, yeah. There's a resolution, it's essentially, a, it's a field, it's a field effect from a non-specified point then that's that's that would be an ether effect so there's like different ways you can describe the same same phenomenon. or you could look if at the sally field effect. effect on burt reynolds's career well, it's kind of like amber yeah. heard johnny depp no it's different amber, there's yeah, no well, poo on the bed back then going, yeah no poo on the bed back then. there's sally so there's a nice woman there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of crazy stuff Oh, I just got, I have all propulsion up right now. I'm looking through this. Yeah, get, get your propulsion all <laughs> revved down. Get your propulsion all chilled. We're not going to warp drive yet. Deep Space Nine, not continuing. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of Next Generation. But yeah, no, George Clayton good... Johnson callback, he wrote the pilot episode also for Star Trek. Star for, Trek, uh, yeah. Gene Roddenberry. Yeah, Roddenberry, that dude. Yeah. Now we should talk about Logan's run. And Look. one more Val Kilmer movie, and we can have the trifecta for each. Isn't that what it takes to drink? Isn't there a drinking game? <laughs> Grand Theft World drinking game? When we mention an actor I'm three sure times. I'm sure a lot of people are pretty drunk right now. Well, we hit the trifecta. You know who was drunk the other day? Steven Crowder. Yeah, he was. Because his yeah. intern nailed it with that drinking game. I I, I, uh, I have me, a video from, from that whole Do we have that ordeal? Before we play it, I did screen capture. Let me go uh, to my my photographs here i did screen capture the rules of that drinking game are you kidding are you are we no, really I'm, what <laughs> okay. i did because it was such a it was such a i'm trying to see did it not capture because my phone was full oh no here it is i got it right here uh, i'm gonna put it in uh production chat and uh you guys can show the audience here if i can get the discordio and uh so Crowder had said, whatever intern, like, good for you for nailing this, but you're never doing it again because it was something where you had to drink and finish the cup on a regular basis. So any objection, you got to drink. 
no, attorney objection. You got to drink. Uh, LD will be able to get this on screen. Amber cries. You have to drink. Appeal to sexism. You have to drink. Oh, uh, movie. If Amber m- mentions a movie uh, that she's in or working on, you have to drink. And if Johnny Depp laughs, you have to finish your drink. And I guess that's where Crowder got it right there. Because oh, wow. Depp was that's... laughing for the morning of that day. And he was. There's... And he's crying for the afternoon. You think he had a flask? Like, uh, oh wait, we we talked about that. And did we show her know. doing bumps? We could show that. I could. Uh, we got I that. Dig that up. Real yeah, because there was already enough cocaine talk about Johnny and that trial, and then somebody had made that joke that uh, like he's got more bumps than a Braille library. Well, yeah. it appeared. I I didn't think library. this was going on, but somebody showed me a piece of footage, and they're like, "What do you think this is?" And I said, "Looks like Amber doing a bump in in court on the stand." Yeah. And then yeah, so yeah, play, play it a couple times. So she looks around. She's looking around to see if she got away with it. I she mean, looks this around, is what it no, looks she like. She looks around first, she looks down. She's looking in her lap. Tissue comes up. And she and she like puts sniffs the tissue after in her nose. She's blown somehow her nose. you wipe your nose, right? I have seen people in New York City do blow, and those are the mannerisms. From doing it to wiping their nose to checking around to see if anyone did it, those are the mannerisms of somebody who's doing cocaine. Now, I'm not saying she is doing cocaine in the courtroom, but that would be pretty controversial. But if you look at it from a fact of they are there to have their life on trial, like they're acting right now. They're both professional actors, and they do blow while they're on the job. Pirates of the Caribbean or Rum Diaries, whatever, they do drugs. Hollywood actors do drugs. Surprise, everybody, right? So if they're Hollywood acting in this court trial, wouldn't it be expected that she's going to maintain her perkiness on the stand? <laughs> like, yeah, that she got to do be... something to keep that energy level up. Right. And what does it say? If you're so bold that while you're accusing the other dude of having a jar of cocaine, you're doing bumps on the stand like that. It's extreme narcissism. Did. Well, she's been supposedly, I mean, I'm these are, saying. you know, the DSM style. She had been diagnosed by a psychiatrist with histrionics. And so, you know, it's sort of like a narcissistic disorder. It's basically just, you know, self-absorption. But LD, uh, did you show the rules? Julia more of a megalomania because they're probably not even really aware of it. She's that they're, narcissistic. They're both wackadoos, man. They're both crazy, man. That's they're, what happens when you go down God. the the uh you hear the, the line line. Again. Yeah, they're the drinking stools with Amber Turd. There I said it. So you want to play that that crowder clip? Yeah, because I need to I need to go refresh, and uh, it's in culture. It's, I, got um, it. I got it. I got it. It'd be good to have a couple laughs culture. before we get back it's to in the culture, serious. He says. I put it in culture. Section. In culture. <laughs> it's a it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a petri a dish, and it's growing timing. a culture from a fecal s- sample. Oh, well, there's a lot of bacteria on a fecal sample, and you could certainly, if under the right conditions. Right, temperature, pressure, humidity. And, you know, if you have some, maybe a sugar medium, you could feed it, get the bacteria to grow. There's a lot of different ways we could build up this experiment. All right. Let's see what it, yeah. Let's go to that. Are you going to take your chat? Make him piss off you. All right. 
And we have a video that Kevin said of the interactions. <laughs> we do. Do we have any music to play? Because I don't think there's music on this. What is it for? Uh, just Johnny hey, uh, hey. interacting with his foxy lawyer. Sorry, hey. Stephen. I'm sorry. That's my job. Okay, my bad. Hold on. I, will, I hold on. Hold on. I still, hold on. I still love you. <laughs> Do I have any music for it? Uh, no. <laughs> oh, big man! <laughs> what? What is this? <gasps> is that Johnny Depp? I don't understand what's happening. I don't either. Is that it's... his lawyer? Yeah. Oh, she says Elon Musk. <laughs> but where's the? That's not Johnny. He doesn't have a ponytail or all the bracelets. I don't. <laughs> Johnny dressed like a, a wedding singer. No. I don't. I feel like uh, he should sing while I eat uh, prime rib. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, that's the, the interaction with the lawyer. Okay, Kevin. You can be a doctor. Uh, uh, like before he got wasted. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like before they told YouTube to piss off when he was still like somewhat sober, but getting trashed by the game. And he was sober enough to be like, all right, you got me, but this is never happening again. That person's never running the, the drinking game contest. Again, <laughs> writing the rules. Cause they nailed him with the rules. Cause they knew like from watching the day before there was like 50 objections. They should have had one where drink when they approach the, the judge. Because that also happened more times than I have ever really seen in any type of trial like this. So, uh, that, yeah, I was looking for the earlier crowd. Let me clip. see if I can find it real quick. Um, no, nah, hmm. I don't remember what episode it's from. That's the problem. I'm trying to Only see because it. I think it's a good example of like um, go to those the first day she testified, they let her just ramble on to say whatever is whatever she wanted and on the second day they were throwing like every trying to break her pace to take away the advantage of an actress having the stand that's what i saw there but it also uh you know if her test if her testimony is backed up by evidence it was pretty uh damning like ninth gate damning for that dude the other yeah, day i think i found it here let me see well, I found it on YouTube. The yeah, full, yeah, the full thing. It's, yeah, the full thing's on YouTube. If you yeah. like, go to like the hour, half hour till from the end or something. One like and that, a half. Probably. Yeah, go to an hour and a half because it's, it's two hours long this live stream. But if you go to an hour and a half, then he's drinking and laughing. And... All right, let's see. So boring. I'm not. I'm just. I I could look at it in the commercial for, for the original one, and I'm like, I, I'll never watch this show. You know what? Also, too, I think you and I probably share this. You know, being a comedian, you like you see an interview with George R. Martin, you're like, oh, that guy has no sense of humor. I probably can't read this. Right. Yeah. He, he takes himself so seriously. Like if you go back and you read Token, like you see, like he actually talked about this was designed to be written. It was basically meant to be sort of, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, folklore. Uh, or he said, like, uh, uh, what's the term? Like mythology for the Western Europe that didn't yeah. already exist. And uh, he said it was meant for the simple person, for the layman. And he seemed to have a sense of humor about himself. But George R. Martin, is, he has no sense of humor. And it, once someone shows it, I'm like, I, I can't do it. Oh, no. One of the funniest things I've ever seen, too, about the guy was that an episode of Family Guy. And it's just George R. Martin. He's just in his, like, mobility scooter. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> Brian walks because he's sitting and he goes, almost always. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, our resident uh, psychology PhD candidate uh, has some commentary if you want to bring him in. All right. Okay. We want to bring in our resident uh, PhD candidate. All right. Oh, let's Kevin? bring him on in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kevin, you're such a disease. Jack Oh, the they're bear. coming back. Oh, okay. Hold on. They're coming back. So tell us. Uh, if there's an objection, what, I swear to God. Jury, what you did then over that night, the next day. I'm going to leaf blow pollen and, all over this room. Is that Cousin Vinny talking? At the hotel. What did you do? I cried uh, a lot. I tried to surround myself with my friends and resolve to leave him. Let the record show they're all imaginary. I felt, Sister. <laughs> I felt powerless. Our friends are different kinds Nothing of liquor. Nothing I did. <laughs> Make a difference. Friend you mineral. Know, on next the plane, friend spirits. I was so careful. Objection. Non responsive. So she's doing some of the things I was talking about out did. there. The start stop is very indicative of somebody that's lying and kind of fabricating on the spot. So she'll have moments where she talks quite a bit, and it's just like you telling a story mm -hmm. about your life that you're watching the video of in your mind. Got my penis caught in a revolving door once. Exactly. And yeah. that would be a fluid story. Mm -hmm. Start stop. A lot of people behind it, too. Yeah, I know. Real. I don't know how to be a gentleman in that. Do I go first to move the door for the woman, or do I let her go first and let the door? But the problem is, there's no way to be a gentleman when your wiener's stuck between the Really? Glass. It's just screaming. No, that's a good point. And I've also noticed there are very few ums, which a lot of people will say, you know, in broadcasting, you're not supposed to say um because it's a word whisker, but it's natural when you're recounting something, as opposed to very staccato, articulate, stop, and then this described that way. I notice that's how she's doing it. All right, let's see what she's saying. Half of Mr. Depp. Objection, hearsay. I'm sorry. Agency on that. <laughs> <laughs> what? Did you just call it like a slip and fall lawyer? <laughs> like, it's unreal. Well, I think, who's, object is, who's objecting? Is Johnny Depp's lawyers right now objecting? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because her lawyer is... Yeah, so they're just making it impossible. So it's good for them to do that, but yeah. it's exhausting for us. <laughs> but everything your lawyer's doing is like it's not helping her. Right. Content is, can you tell us How did you feel who that this night? Text messages with. Amber, uh, what Johnny's size are your tits? Yes. Objection. What's his mm, name? Overruled. Steven Duders. How would you describe your nipples? Silver dollar? Do they take up most of the breast I, National Geographic? Would they be comparable to an ice cream cone? And if so, which flavor? Yes. No? I'll allow it. I demand it. Hearsay. I'm afraid that's overruled. <laughs> Why? Well, because I'm incredibly out. horny. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> now pull those out, or I will have you in contempt. <laughs> and they'll make you pull it out in court jail. <laughs> All right, oh, we got to see this. I'm sorry. I don't. They just they went back to the mute. Son of a! This is the worst. All right, g give us the your PhD candidate. Give us your breakdown here. Well, one of the things that you see a lot from her is the believe me face. Right. And there was a lot of that in the early parts of her testimony, especially yesterday, where she's telling a story and she's wanting to look at the jury, and she'll kind of go into her narrative, and then up come the eyebrows. Don't look me in the eyes. It triggers my aggression. It's true. <laughs> I see it as a challenge. <laughs> no, but she. I'm half drunk and it's 11 central, for God's sake. <laughs> I'm sorry, Kevin, go ahead. No, Your analysis is far more valuable than anything I can contribute here. Johnny's <laughs> all drunk. It's like, you believe me, right? And she looks to the jury. No. And the eyebrows come up, and then she'll go back into the start stop. Right. Thing, and then she's checking in. 
Because, you know, you, you guys believe me. Yeah. 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 Which is, it seems like it's – if you're reliving one of your most – and this is something that people get wrong because a lot of the body language experts you'll see on television, they're like, that person is looking down and to the left. It means they're lying. Often if someone is actually recounting something traumatic or something that is embarrassing to them, they won't look you in the eye. It doesn't mean that they're lying. It means that they're nervous about it. So someone who looks you in the eye to describe their most traumatic experience of their life. That's a little much. That's yeah. not natural. Yeah. But because they've been told, be, look them in the eye. You know, oh, Daniel son, always look at eye. Well, no, not if you were raped. Right. You know, longer than three seconds. It's getting weird. Yes, it is. Yeah. You ever see guys interact? No one look each other in the eye. No. This is, about, this is a stare down before a fight. And then they'll talk about something they did that was like, you know, terrible. And they'll be like, oh, you're right. Yeah. So do you want to have an appetizer? Yes. I hear they have fantastic mineral spirit spinach dip. Yep. <laughs> you, think, you think they'll find the body? Well, it's buried under bags of. Burger King refuse. Bags of old Burger King kids club friendship bracelets. Yes. And rings, Dakota rings. <laughs> Pranto bags of Burger King Skulls. scraps. It's a vest. Oh. It's a vest. Oh, I felt guilty once because when I was poor and I was at a hotel on the road, I took a roll because it clearly had been like, it was like one of those places oh. that would wrap it in foil. Please been there. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I took more than a yeah, roll. Yeah, I was yeah, trying to, I know, look, yeah, I, know. I took food yeah. off of a take. I took food off of room service trays and I was poor. On <laughs> well, every comic too on Earth has been like this. Continental breakfast uh, also goes in my pocket yes, for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> so, looks like I'm having yogurt and a banana at five o'clock. And then <laughs> Life's the other going good. And the other comic walks up and knows exactly what you're doing and just goes, "Yeah, oh. <laughs> <laughs> ruined my." You've ruined dinner. <laughs> All right. What is this, a Danish? Oh, it goes in your back pocket. Yeah. I had to go siphon gas. <laughs> They're back up on Amber. Okay, let's hear Amber <laughs> lie. Depp in the days following the plane, Boston plane incident. Yes, I did. They were two youths. Please tell the jury about those communications. I heard from him um, Directly, I also heard from him through his assistants who were texting for him. Objection, Your Honor, hearsay. I knew it was going to be hearsay sustained. I'd love to testify about the text messages with his assistant, but can you tell the jury about your communications with Mr. Depp? Okay. It's kind of confusing because he was texting through them. Objection, right. Your Honor. I'll sustain the objection. I'll strike that from the record. You'll disregard that testimony. Oh, boy. She's not going to do well with this. The communication. <laughs> I have to pee in a minute. I'm oh, really so am I. We just can't all go pee at once. Token Allen's gone. Oh, I've got to pee super to bad. Pee? Yeah, just wait for him. Then you is Kevy still? Can in I there? go before right. you, or do you have to go first? All right, you can go, and but then I'll go. They're breaking her pattern, so she's not able to get on a roll. Yeah, no, that's like that's exactly okay. Pat, you did. You two talk. I want to hear what she, and then I'll come back. You guys update me on all the lies. Okay, Roger. About my prediction, everything that brought says is bullshit. Okay, I'll be right back. <laughs> We still got audio and there. I didn't we got audio here. Okay. Right away, and he texted me again that he understood that I had made my decision to move on and good luck. And Wouldn't I was the transcript help this out? And then continued to um, contact me. I spoke to him when I was in New York uh-huh. on the phone, and he said that he was. Um, he had a chip or that he was going to meetings 
chocolate and cheese. Uh, I think at the time mentioned a sober, uh, another celebrity that was kind of advising him on sobriety or not advising him, but, you know, start, stop, start, encouraging stop. him. And he was saying, well, look, you know, me and this person, we're, she doesn't know what a sponsor we're is. We even went to a meeting. Um, I've got three days sober, four days sober. And that was the last time. The monster will never come back. The monster will never so come back. So she's telling the story and to the jury. Like such mm-hmm. a that is kind of weird. It felt so much worse than it had ever been before. It is strange. It's like, Kevin, would you say she's performing for the jury? Definitely. Well, and the point about ums and uh, the thought linkers that I'm doing right now myself, I think is well made, but we are talking about an actress here who has a lot of time in front of camera, has spent their whole time doing interviews. So we might actually be seeing who she is now Mm -hmm. without the thought linkers. Like she just might be that good. Right. Which makes the start-stop thing so, like, pronounced. I've seen Never Back Down. You've seen what? I said I've seen Never Back Down. She's not that good. No, yeah, that's a good point. Emotions and how you felt about all this. Objection, hearsay. (laughs) Well, let's go. I'll lay the foundation, Your Honor. Let's go to Defendant 239. Yeah, sure. I came in unarmed. Good gravy. Like, shouldn't she be answering the lawyer and not staring off to the side? I mean, Tim makes a good point. Like, yeah, that does look. That's someone asks you a question. You look at them. Yeah, you you start looking at them, and then she just looks off and answers the question. The same as we just looked at each other for that point of conversation. Yeah, as opposed to me staring at everyone else to see what the they thought. It's it's insane. It's like so, Dave. um, I I agree with what you say. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. I'm just gonna look everywhere else. Is the jury? Are you believing my bullshit? All right, All right. great. <laughs> well, that's I mean, what I assume. Gage Grossgrutz would do that a lot during the trial. <laughs> Who would? Gage Grossgrutz when he was also a domestic jury. abuser. Yeah. And uh, you know, he oh, that idiot kind from of uh, the question and then look over right and be like, you guys believe me, right? Yeah, yeah, and then turn back. right and then very turn back. Informative. It is very weird. The oh. guy who drove farther than Kyle with a gun. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. If they don't get a pattern here, we'll go to Mug Club and take chat because this is just this is just, it's just death. Oh, there's a pattern. It just sounds like a. They, she can never. They can never answer, which means like that his attorneys are doing off. a good job. But oh this yeah, is not. This is why when you watch shows like Boston Legal or The Practice, you realize that it's 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 not like that in real life. It's well, very yeah. tedious. Well, as really Kevin annoying. and Tim have both pointed out, like she's kind of performing to the jury. Her face always goes to them. Mm-hmm. She's kind of asking it out. She's not really answering the questions. It's more of a performance every yeah. time, and that's why I think she's constantly getting. Hearsay, yeah. hearsay. Also, hearsay. she slept with half of them. Well, of course. It's just James Franco. <laughs> oh, that looks like a cry. Listen, I'm going to give you fair judgment. I always Is that a cry? I'm willing, oh, to, I'm willing to serve my community, sit on the jury. All right, let's see. Uh, oh, God. Embarrassed and sorry. He said he was, and I believed him. And this is a 4% beer. It's basically water. I <laughs> <laughs> caught back with him. All right, I'm going to go because I don't care. On the condition yeah. that <laughs> okay. he would Come back, we'll take a chat. <laughs> uphold his promise to do the treatment, to do the full detox, clean up, and never go back. I 
again. She's talking about Johnny, so what Johnny needed to go to rehab. To oh. Johnny didn't do the June, detox. Johnny didn't August do this. What about you, Amber? What about you? That's, the, that's what I think people are picking up on. I don't know. You guys can comment below, and I would love to see your comments because a lot – it is interesting to see this dynamic of specifically women, specifically women who've been abused, but across the board, uh, not by it. And I think the big reason that people are turned off is Johnny Depp did answer questions about himself, about his inner demons, about his flaws, and she is focused on questions about him, about his flaws. And for the same reason that people don't like a tattletale, it's like, okay, but what about you? And she hasn't gotten to that. She just want to talk about that. This doctor was going to be the solution, the, the cure, you know, uh, and he got, he got, Brought on board, and all of a sudden, Doctor was Robert the plan Smith. was that this team would be involved in Johnny's recovery. So it felt real, it felt serious. I felt like protected. You know, I had already by this point heard a million times it seems like a promises to get clean and sober, but this felt like a change. And uh, they were going to come to Boston and start working with Johnny, and the plan was to keep Johnny. On, a, on the same level of drugs that he was on since he was filming, they needed him to finish That's filming the mm-hmm. movie. Uh, so he was oh, going yeah. to be maintained with his um, prescri- with prescription pills, including the painkillers. And the 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 plan was he would obviously abstain from alcohol completely and all other drugs like weed and coke. And then when he finished for someone, filming, here's also something for someone who's so concerned about, and I would say obsessed with Johnny Depp's substance abuse issues. It really is weird that she was going, cause they were only married for, was it a year, a little more than a year? It wasn't a very long amount of time. Maybe it was 15 sure. months at most. It was 15 months. You know, yesterday she talked about three separate instances when she was doing drugs with Johnny Depp, MDMA, when they went to this trailer park uh, MDMA on the plane. So for someone who's like, I just really want him to get off drugs and get sober. But you were doing drugs with him. So when did you start taking it seriously? Hmm. Right. Yeah. 15 months. 15 months. You're right. Without saying what the communications were. And if that's the case, does she take responsibility for enabling him? Uh, where Johnny was, I just would come for short periods of time uh, in between... I mean, on weekends from filming until I wrapped my movie, which I did. Bitch. I think in May. Whoever wrote this drinking game needs to be on temporary leave. <laughs> well, they nailed it. It's <laughs> a good a game. Hey, but they're going to kill me. Debbie Lloyd. At least and every time she does believe me face out. isn't in the drinking game, there would just be alcohol. Yes, exactly. Just I'll be in the hospital. Medications, which they shared with me, told me about. Objection, Your Honor. Hearsay. <laughs> Well, we, we have to be careful about what other people told you. Okay, so you can testify to what yes, you know. Yes, uh, please refrain from, <laughs> see, we're in a courtroom, so being happened? a gossipy high school bitch doesn't quite apply here. <laughs> this doesn't meet the minimum threshold for the court. I know the amount that Johnny told them he was on was so that they, they could maintain him for the filming meaning not cha- make a drastic change in the amount that wasn't a specific he was reference. taking. No, and it wasn't her film. It was his film. He we just have a movie mentioned. His behavior, his whole personality changed 
drastically. He would be Did it change when you gave him MDMA twice? Mm. Time I was staying in Boston with him, ha- having wrapped my movie, and he would mm. in mid mid sentence. He just she just said my movie. Uh, one time he I was sitting chuckled. across from him, and I'm not going to give that. A well, the good, no, the good thing is I can finish. So someone else needs to bring me a drink <laughs> because this is almost done. So it's a perfect time for me to have to. Completely, what appeared to be asleep while talking to me, and he had a cigarette in his hand, and you know Johnny constantly smoked, and he just obsessed with him. Cigarette, Johnny you know, smoked. Johnny asleep. this. Johnny that. See, like, this is probably true. Yeah. Because there's no break in the pattern, and it sounds like an episodic memory. Mm. Um, and, and he smells like Virginia Slims. Understand <laughs> it. <laughs> he definitely looks like he smells you know, like Virginia I Slims. Yes. With drug use um, in my family. Can you imagine I being Johnny Depp's acupuncturist? Trying to figure out with the nurses and doctors or masseuse where you're like oh can you just shower <laughs> change and what medications are oh, you causing it. hazmat suit i knew there were yes. new so from there following those rules crowder gets pretty sloshed even with just a four percent beer and uh it continues to go on for the rest of the day her uh testimony in the afternoon was uh, a lot different than what they just showed on screen. And uh, the accusations were pretty profound. And so we'll see uh, what happens with that case. I think it's just a big preparation for them uh, opening things up for Alex Jones. Like this is, pre, this is the pre-show. They're going to put AJ on trial, put him on, you know, television six weeks. You know, there's like four trials he has to go through. They're going to televise at least one of those, I'm sure. And they're just kind of like dripping blood in the water with this Depp Amber Heard turd trial. It's a sad indictment against our culture, if you think about it, because like, you know, they're prepping us in some capacity, getting us ready for the real stage show of the Alex Jones trial, potentially. Um, but at the same time, the fact that we give so much interest to this, I mean, there's so many things that are going on in the world and i get it for i mean it's it's like a representation of the me too argument i understand i understand it says they're called it's the woke cultural angle the progressive angle and then on the flip side there was a bunch of people just running to like defend postmodern johnny that he was like a innocent man who was set up and like we have yet to see all the evidence i'm just saying the story the tide changed right after that crowder clip because she kept testifying and then she talked about how he raped her with the bottle and uh, in a room full of broken glass. And she paints out quite a horrific picture that even if the, she gets cross-examined and it falls apart, like people have a visceral memory now associated with that, uh, the testimony. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not, I won't, I don't speak see to- him going back to Disney playing Jack Sparrow after it, what, you know, even if he's vindicated somehow is pretty harsh testimony by someone who's a professional actor they're both professional actors so the difference is he's owned up to every time they've said something like did you do this fucked up thing he's like yes did, did i read that correctly yes you did you know where well, i have i have no issue he's like teflon don now the depth handled it the way he should handle it he should fess up be honest with his own uh transgressions his own um idiosyncrasies his own sort of uh, the abilities with his personality and whatnot you know i get that and i'm not 
I'm not excoriating that or even admonishing him on a lighter note. I'm just pointing out that like the fact the culture is interested in it. And to your point, yes, about Amber, I mean, supposedly raping her at the bottom. I mean, she also, I won't speak to that directly, but she did show a picture of supposedly a bruise, right? Earlier in the trial where it's just trying to insinuate or trying to actually state well, she said that explicitly he had, had that he her. hit her. Yeah. Right. And that's not consistent, at least from a number of resources I've looked at with how well, he said the Kleenex had nail polish on it. Uh, so she down. was holding it like her nose was bloody. And he's and like, I it's like one it super polish. isolated bruise yeah. she supposedly took. Typical, yeah. typical signs are like scattered, you know, bruises over like a given area, do usually due to a struggle of some type. This was like almost perfectly, you know, sort of a uh, sort of looking for choreographed, made up, you know, sort of. It's so just, nobody wins. That's kind of the point. Yeah, the nobody problem wins. is that people's attention. They're being stolen. Both sides are going to look. That's awful my point. After this. That's my point about the culture. It's like that people's attention is being sort of misdirected to this. Their energy is being given to this spectacle rather than focusing. And I get we can't focus on you know, the heavy details of everything going on, but this seems to take precedent in the culture over what's going on with the economy, what's going on in the Ukraine, what's going on with COVID still. Behind, sort of simmering behind the scenes, if you will. And so there's all this, all these other topics going on in the culture that I feel like are being sort of overlooked for two narratives this week. Elon Seems Musk very and Amber Heard. Like over here is all this important stuff, Johnny but Duff. media attention is over. All right. Yeah. <laughs> and place. So in other words, it's another form of entertainment. That's what this has become. It's another form of entertainment. And it goes to our, we're almost, um, what's the word I'm looking for, but sort of, overstimulated on said, other forms of entertainment like that Neil were, Postman's were anesthetized book was called, to it uh i'm sorry entertaining ourselves to death yeah it's a classic mm-hmm. that's cool yeah i think it was from neil postman you get that juxtaposition between um brave new world and 1984 yeah technopoly yeah the technopoly where he juxtaposes and says it's more like brave new world but there are elements of 1984 that emerged, but it's you know, the more conspicuous manifestation would be 19, or Brave New World. Either way, yeah, I mean, it's Terrence McKenna used to talk about that too, that sort of entertaining ourselves to death. So it's, but it's a new form of entertainment because we're sort of bored with the old ones, maybe. I don't know. Everything just seems to be part of the meme culture where how, how can we make fun of it? How can we sort of um, direct ourselves away from like, this is where I have issues a little bit with comedy because comedy is so important, but at the same time can be so abused because at this, like we, we, a lot of time, it, as much as it can tell truth, it can also cover up truth by taking things that are true and just making a joke out of it. And then we end up not really thinking about it on a deeper level or having any serious conversations with ourselves internally or with people that we want to talk with. And that's why I have a tenuous relationship with comedy even those comedians that i like because it's a way also to marginalize very serious topics that we actually do need to sit down and talk about and be adults with instead of make fun of and everything is just about making fun of today whether it's about woke culture or about biden or about all these things that are going on well at the same time our rights continually be taken away and we seem to be less and less free in a world that's embracing more and more tyranny and we're sort of laughing our way in shackles and even maybe latching onto them so not to say that's tony's that's tony's book laughing his way to shackles (laughs) laughing Mm -hmm. our way to shackles using the shackle i should oh (laughs) sorry entertaining ourselves to death while overturning the money changer table (laughs) (laughs) 
It's a, it's a frustration. It's a lot of all the news this week was two things: Elon Musk and Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. It seemed. Oh, and Roe v. Wade. Elon Wade. dated Amber. Wade. That's in the trial. Like notes yeah. on her behalf to her ACLU donation that never happened. All this <laughs> sort of stuff, dude. And that's when it it's was an like, incestuous <laughs> group of celebrities that are just so narcissistic, really megalomaniacs to the point where they, I don't think they can even unwind from their own narcissism. Narcissism seems to imply that you're at least aware of your own sort of ego worship of yourself, like your egotistical attitude. Megalomania is like where you're not even aware of it. You just like do it out of impulse. Like they don't, they're so, in other words, they're so detached from reality. Well, so, that's another point. If I want to make a last point about this uh, Depp Heard trial, it would be something like this. Check out the evidence from his side of the story about the Australia incident and then listen to her story about it. And you're going to hear two totally different stories. Sorry. Johnny's like, she threw a can of mineral spirits at me. And then she threw a bottle and my hand was here and it severed his finger. Yeah, and then her like story the is, her story is he ate eight tabs of MDMA and then <laughs> went around the house and painted the house with his cutoff finger and using it as a paintbrush. It was, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy story. And it doesn't match, you know, the housekeeper and all these other people that testified last week. So anyway, yeah corroborating evidence yeah there's no corroborating evidence. and yes i had all my work done when i checked into such things when yeah there's was, nothing wrong with checking I wasn't, if you've gotten yeah. any other work done or consider other things as a you know but i think a lot of people in our culture these three main talking points this week um roe v wade amber heard johnny depp and elon musk and how he's a savior or a villain depending on which side of the aisle you fall on and yeah, the leaking of that supreme court memo is designed to destroy trust within the supreme court it's like a it's like a mechanism of war that happened mm-hmm. there yeah and i wouldn't right. put that past russia is anyone check to see if russia did that because that'd be like clever nation state move china we, you know yeah not I, saying because you know uh that guy will chamberlain he's a lawyer he's on tim cast he pointed towards someone who works there and he's like yeah it's supposed to be an assistant yeah. who has a record of such kind of interest and in these sort of things, but I'm not jumping to a conclusion to say it was that, cause that's the perfect thing. If there was someone there, another group could do something like that, knowing that she would be like the scapegoat or fall girl. They had the fall girl or the fall. Yeah. Right. Except or she was dumb up. enough to do that. And there are those connections with her husband and the guy who published it. So <laughs> it's also the um, ideological bias that she's willing to sort of, you know, fall on the sword, so to speak. You know, it's almost so who knows almost as like extremist as dudes who would drive planes into buildings <laughs> oh you know that's part of the frankfurt school legacy and postmodernism. so those religious muslims who were at the strip clubs <laughs> strip clubs you know doing coke uh amateur pilots that could barely pass their license see there um, is crossover there's a lot more connection between flight license the hijackers from 9 11 <laughs> and the johnny depp amber heard trial than you would imagine because yeah, they both are built on mounds of cocaine, but both of those stories, of cocaine and the dissolution of IQ, this dissolution, destruction of IQ and basic intelligence. Yeah. Holy shit. So, yeah, I All mean, right. it's been a wild week and yeah, the Roe v. Wade without getting into the details of that, that's, that's this. Yeah, I didn't bring things. a poll long enough to touch that issue yeah. tonight. No, that's not. It's also kind of, you know, while that's going on, what, again, to my point, what other things are going on that are eroding individual freedoms in a way that is much more conspicuous and much Bill more Gates taking over with the who you got it. And getting those right. treaties signed. 
So they have control of of you. Instead of getting caught in the quagmire of trying to define what is a very difficult. Anyways, I'm not going to. While you guys are worrying about how to define a woman, this dude's Grand Theft World and over there. That's right. But that's the, that was the main talking points, right? He's and turning the whole I look, I look Disney at it, world. I, he's like Gates world. He's like, I'll actually have the world too in my place. Disney right. with small potatoes. So there's uh, I don't know. Where do you want to? How about that clip of Rand Paul? Didn't we want to hit that at some point? Yeah, let's hit that. In technology. Let's let him uh, go after Mayorkas. 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 Something like that. That's the dude. Department of Government Disinformation. I'm Brittany Lewis with Forbes Breaking News. At Wednesday's Senate Homeland Security Committee hearing, Senator Rand Paul pressed Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas on the Steele dossier. Paul accused the Homeland Security Secretary of not acknowledging that the controversial Steele dossier was disinformation. Paul also expressed concern about the new DHS Disinformation Governance Board. Mayorkas defended the board and claimed that Paul was mischaracterizing his opinion. Take a look at the fiery Senate exchange. For your questions. Do you think the Steele dossier included Russian disinformation? Uh, Senator, um, uh, th- that's not a question that I'm equipped to, to answer. The, uh, it was in the public you. news. It was a, you may have heard of it, the Mueller investigation. It was a $32 million investigation that went over a couple of years. Uh, Horowitz was an investigator general, and he looked at the FBI's activity in the beginning of this. And what the FBI concluded was that there were FBI agents throughout this period of time who concluded that, yes, the dossier was full of Russian disinformation. So let's say it is Russian disinformation. You say your new disinformation governance board is going to help the public with disinformation. You claim it's not going to be about domestic. It's going to be about foreigners and those evil Russians. So here's my question. The FBI concludes that the Steele dossier was full of Russian disinformation. CNN propagated this disinformation gladly for years and years. The difference, I guess, between your opinion and our opinion is that as despicable as it is that CNN propagated this disinformation, I, I wouldn't shut them down. I wouldn't lecture them. I wouldn't put it on a government website that CNN's wrong for propagating disinformation. The problem you have is you're not even willing to admit. I mean, we can't even have an agreement on what the FBI said was disinformation. How do you propose that you're going to have an office of disinformation governance if you see the problem in even determining what is disinformation? Oh, Senator, because um, our work is not um, focused on disinformation writ large. Where we, the Department of Homeland Security, become involved is when there's a connectivity between disinformation and threats to the security of the homeland. Let me well, that's what well, the Russians can, might be considered that. Can, you mentioned the Russians the other day when you tried to pivot away from this being about censorship. But let's say it is the Russians. I know you're not going to ever agree that the Steele dossier, which y'all spent so much money on, was disinformation. But it was, and the FBI concluded. But let's just say there's an imaginary disinformation. You've discovered tomorrow Russian disinformation that's going to hurt our national security. And CNN's broadcasting it. What are you going to do? Senator, let me... You're going to tell Putin you shouldn't do this. Senator, what Senator, are you going to do? Senator, let me, let me explain what we do in the Department of Homeland Security with respect to disinformation. And frankly, what we've been doing for nearly 10 years across different administrations. The cartels, 
the cartels propagate disinformation that Title 42 does not apply to a particular community of migrants, migrants from a particular country. How are they propagating this? If I may, through social media. And what we do through U.S. Customs and Border Protection is actually communicate via social media and other channels that that is false that we do apply Title 42. So let's say there's Russian disinformation as well. Are you going to take to social media and broadcast that people are broadcasting something incorrect about what do you think is Russian disinformation? Uh, Senator, let me emphasize... Well, you said the other day Russians, and now you're saying not so much the Russians, you're saying the cartels. No, I'm not. No, I'm not, Senator. You're you're mischaracterizing my statement. Then what are you going to do if there's Russian disinformation? You're going to broadcast something on social media? Allow me to share when we become involved in the Department of Homeland Security. We become involved when disinformation poses a threat to the security of our country. It is when there's a connectivity to a threat to our country. It could be a threat, a connectivity to violence. And what this, what this working group does, uh, what this working group does is precisely what I would think you would want it to do, which is to take a look at the work, the disinformation work that our department has done and ask the following questions. Do we have policies? Do we have guardrails? Do we have yeah, standards? But here's the problem. Ensure, we can't even agree. We can't even agree what disinformation is. This is you well, can't even agree that it was disinformation, that the Russians fed information to the Steele dossier. If you can't agree to that, how are we ever going to come to an agreement on what is disinformation so you can police it on social media? Senator. I have two points, if I may uh, finish. Um, uh, number one, that what this office, what the, I'm sorry, what this working group does, because it's not an office, what this working group does is ensure that there are guardrails, definitions, standards to make sure that the free speech rights, the civil rights, civil liberties, and privacy rights of individuals. So do you think do you think COVID do you think COVID do you think COVID do you think COVID disinformation threatens our national security? And number two, if I may, Senator, and number two, is it your proposition that when the cartels spread disinformation with respect to our immigration policies to try to lure vulnerable migrants to our border illegally? I think you've got no idea what disinformation is, and I don't think the government's capable of it. Do you know who the greatest propagator of disinformation in the history of the world is? The U.S. government. Are you familiar with McNamara, the Pentagon Papers? Are you familiar with George W. Bush and the weapons of mass destruction? Are you familiar with Iran-Contra? I mean, think of all the debates and disputes we've had over the last 50 years in our country. We work them out by debating them. We don't work them out by the government being the arbiter. I don't want you guardrails. I want you to have nothing to do with speech. You think we can't determine, you know, speech by traffickers is disinformation? You think the American people are so stupid they need you to tell them what the truth is? You can't even admit what the truth is with the Steele dossier. I don't trust government to figure out what the truth is. Government is largely disseminating disinformation. So I do have a question, and here's the question. So the Russians, maybe the Russians, maybe some cartels. What about COVID disinformation? Is that in your bailiwick for your, dis- your disinformation governance board? Senator, you would have to give me the details. With Okay, here.
Rand Paul back in the news, which is interesting because we haven't seen him since his uh, excoriation of Fauci. There's a number of times that he uh, went against Fauci and uh, the definition of gain of function and whether or not uh, they're funding gain of function research, the Wuhan laboratory. Then he went silent for the past couple of months. And all of a sudden, it's good to see him sort of reemerge and at least challenge this new disinformation board, governance board that's being set up by the Biden administration. Uh, it's as if they took 1984 and made it a playbook, an official playbook for the Biden administration. But I'm just, you know, just. You would have to be like literate. To no one in the Biden administration is familiar with science <laughs> fiction, Tony. I'm telling uh, you, if we could just start like, you know, there was a guy, somebody who did a big leaflet drop from an airplane in Florida the other day. And it's like if they would just drop, if he could just drop leaflets, you know, for science fiction QR codes to like 1984 audiobooks for. The people that work over there, they can catch up on the irony that they're producing. How much do you think Mayorkas actually knows any of those scenarios? Uh, the Pentagon Papers, Iran Contra, weapons of mass, okay, uh, uh, destruction. Look, and not, that's like that's barely Let's... scratching the surface. What about the Gulf of Tonkin? What about uh, we're not, we just talked about nine eleven tonight? What about the world first world trade center? About what about the babies in incubators? What about they put um, the babies in the incubators? All right, here's the Pentagon Papers. The, uh, Daniel Ellsberg, Rand Corporation. What yeah. was the next one he mentioned? Uh, he talked about obviously the weapons of mass destruction. McNamara. That would be, well, that'd be, well, I mentioned the McNamara. That would be 1968, Golf of Tonkin. Or yeah, because like he that. said, yeah, there's McNamara. Did he mention, oh, did he mention McNamara? Okay, so yeah, Golf of Tonkin. Golf of Tonkin Hope. 1964. Sorry, way right. off. Um, Shadows of Power by Perloff is a book you can read all ooh, about. Yeah, it. James Perloff, yeah, right. And I, by the way, McNamara, I think, is on the record. You can find video of him yeah. stating that that well, it's was in, oh, a it's lie. In, uh, that he said that was made up. That there was no. I'm not even <laughs> sure they had a carrier in the Gulf at that point. Um, I forget. I have to look it up. No, it's in well. that documentary by uh, Errol uh, Morris. Hmm. Uh, I remember watching that like mid, well over 10 years ago. Yeah. Unknown knowns, the known unknown, something like that. Yeah. Anyway, it's on the record. It's also, yeah, this is Sony Pictures movie, uh, yeah. Golf Tonkin Hoax. So that's, weapon, we weapon can figure that out. Destruction is the next Mayorkas one. has better resources than we do. So what was the next one? Uh, Weapons like, of uh, mass destruction, Colin Powell. WMD. You know. So that's for Colin Powell giving his testimony in front of what the Senate or Congress by the Senate. Council on Foreign Relations says it was a war of choice that there was no Iraq WMDs. So I'm just saying there's Condi Rice <laughs> and around this is here's the war. I think I might have played that during my logic group Con, or Colin Powell. No, maybe I chose it for Bush yeah. instead. I forget. I think I might have. Oh, well, look, here's Al Paul Jerry Bremer. There he is. Marshall McClendon crisis. Governor of Iraq lost those uh, billions of dollars off the trucks. Oh, they're anyway. a risk management firm. I thought they had the. I thought yeah. they were a so you wouldn't want to watch reason. like I'm the new there. American Century documentary film to learn about these things. I think that's also a Perloff joint with uh, the guys I did State of Mind with. Let's see. Look at all these things in this. Check out that film. Oh, that's so confused. I don't, for some reason, I thought Marsha McLennan was. Yeah, there's a lot. The New American Century, I'm pretty sure that's the Perloff. Or there was the Shadow Ring. I would just call themselves professional services firm. I thought they were lawyers. And so what else did he say? Uh, Iran-Contra? It's like insurance, investment. It's a whole bunch of shit they do. Uh, Iran-Contra, yeah. So Oliver North. His testimony. um, 
There you go. Mm -hmm. Then uh, I'm sure I ran Contras right here. How they follow Colin, the there's money? There's Colin Powell. Yeah, you just got to follow the money. I Go said, to Eatsco. Uh, how did they funnel the money? To Eatsco, Egyptian American Transportation yeah. Service Corporation. There's one of them. BCCI is another yeah, one. BCCI was the big one there. I was going to mention. I forget a HSBC. I don't think they're connected with this. Now you can go to the behind the Iran Contra affair documentary. You can go to CIA and the savings and loan scandal part one. You can go to Clinton Chronicles. You can go to Dope Inc. You can go to Family of Secrets by Russ Baker. What else? There's a whole bunch. Look at the scroll over here. Look at look at how many sources there are for information on Iran Contra. How can't uh, (laughs) my Yorkists know about this? The Mafia, the CIA, and George Bush. See, I told you there was a book called that earlier. Yep. Sultan of Brunei did donate money to the Contras. Did he also have a, a, a boat that was owned by Adnan Khashoggi of Iran Contra <laughs> and later by Trump? Maybe, maybe. Let's see. Let's see. What do you think? Sultan of Brunei donate money. Oh, he paid $85 million for this yacht, the Nabila, which becomes the Trump princess. So just never say never again, everybody, because that's what the that's where you know that boat from. It was used in that movie. It's all Ian Fleming and MI6. There you go. <laughs> now it's it belongs to the guy who just lost Twitter because it's yeah. the thing, Kingdom Five KR yacht, yeah, formerly it's, it's, Trump it's like Princess, the bicycle of yachts, owned by Bin Talal Awalid Bin Talal, the Twitter dude. See, and here's the article on it. Look at that. It's an interesting history of that yacht. Just saying. Only what, the, what that yacht could You tell. look into the Trump princess and all you find is Iran-Contra. <laughs> What's Iran-Contra? That's arms for drugs. So oh, yeah. arms for drugs. Uh, nothing's really changing here in regards to what the, the power leader into. When we talked about early golds, or gods, gold, oil, drugs, and sex. You know, arms, drugs, oil, slavery in the form of sex slavery. It's all the same shit, man. And the guy that Trump argues with on Twitter, he sold his yacht to him. So, like, that's the context people don't have when they see. Reminds um, me of that South Park episode where it's uh, they do it in a more sort of tongue-in-cheek way, but they do it with. Uh, hey, and never let us forget that Bin Talal gave away all his money. Get out of here, privacy notice. Where's the look? Meet the Saudi prince giving away all his money. Do you ever see what this dude has? He has like gold 757s and stuff. It's crazy wealth that this dude was rocking before he allegedly gave it away, right? Mm-hmm. Well, Saudi princes are, from my understanding, some of the richest individuals in the world. But again, that's off the books riches, from my understanding, to a certain extent. Yeah, because yeah, the British gave them their own kingdom. Yeah. Made them Yeah, monarchs. that's right. They, they, that's right. That's right. Yeah, they yeah, supported yeah. The, the House of Saud. Which is also an extreme form of it was the minority form of a particular interpretation of Islamic scripture as well. He donated his thirty-two billion dollar fortune, Tony. Here it is, right here. It's in fortune, so it must be true. Why did he donate like a billion of it? Kept the other thirty-one. And how do you know it's only thirty-one or thirty-two billion? Because they told me in fortune, right there, buddy. Then yeah. you know and. Uh, i mean fortune that's just the company that cd jackson used to run that's right actually that's yeah that's a good point 
CD Jackson. Nothing, uh, nothing hey. dirty about Charles Douglas. Yeah, we're, CD Jackson uh, is helping us out with the YouTube pirate stream because Jules got a suspension. So there. I uh, hear CD Jackson right Wonder here. Wonder what we played last week. Probably High Wire or something. Expert like in psychological warfare. Yeah, he was number he was number two in like uh, Eisenhower Psy War during World War II, I think. He's then he guy, goes on with yeah, Project. I don't fortune. know if he's por- Became, Fortune magazine he ran before he did Time Life and took Time over Life. the Zapruder film. After World War II, they yeah, it's interesting. They sort of did the Mockingbird thing, right? He's a famous star out. from that 1945 film called The Death Mills the by Billy, uh, Billy Water. That's what I'm talking about. So I, we can't go down that road. But yeah, I get yeah. It might tie to 9-11 and such things. Anyway. Yeah, there's a connection there with uh state sponsored propaganda, mass American ruling classes at work stuff. Stockholm no. syndrome, uh, no. trauma-based mind control. Trauma-based mind control might be the best description. All right. So before we go to intermission, mm-hmm. <clears throat> what do you think we got covered? Have we hit the Ministry of Truth? Oh, sorry. The dis dis uh, We we did last week. Board. We did DGB. last week. Yeah, we were a week ahead with the story. Yeah. That happens there, a lot of times. We cover it on Sunday night, then it breaks yeah. during the week. So we titled the episode that, but we covered it last week. So. Yeah, we covered she that. Sang, was, was a big scary Poppins. Yeah. Was like, a couple of people next, covered it. She's this doing week. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang next. Yeah, she, she's yeah. hitting all the MI6 classics. Um, as far as. Um, well, we got Russell Brands. We already got that. that was Kim Iverson did pretty, pretty much the same thing. Lockdowns for life. Bill what Gates about Jimmy Dore? We haven't. We always there's have a lot of good. Lot of... There's a lot of good Jimmy Dore. Um, let's give me a support. I'm trying to think of some Tom of the funnier ones for the Trump week. on Ukraine. I don't know about that. So Chomsky. here's the FDA. Oh, we want something funny from. I'm trying to. Well. Denmark halts COVID, FDA, severe limits, j Yeah, they pulled the J&J. Big Pharma we told you about those blood clots of a year ago when they knew, and they waited a year before they pulled it. So, so, so Jimmy Dore has this big pharma is making how much off vaccines? That's one higher percentage of COVID deaths now among vaccinated Jimmy Dore. Um, elites can make their own COVID decisions, says White House Press Secretary Jimmy Dore. Um, See, my I guess my biggest, <clears throat> I like Jimmy Dore because he believes in things that I don't necessarily believe in. Like, I think he's a good counter in a utopia. Like, everyone yeah. should have healthcare, but practically like, do you want your healthcare coming from a doctor forced to work for free or by government bid? Probably not. That's no, not I, I know he doesn't understand so, the theory. Socialized healthcare to Jimmy is a good thing, but to me, it means you're stealing a bunch of money from these people so that the government can then take control of their health and then be dependent just like they're British citizens. So why do we fight the King of, of England in the first place? It's a tenuous ground to stand on, to realize that utopic thinking can never manifest itself in reality. Like it just is, which not is why it's utopic thinking because utopia means nowhere, no place, nowhere, no yeah. movement. Yeah. Not here. And so, it's um not it's, it's also just like it's just not fundamentally it also goes against our better instincts because we're beasts of burden like we we if we don't work and provide value for ourselves we tend to that goes against our personality or sense of self-worth that's built up in our personalities in regards to feeling a part of something and feeling like we're we're this gets to aristotle's definition of happiness and eudaimonia but like we we have to overcome challenges and that like helps define character and like that's also that a lot of time we do it in the type of work we choose. And so like there's Peterson also brings this up. Like we are kind of be suburban when we give people nothing to do. 
look at the type of temperaments look at like what they end up um sort of giving into video games drugs the sense johnny of depp meaninglessness trial. the johnny depp trial that's right and so you know there's there's this idea of being able to provide for yourself put in um you know the ownership of your physical labor and trade that for someone else's physical you know their their labor and that creates actually ironically and paradoxically the most peaceful types of exchange and the most powerful and exuberant economies and the most stable social systems. That's essentially the key component on systems theory, which has to do with peaceful interaction, but has to do with the fact that you have to earn work to achieve it. So if you have to work to achieve it, you want to be able to own the product of your labor. That's like John Locke's theory of, to a certain extent, that's like an extension of the properties of John Locke's theory of, of labor. But I mean, let's come on now. And you like, technically do own the, the fruits of your labor. It's only when you trade your labor for federal reserve notes that they get a slice. That's and that's been the trick going into you know, the Babylonian world. Like it's just it, it's the trick of money changers. It's a trick of speculators. That's what find if by it's the trick of the magicians. Devil. Yeah, it's the trick of magicians. That's right. It's the financiers are just playing games of money, making up words, and making you believe that they're going to make something out of nothing when you really can't fundamentally do that. And so that's uh, you know, and that's the problem with Door. Like there's a lot of people. Like I like Jimmy Door and a lot of fronts, but he still operates with this idea that if we just tear down capitalism, which he has a very misconstrued idea of what capitalism is, we'll just build up to this like socialist utopia. And it's like, we've tried that and it fundamentally goes against all aspects it goes broke. of human first nature. First off, Jimmy, it goes broke. We don't get that's, any That's value. the first thing that happens. Everyone loses everything because people uh, redistribute wealth. That's and then no one's incentivized to want right. to utilize their talents or produce something, whether it's yeah. based on their talents or just based on farming. So there's no Jimmy door comedy tickets. There's no comedy club That's for right. Jimmy door to sell tickets at. Nope. It's, it's not, a, it's not a good thing. So I understand limitations of his perspective and those sort of things. And I can still appreciate, but I do like Jimmy door. He, he has, yeah. he's, he's pretty smart. Like he, he does yes. a good job for being a counter. He's an old school Democrat. He's a comedian in his garage and he takes multi-billion dollar corporations to task on a regular basis. That's what I like. He does call out the crony capitalism, the fascist sort of capitalism. It's the big government married with big business. And I appreciate that. That's where we find strict, you know, solidarity. He also recognizes the machinations behind the scenes of the FBI or the CIA or uh, NGOs, for example, non-government. But he always, it always just stops at America. And he doesn't have that British empire, Anglo-American establishment history, but he's really close. Like, first off, his audience is people on the left who are wise to the ruse. Yeah. They're they're trying to get smart and he's close to like getting it. Like him and Tim Dillon, know Whitney Webb and they, you know, Mm -hmm. speak of her work and with, with reverence. So if we can get them to the point where they like recognize Corbett, you know, and And it's not just Max Blumenthal, but it's like, here's James Corbett to talk a little geopolitics and he'll let you have, you know, and so, like, we can get the the message to that audience to that doesn't listen to Grand Theft World. Oh, that would be will. huge. That would be you huge know? because if you think about it too, they didn't swallow the the progressive pill. That they didn't go along with the fallacy of the mean. They didn't get caught up in that. Why I associate my identity with being a Democrat or being a leftist. He still well, calls himself that, but he hasn't things. fallen there's into like the Democrats, cultural Marxist angle. I have to give him credit. Democrats, liberals, leftists, progressives all kind of get lumped together now that's right right that's, and it's really yes. only the leftists that are like extremist ideological communist socialist type of terror like i would say the progressive but they don't know how to build it back 
progressives are right up there but they're more of an elite ruling class like um mm. that gotcha. um yeah, yeah i can see dicaprio that. movie the aviator when he's dating Catherine hepburn and she, he goes to her family's house and they're old money right they're old money and they're democrats and they're all about socialism and he's a guy who has worked his way up so there's this conversation at the dinner table where they have a fight he, he's like you guys don't care about money because you already have it and they're like excuse me excuse me and he said it again and then he got up and excused himself and went back to work because he's a hands-on type of do it himself and these people had lived off the the fat of society and they represent like the franklin delano roosevelt four-term effete eastern establishment has no idea what it's like to be poor because their fun their money comes from narco trafficking right east india company anglo-american establishment that's what it's all about that's how they have the power in the first place no that's right no i i, I that's a fair distinction that's a fair distinction people are so out of touch with the reality um in that regard then that don't have are not used to the vicissitudes of like normal everyday life in regards to the having to provide for oneself and know what it's like to actually have to work and provide for oneself and then with so, and that's so in order to feel it's like a, it's, it's a, ver, it's a deal. form of virtue signaling because it's like i want to feel better about the fact that i am actually just stealing other people's wealth or i'm at least if not stealing I'm taking advantage of other people's productive labor and sitting on this top of the hierarchy. So I need to feel thing, better about it by redistributing that wealth by stealing from other people redistributing. Say it's good. That Sorry, Malcolm X and Ted Kaczynski agreed on that the most dangerous or the group, Democrats are the most dangerous group. Well, it was like white liberal progressives, white liberal whatever. progressives. Yeah. yeah the same ones that also that they know enough to go and fix your stuff. Cause you know, yeah. Yeah. That's racism. That's institutionalized racism. It starts yeah. at the British Empire and trickles down through the Anglo-American establishment. And I would like to see it taken care of too. It's still that's going a good on. Point. That's actually a good point. That's very Malcolm X. That's a that's a fair point for both. Look these. at what Churchill they said about from very different the Commonwealth angles, and but... Palestinians and a dog laying a manger doesn't make the manger the property of the dog and all that stuff. Look at what Lyndon B. Johnson said with the Civil super racist Act. people. I mean, look at yeah. what Lyndon John won't repeat it here because it's abhorrent. But you know, or look at uh, you know who supported. Slavery. Look what Joe Biden said. Yeah. Oh, geez, yeah, you right. can just go to. Do we have day. a? Do we have Joe Biden's like uh, letting the truth slip out, saying the quiet part out loud, real for the past fifty years? Because he has, he has stuff that I wouldn't even feel comfortable playing on this podcast unless it was bleeped. Yeah. Even though he's the sitting president, well, maybe because he's the citizen. No, not, that's not it. But it's just because, like, that doesn't need some of those things don't need to be repeated. <laughs> sitting. President he said them. That's citizenically. He's parents. sitting president because he has a he has a hover round that he rides around, and then he's got one of those escalator things where he rides it up, like in Gremlins when they sent the old yeah, that's classic. They made her stare. What was that thing? That's hilarious. It's not stairmaster, but. It takes people no. up the stairs. Right. Oh, the along. escalator type things. They sit on it and it mechanically oh, takes them up the, the stairs. Yeah, it's for the old people that yeah. like it goes stripe go up the stairs. It, like made it go there, real there's fast. There's a couple and... of different versions of it. Because we were gonna get it from my grandparents at one point. Yeah, we're talking they... gremlins tonight, guys. Gremlins. We should get Jay Dyer on here. Let's talk film. let's talk gremlins, yo. <laughs> that was a great 80s film. I mean absurd, but you know. I enjoyed that as a kid. Was yeah, honorable it. mention. Maybe we'll play a clip from. So uh, this past week on Infowars, Burma's had like fourth hour hostage and he kicked Elon in the nuts. 
and uh then jay dyer had like the next day and uh so uh he was talking about billington and fire in the minds of men and he was on he was on fire so i waited till break and i texted him to be like hey billington was also a road scholar to see if he would pick up because he's real anglo-american establishment scholar himself you know he knows about such things and uh yeah i think that having people like Burmis and Dyer host the last hour of that show is a lot stronger than a lot of the other people they've ever had. Oh hosting. yeah. They have actual researchers yeah. now. No, yeah, I mean, I like Gerald Salenti, you know, he's all right. It's trends journal, but you know what you're trends, getting when you listen yeah. to him, you don't know what you're getting when Dyer or Burma step up, step up to the mic. Cause they treat it like a real opportunity. Like let's get this information out there before they can't, you know, we don't have internet access anymore or whatever their next move is. Well, he's also educating the Infowars audience, which tends to be very black and white, I hate to say this, but uh, I shouldn't castigate them all as that. But limited to the headlines, they, they they're just as they operate are. as right. They operate just as much on heuristics as people in the mainstream. They just operate on alternative heuristics. So they right to your point, the headlines. So they see the headlines and they just jump to conclusions and they don't really read the fine print or, in other words, extricate the evidence if there's any evidence for the the backup of those headlines. And like the problem with Jones, and it's not a problem, it's I should actually praise him for this, but at the same time, it becomes a problem when people aren't educated and don't utilize reason because he has anyone on people that are wrong and people that are right. But if they're if they have some if they've been given their 15 minutes of fame somewhere else and they seem like they're good enough speakers to sort of uh, rhetoricize their point, go on and speak and, you know, be able to hold an audience's attention, he'll have them on. So he had on like with COVID, everyone, uh, every potential theory, every potential, the Russia situation, Russia and Ukraine, he had a whole bunch of people on talking about how Russia is going against the NWO. They had, now I'm not saying Jones agreed with all of it. Jones actually seemingly lately has been saying, eh, you know, there's too much evidence to the contrary and to support Putin here. But, you know, to be fair, he's had on, he kind of has on every alternative perspective, as long as it's not too egregious and absurd or absurd. So I appreciate from a free speech perspective, the problem is a lot of people don't have, aren't trained in logical thinking or how, aren't trained on how to be able to sift through what is true and what isn't true, fact from fiction. And they sort of, because they don't have time in the day, even if they have that ability, that not everyone has enough time in the day to go through all that information and find out what is true, what isn't true. So then we, they operate on heuristics and put in these nice little subcategories and they think they have sort of things figured out and move forward. Jason Burmis and... Uh, Jay Dyer been doing a fantastic job. Jason Burmis, I think, opened up his Elon Musk um, counterpoint, counter argument by saying, I'm going to do something that you're not really hearing much about. And I know he's like, oh, a lot of people aren't going to really support necessarily. But I'm going yeah, and to then he gets to the- break out the Dennis Bushnell stuff on him. Yes. Yeah. There yeah. you go. 10,000 brain chips already walking around. You know, yeah. So it is. People need to it. hear that. People need to even to on the, the Alex Jones side who are falling to the maybe not as much the Trumper side, but they do fall into the heuristics of alternative media, which is whatever is cool talking point from if it was snake venom a couple of weeks ago to, you know, um, you know, uh, Putin being a savior or who knows, like this to 5G causing COVID 5G cause there's all those all sorts of stuff out there let's ignore the old history of disease in general and the oh wait when did the electrical grid come into effect because it's not even 5G a lot of them will state it's the electrical grid is the cause of 
the extrication of bias through pleomorphic interactions of terrain. I don't even get me started. I'm not going to go down that road. I promised myself I wouldn't go down that road. Yeah, a lot of epistemological cartoons. And they are cartoons. So it's fun. I guess that's another form of entertainment. And the misery can be a form of entertainment, Peterson once said, and that we have to check ourselves against that and make sure that we go for actual facts. Because or as the 20th century poet known as Ice Cube once said, you better check yourself before you wreck, before you wreck yourself. <laughs> bad for your health. I believe that's from his, uh, his album called The Predator. Okay, we need to go to a clip. <laughs> We have that video, LD. Oh no, not that clip. <laughs> oh shit. I don't think Ice Cube follows me on Twitter. We don't have to play his clips. <laughs> Chuck D follows me on Twitter, but there you go. I'm more yeah, public enemy. Swipe the power. You know what time it is. Flavor Flay's got a clock on its neck. Of course I do. All right. So Push other things. Push his old breath. I think I'm getting that all mixed up. I don't know anything about hip hop culture. Oh yeah. Well, it's always time to learn. Mm, no. Now you don't have to go through it real time. You could have like the best of hip hop culture, like brought to you from the nineties and eighties, you know, start with like grandmaster flash, Melly Mel, all the pre run DMC type uh, activity. And then you get into like some legit activity and then you get to no, gangster, I'm not gangster rap in the yeah. early 90s. That's fascinating research right there. It is. Jay Dyer actually did a bunch of research. Use curse words. <laughs> and they were trying to give the British a run for their money. They've seen the British were the best at cursing. And then they said, no, we'll take it up a notch. So, I mean, NWA, two live crew. I mean, there's, there's a lot of research to be there done there, Tom. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's hijacked by, uh, you know, big corporate uh, like Sony Productions and it's just other major fish eating fish eating other fish. Mm-hmm. You know, they, Dyer actually went into that talking about how the hip hop movement was about like sort of uh, an expression of cultural issues in the inner city that are legit, and then it was sort of hijacked by the oh, entertainment yeah. establishment, which is legit. I mean, that's obvious. How they do it, at, if you look like if you look at like, for example, like P. Diddy in the late 90s, like that dude Beat is security and like what the, the production company he set up and how breaking many people two, have lost their one. minds. Sorry. 80s, There's a lot of like a culture. Oh, yeah, that I don't know. Yeah. I was, I was Go watch 86. Beat Street, man. Breaking and Breaking 2. Those are the, the originals. And then it, it proliferated from there. So it went from like street culture to movies to pop culture to fashion kind of reiterating the whole thing and uh then they kind of morphed that into gangster rap and you know it's been trends ever since then they got auto-tune they make anybody an album now yeah yeah everything's auto-tune and uh, it's deep capture in the culture compression that's all it is deep capture for culture it's like they have a product all right, so uh, for intermission, we'll play part Jay Dyer, part Jason Burmis, both coming from InfoWars this past week, hour four, with the strong co-hosting that uh, they're out there representing for truth. Plus, they're trying to help AJ stay in business. You know, he's, uh, regardless of most people's opinion of him, people in the know have checked out his work probably for Wait, a long who? time. Well, Jones. 
Oh, Alex Jones. I'm sorry. Yeah. I thought, I thought Jay Dyer or something. Or Jason. No, Bates. that Jay and Jason are both like there trying to help Infowars. Oh, yeah. In They're trying to bring more vibe. Yeah. I mean, all of them. I give a shout out to that whole crew. I mean, what he's been trying to do. I'd like to believe Alex Jones is not, he's not invincible, obviously, but he has taken a, a fair number of punches right to the chin. And like my buddy said, you don't know what it's like to get punched in the face until you get punched in the face. No, it's Mike and Tyson. Everyone has a plan no, until no. you get punched and in the that's, face. That's, that's the plan to get punched in the face. My buddy would say, and you don't know what it's like until you do, because he yeah. got punched in the face once. He's like, you have no idea. It's a whole different, really sort of kind of jostles you a little bit. It's your brain box that they're hitting. It's a brain why. box, yeah. yeah. It causes you sort of like the, you have a ner- sort of nerve reaction that you're not used to having like your nerves cut off for a second and having that feeling of like complete disassociation and no control. So it's weird. It's very weird. So you think you're still in control. Yeah. You get hit in your knee, you get hit. Like you still have, you might lose the ability to use it, but you have like an immediate recognition of that. When you get punched in your face, you lose that recognition because you're losing like a sense of consciousness, even if it's for like a half a second, if you get punched right. And uh, Joe Rogan's talked about this. So when he was doing a martial arts contest, he got hit in the, hit in the chin and he just, whole body just fell over like it's like all his whole nervous system just shut down just fell down it's like you have no idea i think he got round cow roundhouse kicked or something too which is different than how amber hit johnny because a little different yeah i mean whether or not he he's the wife beater that remains to be seen from the trial she's already admitted that she beats him like she's it's come up several times during the trial so now by this time next year everyone could be calling that white tank top undershirt a johnny depp I don't know. We'll see what happens. See how it plays out. Evidence yet to be brought in on that. But that goes back to your point, Tony. Yeah, the cultural dis- the d- dissolution and the dumbing down of everything. It is, you know, it is sadly entertaining after a hard day's work, I guess, to look at too. It's it's also the point that, you know, here are rich, powerful people, not powerful, but rich people that are celebrities that a lot of people look up to. There's sociological and anthropological. Now they'll learn not to do is. that. Hopefully, now they're learning not or to do that. They'll still aspire to that because people oh, come on, imitate man. people, imitate leader type celebrity mentality. That's the whole point. Of, that's the whole thesis of Star Sucker. So the fact that Johnny's never done drugs to party and it's only to escape his pain is fucking tragic, dude. So you don't want to trade. Pe- you don't want to trade positions with these people or em- like emulate them in any way, shape, or form. They're like right. warning signs. Just like politicians are warning signs, compromise your integrity. You could end up down there and watch. It's a false sense of power that people think they get from it. So there's all those power dynamics. Anyways, it's it's a mess. People need a greater sense. Really, what it is, it goes back to a sense of meaning. People need a greater telos, teleology, like a sense of purpose or meaning in their life. It doesn't come. They have to learn some definitions to get to the meanings. And with that, we'll get some and already and dire definitions. Let alone yeah, which uh, which Jay, Jay Dyer clip are you talking about? Is that on Ben Video? Should I mean, be the first. This should be like did he didn't do he didn't do two this week, did he? No, I think he just did like did one. It should be on the Alex Jones show. It should be like this week. No, I got it here because I texted with Jay and Jason mm. while they were on there. And technically, I think Jay Dyer is probably Jason Dyer. So it's, I texted with Jason and Jason. Let me see where that is. Jay Dyer was friday and he's talking about billington firing the minds of men a book that we've looked at past couple of months 
And Burmis, I talked to him on Tuesday, May 3rd. Oh, it's it's the is it the C.S. Lewis and J.R. Tolkien exposed Illuminati because that's J. Dyer. Yeah, he does cover that in there. But so he, that's, yes, it's, it's that's the name of the clip. So he doesn't yeah, probably. So it's it's I'll send it to you in production. The thing he didn't mention in that yes. context was once he got into like the secret society aspect of it, C.S. Lewis and his space trilogy might not have fit in with the you know overall plan that they were rolling out. And maybe even Aldous Huxley, because he wrote Island, which I don't think fits in with New World Order plans they're rolling out. JFK, Aldous Huxley, C.S. Lewis all died November 22nd, 1963. And two of those people at no, least were in secret on, societies. Stop. Whoa, 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 whoa. November 22nd, 1963. They all died November 22nd. Aldous Huxley, C.S. Lewis, JFK. You got to be fucking kidding. Me. I talk about this all the time. I think I, I brought it up one time with Corbett. So now it's like a thing between. I, you know, well, if I heard about it, I haven't. I must have forgotten about it. Yeah. So. Um, and C.S. Lewis, he was in like a um, a Mithraic. So there's no society in the Anthony Hopkins movie where he plays, I think, C.S. Lewis. There's like little boys that go to the roof and sing to the rising sun. And I was like, that's a Mithraic reference. Mm-hmm. And when you that's get right. into what's going on like so there's all this other stuff to that um oh no so, c.s lewis and jr Tolle. i mean even suit lewis obviously in his his uh understanding of christianity in a very sort of metaphorical way as well as uh tolkien's whole yeah well uh, he was saying that the books go together so c.s lewis the wardrobe is responding to tolkien's writings no, that's true but the way they they superficially talk about it. no they, go ahead i'm sorry I yeah, I was going to say uh, when Corbett was on here, he he uh, claimed that I was dressing like C.S. Lewis and Tolkien, and then he had control room. Bring up a picture of Tolkien; he's dressed like similar to what I was wearing. <laughs> That's yeah. So, um, yeah. So let's uh, we got the Jay Dyer clip. We got the Jason Burmis clip. We'll do yeah, a, on a, Elon a, Musk. A Jason, double yeah. on Jason. Elon Musk. Yeah, this Jason Elon Musk. Squared, one. I have a couple there. Intermission. Yeah. Elon Muskiness. Elon Musk. Sounds like a cologne. Where'd they get this dude's name from? Yeah. The stinky Musk. New at Macy's. Elon Musk. Only for men. That's probably not it. Taken from Elon's literal Musk. (laughs) Werner von Braun. Yeah. This is Mars Musk. Mars. Maybe we're all on our way to Mars, and this is the movie they play on the way. What did John McAfee say? He took he took DMT. He smoked DMT, and he's like, "I'm still tripping from it after 80 years." So maybe we're all just on an elongated trip. Yeah, it's called life. All right, so uh, LD, you got those teed up? Yeah, that's right. These are coming from Infowars. And uh, thanks to Bandoff Video for purveying tonight's intermission. We're going to go to Jason and Jason, Jason Dyer and Jason Burmis. And let's get our learning hats on. You might need to take some notes. You might need to add some stuff to your book cart because you might need to read some of the books that are going to be talked about. Let's check it out. Hey, everybody. Jason Burmis here sitting in for the fourth hour of the Alex Jones show. And this broadcast is going to be, in my opinion, the epitome of why InfoWars.com and Alex Jones is so damn 
important because we are going to spend the majority, if not all of this hour, presenting a true contrarian viewpoint on, you guessed it, Elon Musk. Somebody who, at least in right-wing media and alternative media right now, has been erected as some type of savior. And I am here to warn you that the only person that is going to save you is you. And that we cannot invest in puppeted globalist billionaires, period. And if you don't think that Elon Musk is one of those billionaires, let's start here. Elon Musk gained a 600% wealth increase over the COVID-1984 nightmare. You can check this out at moneytransfers.com. Now, to put that in perspective, other awesome people, other great billionaires that love us so much also had huge increases. Jeff Bezos, he obviously loves you. Bill Gates, boy, does it get any more of a love fest. Warren Buffett, Larry Page, and Sergey Brin. Now think about for that for a second. During this total and complete takeover of not only our elections, but our free speech and thought over the last two plus years, a medical martial law tyranny being instituted, they allowed Musk to increase his wealth. And let us not forget that he was also espoused by the good people at Time Magazine as the person of the year in 2021. You know, the same magazine that proudly wrote an article how the election in 2020 was fortified by the good guys. Now, these are really only the beginnings of the things that we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about him pushing transhumanism, climate change, and yes, warfare in Russia and the Ukraine based in space-based weapon system, weapon systems that he's partnered with DARPA on. Okay, let me repeat that. Partnered with DARPA on. You know, those good people at the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. Now, before we get into all of that, I will give the muskernuts his due. Because one of the reasons that people have fallen for this facade, in my opinion, is he's spoken truth on a plethora of issues. We may even have time to play, for instance, where Musk talks about overpopulation being a myth, which it is, and that this planet could handle many times the amounts of humans that are currently on the planet. He's telling you the truth there. He told you the truth about artificial intelligence and its dangers at one point. Absolutely did that. He's telling you the truth when he tells you you're being censored online. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely 100%. But at the same time, he's not only being pushed by Time Magazine. He's being pushed by another transhumanist that we've played clips on this show of and we're going to do so now and that man is Dennis Bushnell. Dennis Bushnell still the chief engineer over at NASA. He is a talking head for the Defense Department 
and beyond and has been around pre-Apollo since the Gemini days. And although we've shown you um, this clip before, we're going to go back to 2011 because in this very, very long clip, we're not going to play all of it. This man talks about what? Instituting population control. Malthus 101 says the code word is sustainability, brags that they may genomically alter human beings. We've all seen the muskernuts talking about mRNA technology and how it can change your genes and how you could turn somebody into a butterfly if you wanted to. A lot of echoes here. And maybe the most stark thing that was said by Bushnell in this is that they had already put 10,000 brain chips in humans. We're not talking cochlear implants. We're not talking retinal implants. We're talking about the real deal memory slash super soldier type brain chips. And we're not only going to play this clip, but we're going to play a clip from 2018 where that number is no longer 10,000, as you can imagine. But in 2014, he told you how 40,000 people had these brain chips. And in 2018, we'll play it for you, 200,000 people with these type of brain chips. We're in 2022, and this man has written down a blueprint that was published in 2001 prior to 9-11 called Future Strategic Issues and Future Warfare circa 2025, where he lays it all on the line in a timeline of a transhumanist future nightmare of total surveillance and control. Okay, so let's start here. Let's play Dennis Bushnell talking about population control, which they may institute along the way. And Malthus 101, remember, Malthusianism is the price of a life and goes right in line with these predator class globalists. Uh, the culprit is sustainability. Uh, the crashing of the ecosystem is due to population growth and the way we're now living, our standard of living. Uh, the estimates vary between 30 and 50 percent of a planet that we're currently short to uh, sustain the standard of living and the, and the current population, much less the population growth. Uh, as the Asians and their billions come up as they are at 9 to 11 percent growth rate to Western standards of living, we're going to be short three more planets, and they're not readily available. This will result in peak everything. Uh, this will result in standards of living plunging. Uh, there's a partial solution to this, and that is to switch to halophyte salt plants. And by the way, this partial solution, he espouses well over a decade, and yet it's never been instituted. And by the way, he says it's not a partial solution in other videos. No, 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 no. It is actually a way to solve food water and energy but you know what that technology would empower the people and we couldn't use code words like sustainability to enslave them to control them to put them on a carbon market system and and remember musker do was the anointed one for his tesla motors because you know that's going to solve climate change i'd also like to point out that elon musk was so happy 
to put together a new sustainable house. Sustainability, lower standards of living for you and me. You think the musker do is going to be in sustainable living? Well, if you believe the propaganda that they put out there about this guy, that he's just an average guy and he's helping every, he's couch surfing. Oh yeah, Elon Musk doesn't even have a home right now. He's out couch surfing. He's Kato Kalin apparently. He's in the guest house. Like, do you believe these things? Now, on the flip side of this, we are going to have to dive deep into how Elon Musk is helping to start World War III. The man is outwardly challenging, outwardly challenging Putin to single combat over the Ukraine and then getting in fights with members of Russian parliament while arming the Ukrainians with his Starlink satellites that are being used in drone warfare. This is total and complete insanity, and we must bring this to light. I watched the Tuckster last night. This is what he got wrong. He talked about the Democrats wanting to go to war while Elon Musk says we will coup who we want to coup. We will be, be, we will be back on the other side at Infowars.com. That's why this is the place to donate. This is the place to support. So go to Infowarsstore.com right now and make that purchase for free speech. And we are back. I am Jason Burma sitting in for the fourth hour of the Alex Jones Show. We're talking about Elon Musk and the other side of the story. Before we get into his involvement in the Russia-Ukraine situation, I want to play just a little bit more of Bushnell before he praises Musk for his what? Work with human brain interfaces, a.k.a. microchips that have been developed for human use by the Defense Department, by DARPA, over the past several, and we're talking about three, four, five, maybe more, uh, decades, okay? This is not new technology. This is what is known as procurement systems they develop with about 15 years, and then they house them for about 40 years and distribute them consumer-wise through what? Trojan horse civilian systems. And I will argue to you right now that Elon Musk and his front companies are those Trojan horse civilian systems. So let's go back to our good friend Dennis Bushnell for a moment. And he's going to explain to you once again that this is Malthus 101. Oh, well, who's going to be instituting the population control when he says we? Because it's certainly not going to be Jason Burmis. And I'm sure that the United States government's not just going to announce that they're going to institute population control. Or the United Nations is going to announce that they're going to institute population control. So ask yourself, who is the we that Dennis is speaking of? Well, this is Malthus 101. These innate ecosystem restrictions and shortfalls will necessarily shift world uh, econometrics from a growth mantra one of sustainability with possible population control instigated along the way that changes everything. Think about that. That changes everything. That changes 
everything. And you got people like Yoval Noah Harari walking around yapping about a post-human world. All right? This is their move. Make no mistake about it. And what I want to do right now is I want to bring up another clip right here of Bushnell praising Musk before talking about what? Weaponized satellite systems. Okay? And why are we going to play this clip? Because the weaponized satellite systems are now being utilized in Russia. Make no mistake about it. That is exactly what is going on right here. These Starlink systems are being used for drone strikes. And if Twitter wasn't down on the desktop right now, uh, it appears uh, they're having problems with the website. I wonder if it's some kind of a malicious attack. And, of course, if it is, it'll probably be protesters of Elon Musk, uh, making him even more of a folk hero for those looking for free speech when I don't trust him at all. Posing with the Starlink. Well, maybe what you didn't know is that literally... Over uh, the last, what was it, the last weekend, I'm sorry, two weeks ago, they launched the spy satellites with SpaceX, you know, the thing that's going to bring us to the moon and Mars. Oh, no, 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 no. That's not for you. That's not for us. That's the Hollywood feel of humans and space travel. Okay. Instead, what SpaceX is doing, it's launching Falcon 9 uh, rocket satellites and U.S. spy satellites, a.k.a. the Blackjack program from DARPA. Okay. Here's another one over the summer. The Mandrake 2 satellites, part of that DARPA program. Okay. And, you know, they tell you right out there that it is the Starlink for the military. Now, even if it was just Starlink, those are what are known as Trojan horse civilian systems. So is it a coincidence that Elon Musk is man of the year and he's made 600% of his wealth over the COVID-1984 nightmare and he's launching military satellites and being praised as a hero as we start a proxy war that may lead to World War III and says we'll coup who we want? I'm sorry, these are things that I just can't get over when he's telling you, you can have a brain chip put in your head at a robot kiosk in only six hours, and then you can listen to Taylor Swift in your brain. Wow, awesome, totally what I want. So here's Dennis Bushnell now talking about uh, Elon Musk and his work with these human brain interfaces. Humans, Humans are, now are now becoming, becoming cyborgs. cyborgs. We have, we have cochlear, cochlear implants, implants to hear, to hear artificial, artificial retinas to see, artificial, artificial hearts, hearts to live, artificial, artificial limbs to move, artificial, artificial organs to function, and brain chips. There's a couple, There's a couple hundred thousand, thousand people wandering around with brain chips now. A couple hundred thousand people wandering around with brain chips now. This is four years ago. That's what he's publicly stating. Is that in the news? Are we talking about that on any level? We're talking about super soldiers, the real deal. And every time super soldiers come up, people want to talk to me about China. Hey, get with the program. Post-World War II, United States black programs and underground bases like Area 51 that have helped push the alien mythos 
We're not only involved in propulsion and energy systems, but genomically changing human beings, chimeras, transhumanism, reality. So, you know, Dennis loves the muskernuts. Affects congenitally defective, defective, defective brains, brains and, and increasingly affects memory and, and other things. things. DARPA's, DARPA's working, working on brain chips for super soldiers. soldiers. And people and are now people working, now thanks, thanks to, to uh, Musk, Musk and, and other people, people funding, funding uh, direct, direct machine brain communications. communications. They, 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 it's, it's not, not us versus, versus them, us versus, versus the machines. machines. We're merging. We're merging. And, and this, this is, is the human evolution of the humans. Of the humans. There is there no is more no natural, natural evolution, evolution of anything. Of anything. People, people are convinced, are convinced that, that the human, human evolution of everything, of everything is 10 million times faster than any natural, natural evolution. evolution. And, and so, so this, this is just, just part, part of the human, human evolution, evolution of the of humans, humans, which will apply in a little bit when I talk about something else. So let me just stop it right there before we get into the satellite systems on the flip side of this break. He's telling you evolution is over. Unless we're at the helm of it. And in his little document from 2001, what does it say? Well, it says that the bio-nano era will enter into 2020. And in 2020, billions of people were injected with DARPA bio-nanotechnology. Now, they don't know how long this is going to last. No, they don't. But they know at the end, it's the virtual age. And the virtual age isn't just the metaverse. And it's not just you logging in to not go to work from your living room. Dennis Bushnell will tell you, it is you uploading your consciousness to the machines, whether you like it or not. Let that sink in. And Musk is a huge part of that transhumanist movement. So on the other side, we're going to talk about World War III, we're going to talk about Elon Musk. We're going to talk about fake heroes and so much more at Infowars.com, where your donations and your support are needed now more than ever. So get to Infowarsstore.com, and we'll see you on the flip. And we are back. This is the Alex Jones Show. I am Jason Burmis sitting in in the fourth hour, and we're going to talk a little space warfare because if you didn't know, right behind me on the screen, if you are in audio listener only, is a 1983 Time magazine cover. Now, again, Time loves to promote that propaganda. A Mr. Man of the Year, Elon Musk. And at the time, they were pushing the Star Wars program, the strategic initiative, the initial weaponizing of space. Now, you could argue that really the beginning of that came with the first Russian satellite, and DARPA's predecessor, ARPA. And at the same time as those were being born, so was NASA, and so was a thing called Born Classified that allowed black sites like Area 51 to come into fruition. I would advise people to please read the vast works of Annie Jacobson currently working on a book that she says terrifies her. I have a funny feeling that it's really about transhumanism, and that's why it terrifies her, because she's talked about Area 51. She's talked about Operation Paperclip. She gets how this moves into what? The Pentagon's brain, a.k.a. DARPA. She's talked about that technology being utilized, beta-tested, if you will, in Afghanistan and Iraq via 
first platoon. Okay, so she's worth reading. But you know what? Infowars is worth supporting because guys like Robert Bowman, who were a part of this strategic initiative of the Star Wars program, guess what? They came on Alex Jones and they told the truth and said that the program was absolutely successful and highly classified. Now, our good friend here, Dennis Bushnell, while speaking at FIRE 2018, has already discussed space warfare and its reality. I know, Space Force is a big joke. It's really just an extension of what they had via the Air Force, right? They're already, that's where they're launching SpaceX out of Vandenberg, where the secret space programs have been taking place in large part, obviously in other areas as well. But here, he's going to be, he's going to be asked about weaponized satellite systems that the Russians have. And I want you to take note on what's said and how Dennis thinks it's hilarious when he answers the question. Is the uh, Russian satellites that are moving in um, unknown and unusual paths, in other words, satellites are no longer just satellites, but now they are... Uh, they are, they are moving, moving around, around in unknown and unexplained, unexplained patterns. patterns. Can you, Can you comment, comment on that, that and the evolution, the evolution you see of satellites, satellites with that with similar, similar technology? technology? And the second one is the Russians apparently have satellites up there that um, uh, not described. They're moving in strange ways, and they may not be normal satellites, maybe doing something different. So what's that all about? You see the huge smile on his face? You got to understand, part of Bushnell's job is to be a spokesperson for these technology. Okay, to empower the military industrial complex, which he, he is a high, high, high ranking bureaucrat. You see that big old smile? He's like, yeah, they're weapon systems, but I can't comment. Uh, no comment. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on now. Nope. Killer satellites? Are they? No, no. Sorry, Ty. What no, no. You? Uh, what, what, <laughs> you know, what he didn't tell you is I'm the NASA rep for the National Intelligence Council. And so I got to be a little careful. He's got to be a little careful. You understand? He works for the Defense Department. He is the military industrial complex. He openly discusses how what NASA does, only 20% is space exploration. He's pushing the climate change agenda. Okay, he's pushing transhumanism and he's pushing old musker nuts. Now, to get back to the fact that these satellite systems, just the Starlink ones, forget about the blackjack ones that are launched in the in the ride along program are being utilized in warfare. I want to go back to Tucker Carlson and his opening piece last night, which I thought was pretty good. Right. He was talking about the true believers and Nancy Pelosi, and Adam Schiff, and the Democrats getting behind the Ukrainians because Russia, Russia, Russia. Russia ruined everything. Russia put Trump in office. Russia hacked our elections. Russia disinformation everywhere. Now, let me tell you right now, a guy like Adam Schiff knows that's all Johnny nonsense. And I would assume that Nancy Pelosi, even in her old age where she can barely walk and is kind of stumbling around her words, not so much zombie J style. I mean, it's, it's tough to get Joe Biden style at this point, but enough where you can tell she's aged. 
Maybe she's not as much in the loop, but they surely are not the true believers that Carlson talks about. However, their base is, I guarantee it. These up-and-coming congressmen and senators that have pledged their allegiance to the Democratic Party probably do buy into that, probably do want to get behind it. But ask yourself, what is the excuse of the vast majority of conservatives and Republicans that are behind it as well? Well, it's really simple. This is about the military-industrial complex arming the Ukrainians as a proxy to start these wars, which can escalate to any level, okay? You got Putin and the crew openly talking about nuclear weapons, openly talking about perhaps launching them in European targets, going after those that would arm the Ukraine, okay? While we're sitting here bragging, bragging about giving them 30-plus billion dollars, bragging that they're using our Sidewinder drones, bragging that that's not enough, that we have to give them ghost drones as well. Okay, all these things are happening. And let me tell you right now, something could happen in this country. Doesn't necessarily have to be Russia, right? Just like Assange isn't a Russian agent. Assange wasn't working with the Ruskies. Okay, a dirty bomb went off here. If a nuclear weapon, God forbid, went off here, if a chemical or biological attack happened in this country, Russian sympathizers, anyone? Russian terrorists working with Al-Qaeda, ISIS, and the white supremacists? Any narrative is possible. Any narrative is possible. And by the way, all you folks of color out there, I want to let you know, you're not safe either. You're not safe either. Because whenever the narrative needs to fit beyond white supremacy... What does it go to? Oh, black extremist. Remember that one individual who drove, uh, tried to drive through the White House gates and was shot down? Who do they associate with him immediately? Black supremacy, black extremist, Louis Farrakhan. And now we have this shooter in New York City, okay? And if you look at his videos, what did they say? Black extremists, black supremacy. Also just happens to, to be that the guy was doing videos about 9-11 and questioning that event as well. Weird. Weird. And yet, with all the surveillance we have, all the real-time cameras, all the biometric devices that are set up all around New York City now, and that's a reality, what happens? The cameras malfunction. See, it's just so convenient every time that technology might, you know, empower the people and hold those in charge accountable, we don't get it. We have to just, yep, Epstein killed himself twice, both times. We didn't have camera footage that first time he tried to kill himself, didn't do it, couldn't do it, but we don't have the tapes of that. And then the second time, when he was successful, we don't have the tapes of that either. And no one's even talking about Jean-Luc Brunel who, again, was not only a close associate of Ghislaine Maxwell and Jeffrey Epstein, but seemed to have those weird Israeli intelligence ties and was involved in what? The fashion industry and modeling and raping underage girls to the tune of Vice doing a special on it. Oh, he just hung himself as well. And nobody has any footage of it either. 
We're going to come back on the flip side. We're going to give Musk his due. We're actually going to play the clip where he exposes overpopulation as a myth because we want to be balanced here. Go to InfoWarsStore.com right now and support Alex. And we are back. Final segment of the Alex Jones oh, show. Go ahead and play Jason Burmes. I want to remind everybody. We'll link to the whole thing in the notes for both of them. Welcome back to the Alex Jones Show. I'm your guest host, Jay Dyer of Jay's Analysis. You know, I discovered something really uh, wild in the last couple of weeks reading and doing some research that um, I thought I woke up this morning and I had a had a dream about it, actually. And uh, I don't typically do the fourth hour of the Alex Jones Show based on <laughs> dreams and premonitions I have. But this time I had to because, I mean, if I did, it would be like crazy stuff like uh, like how to fly or whatever. But no, today we're going to be talking about um, Tolkien and C.S. Lewis, because I realized uh, through reading C.S. Lewis's space trilogy, which is an overlooked um, dystopian story that has actually redemptive Christian themes. I think that's why it's overlooked is that you, you can't have a Christian themed dystopia story nowadays. You got to have things that are really uh, nihilistic and depressing. I, I mean, I think Brave New World in 1984 are great books, but they don't leave you with much hope. And the thing with uh, C.S. Lewis's space trilogy is that he brings in the not just the spiritual warfare, satanic element of what we're undergoing in these days, but he also brings in the redemptive hope aspect of it. But before I get to that, I want to kind of rewind and understand where we are in the long term here, right? Remember, in the French Revolution, <clears throat> according to Dr. Quigley, there were different banking interests that had put money into a giant revolution in France that would reinstitute what they called year zero. So when we hear the term Great Reset, you should keep in mind that it really is the same basic plan going back to the French Revolution. The French revolutionaries wanted to instantiate an ideal, perfect republic based around pure reason. So the, the goddess reason was exalted at this time. Uh, they didn't really believe in a goddess, but they, they thought that the goddess reason sim <clears throat> symbolized the, what the, the new order, the new global uh, international order should be arranged around. And what this led to was a lot of frustration on the part of these insane foaming at the mouth revolutionaries who, when they couldn't get society to operate on a perfectly mathematical, rational basis, why you have to kill everybody, everybody that doesn't go along with it off with their head. And this led to the creation of the Committee for Public Safety, which is estimated to have beheaded tens of thousands of people in the French Revolution. Now, the reason this is relevant today is because I was just reminded by uh, my, my buddy Tristan when he was covering the book, Fire in the Minds of Men, which is by James Billington, who is kind of the historian of revolutionary thought. He was a uh, Library of Congress historian. And in that book, he talks about how the revolutionary faith from the time of the French Revolution onward is a faith. It's, it's a belief in the ability to perfect man, to overcome man, and to create a utopian society. And for the revolutionary, what always stands in the way of the perfect utopian society is the traditional ideas, conservative ideas, the, the ideas of God, the ideas of family. These things end up being stumbling blocks, in their view, to the creation of the utopia. 
So they locate evil within the created order. Evil is always some existing thing like a family or a government, as if evil itself had existence, as if it was something over there and not a moral problem. So the, first of all, revolutionaries uh, have a what we could call a Pelagian view that they don't think they, they think that uh, you can perfect man or you can fix man through external means. They don't understand that uh, man's problem is his own fallen heart, his own passions, his own desires. It's not something out there in the world. There's there's evil people, but evil people aren't evil in themselves. <clears throat> but you have this sort of um, Gnostic idea amongst revolutionaries that the overcoming and creating of a utopia requires the destruction of everything that came before. And that's something that the French revolutionaries were um, adamant about. Now, you're going you're gonna to be blown away when, when we get to the, the Lewis and Tolkien part, because I was blown away this last uh, week or so reading this. And it, it just occurred to me, it, it finally coalesced, like, what Lewis and Tolkien were writing about. And I'd actually done an episode of, of my TV show from a few years ago. I, I had a TV show where we decoded movies. And we did two episodes on Lord of the Rings. And, and I thought at that time, well, it's a warning about technocracy. But it's way more than that. And I, I didn't even realize that back at the time. And I went and watched a bunch of uh, professors and different people doing lectures on uh, Tolkien and Lewis. And even, the, even those guys couldn't figure out what these books are really about. But if you read the Space Trilogy and if you read Tolkien together, his trilogy, they're actually meant to be kind of parallel. And I'll prove that to you here in a little bit. But you're going to see the continuity. This is not crazy. It may, it may sound a little out there, but I'm going to show you that C.S. Lewis and Tolkien were saying the exact same thing as Alex Jones, believe it or not. I'm not joking. You, you will learn that they were literally Alex Jones fans. <laughs> They, they were saying the exact same things that Alex is telling you. So why am I talking about this? Because how do we wake people up? How do we get people to understand what's going on? Everybody has seen Tolkien. Everybody has seen Lord of the Rings. Most people are familiar with Narnia. Not many people are familiar with C.S. Lewis's Space Trilogy, which is actually more sophisticated, more uh, powerful and insightful than, than Narnia. But the Space Trilogy is about Tolkien. Did you know that the main character, Ransom, is Tolkien? Anyway, we'll get to that in a minute. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. But going back to the revolutionary ethos, the idea of the revolutionaries was to uh, to create the new society. Everything had to be destroyed that came before. And so they came up with the idea of a new calendar right, with no Christian holidays, no uh, uh, Christmas, none of that stuff. It's got to be all new rationalist science man holidays. And they just made up stuff. Thermidor, right, which made up nonsense. Oh, we're going to celebrate Thermidor. We're going to celebrate science today. And all of it was just to replace and give people another version of what they had before, but that what taught the revolutionary faith. And so they had to get rid of all the history and they called it year zero. The idea of bulldozing and getting rid of all the past is fundamental to the revolutionary ethos. That's why you see the left and people doing this kind of stuff really hardcore in the last several years. They're not doing anything new. This is what every Radical Jacobin Illuminist revolutionary regime has done. You have to erase history. And it's always erected around the notion of a, an oppressor-oppressed mythology that might have some truth. I mean, there's always been tyrannical, oppressive governments. But the problem is that they will act like if we can just destroy everybody that came before and everything that came before, then we can finally erect what we're after. But they never come to think or, or to consider that maybe their revolutionary philosophy itself is the problem. Maybe they're the ones that are evil and satanic. Saul Alinsky dedicates his 
revolutionary uh, strategies book to Satan. And they think that they're on this this revolutionary uh, uh, banner to create this great society that will be egalitarian. It'll be it'll be uh, everything will be free. And it'll be it'll be great. It's gonna be, and it always ends in mass death. Why? Well, number one, because they're under delusion. They don't really have a grasp on reality. Number two, they are so idealistic and married to their own delusions that they really think they can stamp into the world their perfect uh, idealistic sort of Hegelian thing, right? They think they can make it manifest. And that's why uh, when they find out that people oppose them, they immediately just go nuts and feel like they have to kill their opponents because the existence of people that don't go along with their program calls their program into question. It, mean, it means that maybe they're not right, and they can't handle that. That's why so many people are turning to going nuts now. They're going crazy. They want to kill the conservatives. They want to put us in camps, all this kind of stuff, because they know that deep down they might be evil and they might be wrong. And so they have to double down. They have to keep doubling down like an Ouroboros eating themselves, right? Self-destruction. They literally want self-destruction. Don't go anywhere. And we've been getting a lot of crypto donations, which is keeping us on air. I want to salute all those. You know who you are. They've been giving the donation. Remember, Bitcoin, where we're coming out. Uh, uh, ideas, centuries, revolutionary ethos from the French Revolution. And I was telling you about how they had these uh, uh, ideas of perfect egalitarianism, perfect enforced equalitarianism. We'll make everybody, in a literal sense, equal. Everybody will be part of this giant blob. And that's why they were collectivists. In the French Revolution. And this is precisly where uh, you've heard, I'm sure, of Adam Weishaupt and his philosophy. Well, Weishaupt's Illuminism was communism. And he had been influenced by a lot of uh, medieval communistic style movements to create the perfect society. And although it was not very popular at the time, there were a lot of secret societies that had sort of jumped on board with this at the time of the French Revolution. And over time, this spread. And the same forces, the same ideas behind the French revolutionary attempt to create the Great Reset, Year Zero, Perfect Society, did the exact same thing in the Bolshevik Revolution. And uh, if you if you have read Billington, you know that he talks about how the journalists. I couldn't. I I, I had the, a grad class on this. I totally forgotten this. But the journalists in the French Revolution back at that time, they were the ones who were the new moral fact checkers, the new moral preachers. Now that the church had been replaced, the journalists had the ability at that time to get people executed. If the journalists did an expose on you back at the time of the French Revolution, right? right? If, if uh, Lord Babouf was too fat, uh, then he wasn't a man of the people because he was bourgeoisie. You see, he was, he was overweight. So he's not really a revolutionary, even though he pretended to be uh, off with his head. And they gave the journalists the ability to dictate the morality and send us people to death for not being a true part of the revolution. I, I can't believe I've forgotten that because that's exactly what is going on on Twitter. <laughs> I mean, thank God now Elon has has bought Twitter and things seem to be changing there. But typically speaking, the, the mainstream journalist is no different in his role, or he zims there's role, than it was back at the time of the French Revolution. And I can I can't believe I've forgotten that it was so important. So shout out to uh, Tristan for reminding me of that. And when it doesn't occur, what do they do? Well, they just repackage and redo the revolution a few years later. 
and they'll do it in another country. It's the exact same model. They do the exact same thing. It's a scientific technique of revolution. And they did the same thing in the Bolshevik Revolution. So when the Bolsheviks did this in uh, Russia, and they were funded by the elites in the West, by the way, they just did the exact same model, destroy uh, everything that came before, raise it to the ground, and people like journalists, right, and, and fiery uh, uh, people in the salons and whatnot, just like in France, like they start, they stoke the fires of revolution. And anybody who wasn't up to date with the latest orthodoxy that week, it would literally change, was also subject to the revolutionary purging. And that's why uh, Alex is always correct to point out that the first people that are going to be axed in this great reset are the people who serve the system. It's just a fundamental ignorance of history to not know that that's what revolutionaries have always done. They always, because they're not really about the revolution. They are always tools of money, power, industrial power, always, or foreign powers. All revolutions in the modern world in the last 1500 or, or last 500 years since the 1500s, all of those revolutions are essentially funded and used by some offshore power or some bigger power block or some foreign entity or some bank or some private industry. Even the great uh, uh, analyst and historian Oswald Spangler said there's never been a socialist revolution which was not the tool of the money power. And I don't agree with everything that Spangler said, but he was a you know wise sage, you could say, in terms of history and analysis. Spangler knew that. I think he himself had some kind of like a Prussian socialist view. So even he, who you know, had, had apparently bought into this to a degree. So socialism and revolutionary communism, all of the isms, it doesn't really matter. They're all really the same kind of thing. Fabian socialism, Marxism, they all have the same modus operandi of raising to the ground everything that came before. And they're impelled by ultimately a satanic ethos. And even though they, they may not believe in Satan, they actually typically will say, you know, Satan is our symbol. Think about George Bernard Shaw, these different people, the Fabian socialists, and Bertrand Russell was amongst the Fabian socialists for a while with H.G. Wells. And they had this liberal veneer. But really, deep down, they are controlled by people like the Royal Society. That's how the Fabian Social Society worked. It was the left, the fake left arm of the real Illuminati. And by the real Illuminati, I'm speaking of the same powers and forces that were the money influence behind the French Revolution, the Bolshevik Revolution. The same old families, the same black nobility, the same uh, British royalty, the same uh, banking elites, the same industrial elites. The exact same people today, I'm not literally the same people, they're not vampires, like they're not literally living through the century, but the same ideology in these elite families, in these groups that vehemently believe that in order to erect the perfect society, they must kill most people. And why would that seem strange or, or hard to believe if you've had any basic history, if you know anything about the history of regimes especially the communist socialist regimes, which believe like Plato's Republic, the Republic is a communistic style society. They believe that you have to call the population at regular intervals, right? <laughs> it's like you got you to gotta weed the garden. That's how they view it. And the same idea is combined with technocracy. 
which also comes out of ancient Greek philosophy that comes out of Plato's Republic. So when you combine technocracy with, with this, you get a dangerous mixture of the idea that, well, the previous revolutions didn't work because, number one, humans are uh, fallible. They make free will decisions. They're, they uh, have these false ideas like love and family values or whatever, Christianity, God's existence. If we could just erase all of that and then bring in the technocracy, that will be the key to the utopia. And so it's a faith. That's why Billington calls it a revolutionary faith, that they will be able to set up a perfect utopia if they can overcome man. Man is the problem, according to these people. Humanity is the problem. What does the first global revolution book say from the Club of Rome? We have come up with the idea that humans are the problem and pollution is our new global threat. They even say, we just came up with it. <laughs> so, so, I mean, there is such a thing as pollution, obviously, but pollution is not the great global threat. They just chose a great global threat. These vast corporate elite interests chose this because they are committed to this belief that mankind must be wiped out and overcome. And people call that crazy. They say it's hard to believe, even though Noah, Yuval, Novocaine, Euthyphro, Ferrari, whatever his name is, even though he's up there literally saying this in countless clips and lectures, I've shared it all across Twitter and everything, that there is no free will. You, you will be destroyed. There, you must be overcome. Humanity must be hacked. Humanity must become a giant uh, matrix blob, Borg blob. All, all, he says all these things constantly. And he's Klaus's understudy. So while reading all these global elite books, reading all this great reset stuff, and remember a lot of these people come out of the Royal Society, they come out of the Oxford Cambridge circles, the Cliveden set, the Astors, those people are a big part of this, according to Quigley. And separate from that, I mean, I knew that uh, Lewis and Tolkien had been in some of those circles. They knew some of these people, they've been writing about these things to a degree. But when I read the Space Trilogy, I could not believe the precision with which the artistic power of Lewis literally predicts the future. I mean, he was writing about the technocracy, transhumanism, and all of this being satanic, Luciferianism, the control left-right dialectic. He calls it a international conspiracy by the National Institute for Co Coordinated Experiments, NICE, NICE, that he's making a joke that they call themselves NICE. He's talking about Tavistock and the scientific Illuminist elite. He's talking about the real scientism-based Illuminati. I'm not joking. That hideous strength, the third installment of the Space Trilogy, calls it that. But he has a hero in the book who is a professor and a linguist who exposes this to the entire world. His name is Ransom, He's the hero of the first two, and then he plays a significant role as a hero in the third one. Guess who Ransom is based on? Welcome back to the Alex Jones Show. I'm your guest host, Jay Dyer. Jay's analysis, also of the YouTube channel, Jay Dyer. If you like this discussion, by the way, uh, I have lengthy lectures through these works. Uh, we've, we're, we've been going through the C.S. Lewis Space Trilogy, and I'm about done with that. We'll post the second lecture for the subscribers. But uh, I get into a lot of this over on my YouTube channel, which uh, I just hit 90, almost right at 90. So I'm trying to work up to 100,000. I know we're not big fans of YouTube, but... Uh, uh, definitely, um, you can still reach people through that platform if you can filter them over from YouTube to 
better platforms uh, such as this one here, or I also have a lot of content over on my Rockfin channel. By the way, I'll be having a good discussion with Eddie Bravo over on Rockfin pretty soon too. So that'll be a lot of fun. Now we were talking about um, the predictive elements of Lewis and Tolkien, and they That's knew cool. about this conspiracy. That's what. All right. So we had a fascinating intermission. We got through part of Jay Dyer, part of Jason Burmis. Uh, we'll have the entire clips in the notes for this episode. If you guys want to see the entirety, because Jason still had a lot to unfold uh, on Elon Musk and uh, Jay Dyer was just getting into it with uh, C.S. Lewis and Tolkien. But you, you get that you got to go check out the space trilogy and uh, probably check out Jay's Rockfin to get the more in-depth analysis as is part of his uh, witty repartee on such topics. All right, Tony, uh, the things that we got after intermission, um, do we want to go to the John Bounds and the Greg Reese's I type put of... myself on camera. So I pulled um, out Critique and Crisis. I, won't, I was going to read a section, but I'll save it because there's that is exactly what uh, Jay Dyer was talking about in regards to the moral um, predilection of the revolutionaries. It's covered in depth. I have a couple things highlighted here. Yeah, it's an excellent book. On it. I have that so copy I'll, I'll here save too. it for... Um, the town hall if people are interested I also pulled out obviously the perfected bills terry melanson i have a bunch of note cards and old highlights in here but it basically is regurgitating recapitulating the same remarks just from you know different uh, sources just from different sources just the idea of wanting to recreate human society humanity itself in their own image and so that was um well that was when he first said idea. that like he did say fabian socialism there toward the end but the the fabian socialists logos were the wolf in sheep's clothing and the man reshaping the world there's a stained mm -hmm. glass of them pounding the world into their image it's like that tells you who they are i don't see why people have such a hard time it's like there's this group of people here's their symbolic uh symbolism and uh here's what they do What's so hard to understand about it? But yeah. Yes. Small, small yeah. group of people understand that. And large group of people keep getting the bread and circus. It's more of the intellectual or the philosophical arguments they put forward, at least for the, the intellectual side of it, that gets either people confused or dresses up the, the rhetoric in something that can galvanize the inherent utopic sort of ideals that are always romantically. Um, and romantically sort of kindled inside the human spirit, especially when we're younger. And so it's, there's a lot more to it from the realm of human philosophy and psychology. Like it's easy to look at it. If you have a good moral sense, regardless of your religious or not, or, you know, just the belief in the family and the importance of protecting your family and, you know, your love for your friends and family and so forth, like a simple, like straightforward, but sort of, um, uh, implicit moral sense. Yeah. It's easy to sort of pick up on, but for those that are, that can get swayed by it, you know, there are some sophisticated arguments around it that are wrong, but that's why I do appreciate Jay's analysis. Jay's. <laughs> Jay's ah, yes, he said it. That's why you appreciate Jay's analysis. Go ahead. There. And say Not with everything. There's a lot. I disagree with them, particularly on with Plato and the ancient mysteries and stuff. Like there's no connection between Plato. Well, then and you should debate him, dude. He's always debating so, people. No, you can no. practice. I've seen I've seen uh, his debates with people and like this gets <laughs> it's it's kind of a joke. It's almost like a it's a poor. I appreciate yeah, his work. He otherwise, good, he has a good sense of humor. 
too. He knows, yeah. I'll give him that. Anyways, uh, for uh, the follow up, I'm actually right now giving him props, so I don't want to debate him on Plato necessarily right now, because it'll descend in. He'll interpret Plato one way, which will be the explicit way, and I'll interpret Plato the as I have been sort of with the implicit sort of metaphorical contextual way. And so it's like trying to parse out the symbolism and the meaning behind. So it's not either or it's also, and listen to both and make up your own so, decision. Yeah. That's basically what we're coming out at. That's why like there's a lot wouldn't be gained from it necessarily, except for those that it, there's multiple ways in which you can sort of hermeneutically now analyze these very complex symbolic texts and decipher what they may or may not mean. So that's that's sort of the problem associated there. He does give some props to sort of Platonic theories and metaphysics, though, as it relates to Orthodox, since he's an Orthodox Catholic, because there's a law is a definite overlap between the two metaphysically. Anyways, I'm not going down there. The point is, if people are interested, I'll uh, critique in Christ's perspective. We'll cover that a little bit. I have a bunch of stuff highlighted during Grand the Theft World members town hall Tuesday night, Tuesday night. And this is the on week, not the off week. This so is the, the lights, on week. It's going on this week. Yeah, light switch is flipped on for this week. Okay, so with uh, getting to John Banner, <laughs> Reese's pieces, Reese's reports in pieces. Yeah, so here we got a lot. So we got John Bowen, Nero 2.0, just drawing parallels with the idea of the fall of the Roman uh roman empire with today's fall you know crisis are we at the caligula point oh that's what hunter's laptop was sorry yeah we're kind of beyond it's sort of beyond it it's a little bit of like uh the time wave zero combined with beyond hunter's laptop (laughs) there was actually three videos that are kind of bringing us back to russia and ukraine and we heard jay no burmas both of them probably reference it a couple of times burmas actually they did it again, Paul Joseph Watson's short clip, the Obama revolution and peace and justice. I had them sort of lined up as three pieces to play back to back. They're about three, four minutes each. I thought they were pretty good. I thought they were all thematically succinct and corresponded to one another. Um, might be worth playing those three in succession. That'd be about 12 minutes. That's a little long. Then there's like John Bowne. Um, let me look up what he had this week. He only had a couple this week. He usually has a lot. So we had Nero 2.0. I think it was just it. That's all I have for John Bound this week. Okay. Um, and, more of a hat. Yeah. Is there any McBrains? He's been producing lately too. Uh, I know I forgot to. I usually check him out, but I definitely. That's forgot. right. We're gonna get we're gonna get better about our organization and have well, like some team captains one. that watch certain influencers so we can get the right pieces from the puzzle during the week. So it's hard to keep an eye. It's like he had proof conspiracy theories for right all along. That was Darren McBreen. This, I think talking about Fauci conveniently, it's uh, the full length of the video is three minutes and 22 seconds. <laughs> if I were to highlight any, I would highlight the two Gregory's and the Paul Joseph Watson. We can skip Paul PJW one, but that was funny. That was kind of making fun of the ghost of Kiev and some of the recent revelations around that, but that's sort of superfluous, but the Obama revolution and peace and justice, peace, love and justice, which is kind of a nice message from Gregory's sort of gives, I don't know, a sense of, I don't know if hope's the right word, but you know, stand, stand your ground. So otherwise, right. if we're looking for other stuff, no, let's uh, go. To the, let's go to the Infowars uh, mini movies of the week. It's <laughs> kind of how I said, that's what they are. So the yeah. down report and the two Gregory's reports. Did I get that right? Uh, I would say do the, PJW. So basically, the first three of the Ukraine and Russia. I'll highlight them here for you. 
Because yeah, they all are, they're all system. They're all connect to one another. It's a long and distinguished show card we've got tonight. It's a good thing we've got Control F to to search yeah. and not it's have to scroll. Function. It's magically searchlicious. That'd be a good search engine. Who's got searchlicious? Searchlicious. That that's a three in the morning. Three twenty in the it morning. Is. It is. It was a three two two a.m. in the morning <laughs> idea. That one was. Uh, it's interesting. Jay. We already showed Jason Burns. Bill Gates has a Jeffrey Epstein problem, but no one is talking in reality. <laughs> well, that's that's well, known known right there. Uh, and there was this mega. Well, I guess Christy Lee talked about that, but having the uh, Johnson and Johnson airs get up on stage and then the Pennsylvania rally. Not a good look there, Trump. Trumpy bump. Oh, uh, honorable mentions. I probably let me just put it on. Nope. Is that you guys seen the show? If Trump had a cocaine company, he would market it as Trump bumps and sponsor the Johnny Depp trial. That's pretty funny. (laughs) Trump. That's three thirty four, or three three twenty four a.m. Humor. So honorable mentions. uh, Good interview with Geert Vandenbosch by Del Big Tree. Also, the Jeffrey Jackson report was extremely uh detailed and voluminous this week worth checking and that's out. a shame because it was like one of the best weeks for the high wire and yeah, it's one of the best episodes they've had produced in a long time they, they're always high production but this was this was nearly a three-hour episode or that was nearly a three-hour episode so catch the high wire thursdays or catch the replay so that that's was worthwhile and uh otherwise i think we had kind of hit most of the stuff the big news we kind of comment on the roe v wade and the amber heard trial and just Shit dumb stuff on. yeah that's the summary the culture that. stuff the culture <laughs> tucker this is the road to chaos and collapse so it was interesting jen zaki it's just the gender so it's the same cultural marxist postmodernist thing anyways go ahead ld I'm, i think this will cover the yeah gamut. we'll play these clips and when we come back uh we'll thank everybody and then we'll yep. play uh a little jp or something at the end that's the plan going out all right as well as ingress. The ghost of Kiev, the claim that a crack Ukrainian fighter pilot had shot down dozens of Russian fighter jets. Widely acknowledged to be a hoax when it first circulated back at the end of February. But over the weekend, the legacy media tried to resurrect it again. And there you were thinking Adam Kissinger falling for a Photoshop meme of Sam High would have put the story to bed. Or the Ukrainian Ministry of Defense tweeting out a video it claimed to show the ghost of Kiev, yet which was swiftly revealed to be from a flight simulator would have described credited it for good, but they're so desperate to manufacture phony narratives surrounding this conflict, it just refused to lie down and now it's back. Kiev Post, identity of legendary Ukrainian pilot, ghost of Kiev, revealed by Ukrainian media. Major Stepan Tarabalka, 29, was killed defending Ukraine's sites on March 13th. London Times, ghost of Kiev, dies in battle after shooting down 40 Russian aircraft. But even as dozens of legacy media outlets were 
Once again pushing the ghost of Kiev hoax, the Ukrainian military itself confirmed the story to be manufactured. The information about the death of the ghost of Kiev is incorrect. The ghost of Kiev is alive. It embodies the collective spirit of the highly qualified pilots of the Tactical Aviation Brigade who are successfully defending Kiev and the region. In other words, it's a unifying propaganda myth. Tarabalka's death was reported on back in March. There was no mention then of the ghost of Kiev or any confirmation of his kill count. Not to mention the complete impossibility of one person shooting down 40 different fighter jets. But that didn't stop him. New York Post, ghost of Kiev killed in battle, identity revealed. Two days later, New York Post, heroic ghost of Kiev fighter doesn't actually exist, Ukraine admits. Whoops. I don't care if it's fake, it's the message that counts. The BBC subsequently admitted, quote, but now the Ukraine Air Force commanders warned on Facebook that the ghost of Kiev is a superhero legend whose character was created by Ukrainians. The ghost of Kiev was a collective image of pilots of the Air Force's 40th Tactical Aviation Brigade who defend the sky over the capital rather than a single man's combat record. Ukrainian military historian Mikhail Zirohov described the ghost of Kiev story as, quote, propaganda for raising morale. And while admitting that the whole thing was propaganda... Deliberate disinformation? What headline did the BBC choose to run with? How Ukraine's ghost of Kiev legendary pilot was born. He doesn't even exist. So the entire thing was fabricated from the start. Yet the media's still pushing it two months later. The story's gone viral on social media multiple times. And where are the fact checkers? As Chris Menahan writes, quote, Not one single news outlet which ran with this hoax will get banned from social media or algorithmically censored by Google for spreading it. No one will be downrated by NewsGuard. No one will be demonetized and no one will lose their PayPal account or credit card processor. Such treatment is reserved only for those who tell the truth. Where's Biden's new disinformation? Are. Where are all the online disinformation experts? I'll tell you where. AWOL. Because when the disinformation benefits the regime, it not only goes unchecked, they relentlessly amplify it. Disinformation? It's okay when we do it. <laughs> Back in 2008, while the masses flocked to Obama to save them from Dick Cheney, those waking up to the American nightmare could clearly see how he was a puppet to Wall Street and the big banks, and also to the military-industrial complex. Their profits soared as the anti-war movement disappeared. Obama even had an American citizen killed with a drone strike while eating dinner. Obama loved Predator drones, and he normalized the unending war. I have two words for you, predator drones. (laughs) You will never see it coming. (laughs) You think I'm joking? At first, Obama was not threatened by the election of Donald Trump. He had the all-powerful media on his side. President Obama will go down as perhaps the worst president in the history of the United States, exclamation point, at real Donald Trump. Well, at real Donald Trump, at least I will go down as a president. But that didn't last. If we fall for Trump, 
got elected, and Obama helped lead a massive attack against him with the entire establishment, mainstream media, and loyal Democrats. And by the time the 2020 election was stolen right before our eyes, there was no doubt that Joe Biden was a puppet. But whose puppet? I think it's no surprise to know that it's not just uh, Obama, but it's the whole Obama-Clinton machine that has been in power for a long time and continues to pull the strings behind the curtain in the Biden administration. But when we're talking about this ministry of truth, Will, what's even more disturbing than the fact that you have all these Democrats who are supporting it is that there are powerful Republicans who are supporting it as well. Obama and Clinton are puppets, along with at least 99% of all the Democrats and Republicans in Congress. And it's not even a government anymore. It's a criminal cabal made up of several crime families and corporations that see the people as a commodity. And now, while being exposed for some of the biggest crimes in American history, they are stealing every last penny from the American people, creating a worldwide famine and provoking a war with a country that is showing off ways they can nuke we the people into oblivion. In Germany, hundreds of thousands of people are demanding that their government stop sending weapons to Ukraine and urging them to move towards a peaceful resolution. While in America, it seems as if everyone is just going about their business, waiting for the next election, as if it's just a series on Netflix we are watching. But if we sit and do nothing, as we watch them start a nuclear war, are we innocent? The U.S. government is training Ukrainian soldiers in Germany and supplying Ukraine with hundreds of newly declassified suicide drones. The liars and thieves inhabiting the U.S. government are starting this war for their own puppet masters. But they are no one special, just old, old money with centuries of fraud. And we outnumber them 10,000 to one, conservatively. They are not going to stop. And now that they are being exposed, it's just going to get worse. And so, wouldn't it be beautiful if we the people can stand up for what's right and stop World War III? Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. The letter from Albert Pike regarding the Illuminati plan for three world wars is largely considered a hoax due to the use of the word Nazism in a letter dated 1871. But it is interesting to note the desired outcome of this alleged plan. According to the letter, the Third War officially started on 9-11 and was intended to leave the people in a state of complete physical, moral, spiritual, and economic exhaustion. They will then use nihilists, atheists, and revolutionaries to create a cataclysm of social turmoil. And they will do this in order to force the people into exterminating the destroyers of civilization. According to this letter, this bloodbath would result in the destruction of both Christianity and atheism and lead to the pure doctrine of Lucifer as the new world religion. And it does appear as if this is happening now as if the powers that be are pushing the people into a desperate corner, as if their main goal is to create mass chaos and violence. But they've been doing this all by decree because they have no authority over God or the U.S. Constitution. 
And so they'd be thrilled if we burn it all down for them, proving we are inferior savages in need of governance. They thought they'd have that on January 6th, but the people were there for peace, love, and justice, not a revolution. We don't need one. We already have our Declaration of Independence. But without justice, the death cult remains free and continues on its path to kill us all. They are going to shut us down again, but this time the United Nations will be in charge. Our government is giving them that authority at the end of this month, just in time for the next international health crisis. And with the leaked Supreme Court memo on Roe v. Wade, they can launch endless organized riots on us while we remain locked in our homes. Round two is coming, and this time with food shortages and the crashing dollar. But it doesn't have to be like this. Their authority is the biggest psyop ever. You are not their slave unless you choose to be. They are convincing you to do this to yourself. When they demanded that everyone wear a mask in 2020, the majority of us could have said no, demanded justice, and the true renaissance would have then begun. The 2020 lockdown was a beta test to gauge how compliant the population was, and we failed. But we will soon have another chance. And 2020 was also a wake-up call for millions of Americans and millions worldwide who previously had no idea how corrupt our governments had become. So now we are many, and we must all prepare for the next lockdown. And we must remember that we are not savages, sheep, or slaves. We are human beings with free will. And as lawful Americans, it is our responsibility to apprehend these traitors, exact justice, and restore the Republic. But first, we must simply say no. Say no to the masks. Say no to sheltering in place. Say no to vaccine passports. Say no to shutting down your business or your church. And if the police come to shut you down, make them commit treason. The law of the land is already in the hands of the people. All we have to do is wake up and take it back together. Peace, love, and justice is ours, if we want it. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. Good reporting by Reese. I'm, uh, that, that World War Three Pike letter is pretty specious, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. Good to draw inspiration from it. But I think it's a pretty recent concoction. And it's like it they do this a lot in history. So it's a good example. There are documents that reflect things that are ongoing. And then they're wrongfully attributed in order to get mass circulation. Yeah. And report from Iron Mountain. Uh, a whole bunch of, of different protocols of Zion. There's a lot of interesting research into these documents and like uh the protocols of zion is a counterfeit because there was an actual document but the the document that circulates is not that document so it's like there in order to be a counterfeit there had to be something original that it is not right it is different from in various aspects right um so there's a lot of interesting you know when you get into researching you can't just accept 
because, oh, it says 1871. You know, one of my favorite memes is like Abraham Lincoln said, you know, watch out for whatever the current thing is. You know, it's like, you know, can't believe everything you read on the Internet. But Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> yeah, there's it's, sort of like a yeah, hero. Anachronisms. Yeah, anachronisms. Yeah. Right. Anachronisms. Things out of time. Out of time, out of place, out of time. Yeah. I forgot to ask Jeremy about uh, if he went to the uh, the MIT time traveler convention. Because there was only one. You only have to, it's a time traveler convention. So there was only one. I think it was like 2007 at MIT. Maybe next week I'll wear the T-shirt. We'll see. I got to go there first. Get it. It's a time yeah, joke. it's still believing in that uh, young time travel. So, yeah, there's uh yeah, I agree. I mean, and to be fair to Greece, he sort of mentions it obviously as being a hoax. Um, the, the problem with those types of documents, one, the gain notoriety, but the other problem is like there's a lot of like general principles that repeat themselves. So it's easy to draw parallels. And then, you well, know, like Pike, from, Pike did say, like that Lucifer quote that's in his morals and dogma. Sure, morals and dogma. And, but he, that Lucifer is the light bringer. He, he gets the morning star. It's Venus. Like it's, it's this idea of it being like uh i don't think it's that far from what uh saul alinsky was trying to point toward or that walter Cronkite said he sat at the right hand of i don't know that it's it's that much different i i don't necessarily think it's a character i think maybe they they mean what they say uh yeah i mean it's deciphering what they mean by lucifer i don't i don't i don't agree i don't know i that, that's a tough one that's a tough i'm the, first of all i'm not bringer of light bringer of knowledge that's all good stuff learning is great and to pike's credit at the end of that morals and dogma book he says the royal secret of the sublime prince is the lessons of uh pythagoras and it's basically the trivium yeah you got it the quadrivium to be yeah in that capacity but yeah it relates to the trivium so pythagoras is quadrivium but yeah still it relates to the ancient some lost tools of learning yeah, it relates to the mystery schools, and the mystery schools had this idea that there's well, Pythagoras had a mystery school, yeah, for sure. <laughs> he did, that's correct. So, mm-hmm. but um, anyways, yeah, we could talk about that till yeah, next. Yeah. I next that, that's what gets me going for seven hours on town halls, and it's like 3 30 in the morning. So, oh, yeah, plus you got other intellectual people on there that are smart enough to take the conversation forward, whether you want to take it there or not. <laughs> Probably the anti. They got their own intellectual momentum, you know. Like a a bunch of smart people on a call is what that is. And always pleasantly impressed to hear the the high intellectual acumen of the the subscribers who participate. Not just listen to the podcast, but like take it to the next step. Very impressive bunch of individuals thinking for themselves. Not everyone agrees. It's definitely not an echo chamber. (laughs) <laughs> no, that's not that's for sure all right so uh ld aside from the uh fantastic members of grand theft world who else do we have to thank for uh tonight's gala and festivities yeah last chance for the rockfin tippers but uh big thanks to dave l he uh he donated ten dollars for tony to hate the rockfin chat a little less but uh, <laughs> uh steve fear now Thank you, Steve. Uh, Zach Boyles, he had a little comment. The leaders of the left were all assassinated and jailed in the, in the 60s, 
public-private sponsors moved in to adopt their movement and misled them. CIA, Gladio, Crush, or Frame Economic Left showing alternatives and guide U.S. left into idiocracy. Now that same public-private glob is framing right groups in a similar way. Yeah, like the SDS and whatnot, those types of radical organizations. NGOs are heavy. So the same coterie of people who would go after JFK, RFK, MLK, Malcolm X, uh, Fred Hampton, uh, you know, all the way up through, would go after a Julian Assange type character as well. It's not just like one side, but that was a dominant side and they wanted to take it over. The people in control wanted to have, like they wanted to be the, the party of the people of color. And historically, Democrats were the ones who owned people of color. So they've always had an interest the, in people of color, to be the sure. He was the Republicans. <clears throat> you want to look at institutionalized racism in America. And look and at slavery. August Belmont, yeah. the Rothschild agent in America who funded uh, Confederate activities and was the chairman of the Democratic National Committee. There you go. There you go. Thank you. That was good. Yeah. Uh, thanks to Ian. Ian Henderson, thanks to Mr. Garrison again. Uh, thank you, Nicholas, Biscotti, Thomas Hutchinson, and Vervain Verve. And that about covers it. Um, let's see. You want to talk oh, about uh, Grand Theft Oh, we didn't World? play your uh, Float Fest video. You and McMillan were at Float Fest. Oh, you want me to bring that up? Yeah, might as well. Okay, uh... Yeah, give me a sec. It's only a couple minutes, and, and Chris took the time to film it, and uh, Autonomy was one of the sponsors of the event. I couldn't make it, but we had 10 VIP tickets and all sorts of cool stuff. So LD was there and uh, a bunch of other Autonomy graduates and students, and we had people that were speaking there, and we had clients that were speaking there from Autonomy Unlimited's perspective. Yeah, so I wanted to catch catch whatever the, the output on production was from that and uh share yeah. that video that you guys made yeah, we were both filming um i was helping him facilitate some interviews had some tech troubles but got some some of it it's in. good learning experience despite of that yeah uh let's see here yeah pimp chris's site truth conduit that's chris's site look at this logo introduction truthconduit.com you're listening to The Truth Conduit, only at truthconduit.com. Look, I did a radio promo for you, Chris. How about that? <laughs> Boom.
Hey everybody, Chris McMillan here, and we are at the Float Fest 2022, and I'm here with Jack Spearco. Jack is from Texas. We are in Texas. It's a hot Texas day. Jack, uh, you are, you've got a massive following, the survivalpodcast.com. I'm a member of the community. You and I have met at workshops. You are focusing on solutions. Um, what solutions do you get out of coming to the festivals and get-togethers like this? Basically, what do you make of all this? What's going on? Well, so I've been teaching solutions now for like 14 years with my podcast. And this is a piece that is missing a lot today in our world, which is people actually getting together, meeting each other, pressing palms together, forming real-world relationships, and then taking those relationships back home into their networks and branching further out from there. So I've, you know, I've already met, oh, I guess to just today since I got here, probably two dozen people that are like, hey, I know you, yeah. right? And they feel like they know me, but we really didn't know each other because we didn't actually ever meet in person. And I've tried to get a lot of those people into my phone and what have you. A lot of times people think if you have a big following and all your hard to be approached i'm easy man come up and say hello and i mean that's the biggest thing i get out of this is the relationships and the interrelationships of people and then you will learn things from people at an event like this that you will never learn online because you just won't get to there in the conversation right since we're sitting here for like four days hanging out with each other in this beautiful place you have regular conversations. You're not just discussing like the latest agenda of the Libertarian Party or whatever the heck it is, right? Or arguing the merits of Bitcoin or something like that. You talk about like where you're from and what have you. And then like the gold nuggets drop. Like, hey, if you're into that, I know these people over here and they're working on this community. And it, or you, I just found out, for instance, that you can buy land for like $1,000 an acre in uh, Arizona, but there's a way to lease land for like, I can't tell you how, because they said it was secret, but two bucks a year. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, you wouldn't find that out online, right? So I think having that interaction is incredible. And it's just something we're missing in our communities. And I say communities with an S. So you're going to be speaking on Monday. Uh, what's the, what are you going to be talking about? So the title of my talk is uh, Build Your Empire While There's Crumbles, right? And I, I think when I say that, sometimes people think, okay, so the state's narrative, the, the elites, it's all falling apart. It is falling apart. It is crumbling. But that's what the Great Reset's about, right? So they know it's crumbling. They know it's falling apart. And so that's, they have their plan to reconstitute on the other side. That's a time of flex. That's a time of shift. And I've, I've been saying since 2008 when I started doing my podcast, 2020 to 2030 is going to be the biggest period of shift that anybody that's living has ever seen and maybe the biggest thing in, in like recent you know, multi-century history that's ever happened. Uh, it's going to be like what happened between 1850 and 1900 in 10 years instead of 50. That's how big the shift's going to be. When that happens, even if it's not to your benefit the way it's shifting, it spells opportunity. And so this is our opportunity, while they're kind of all in disarray trying to push their agenda forward, to use all the things that we talk about all the time and actually get things done. And this is a time we need to move very quickly, in my opinion, toward intentional communities, toward larger networks. And so I'm going to be talking about the things you can actually do. And I'm going to come at this, even though it's not a permaculture talk, from a permaculture perspective. So many people have this thing, one day I'm going to do this, one day I'm going to do that, I'm going to have land or whatever. That's all great, and I think you should do it, but start by designing the things that are closest to you. So that's what I'm going to focus on. How do you do something tomorrow? How do you do something today? And so that's what I'm going to be talking about. That's awesome, Jack. Well, Jack Spearco, thesurvivalpodcast.com. In the unlikely event you've been living under a rock for the last few years and you never heard of him, 
the survival podcast all right so there's more that we can link that whole video uh in the show notes right ld yeah i'll drop that in there and i'll just say yeah um like jack was saying those those conversations that people were having uh out there in that that field uh i had a few of those myself uh one in particular i mean and thanks to chris and marie they were i I spent a couple nights at their place they're very hospitable and um had a good time with them and uh, i met met chris's friends zach and april uh who invited me down to their homestead so before i left texas i ran down there and just conversations with with them about how they got out of houston found a piece of land uh, camped out in a, a tent for a little while till they uh, got a shack uh, good enough to, to live in, and then you know they they ended up building that property up and f- flipping it, and now they've got you know 13 acres and um, a nice little sustainable homestead with a lot of natural resources on their land. So that was that was a priceless experience. I was really grateful for as a result of. Uh, going to float fest and yeah it was it was uh it was great i like texas <laughs> now you've been to uh you went to pork fest last year you're going to pork fest this year what's the difference between pork fest and float fest or is it like pork fest for the south yeah kind of uh it's a little smaller uh a little more spread out there's a lot more room uh you know i think that i heard there were maybe 500 some people there uh but there was plenty of room to camp out um, people were spread out and, you know, the, the end campus stand, uh, was set up on the far end from the entrance with, uh, Patrick Smith and the, uh, yeah. the Dallas volunteerists, uh, they were recording, uh, uh, out there apparently, uh, a little bit, but yeah, um, it was a little smaller than pork fest and more room to, more room to grow. I'm sure do they have be... like uh, food vendors or like how do people like meet their needs during the week? Is there enough? Yeah. Food vendors, um, you know, massage. Um, um, uh, there was a, there was a coffee guy, a guy with, with water. He had a couple of huge Berkey's and he was doing all kinds of interesting stuff with, with water, uh, adding, adding little, uh, minerals and such. Um, yeah, different, you know, there was a few food vendors, you know, there was a guy smoking meat all, all the whole time. He was like the Jay Noon of uh, nice. Texas down there. Uh, good stuff. And yeah, That's, there was Texas a, brisket. Shit's famous. Oh yes. Brisket. I tried some boudin. Never had that. Nice. Uh, sausages and, um, yeah, yeah, there's a vendor circle. Uh, Derek Rose and John Bush were set up there, um, and Romero Romani with the above phone. Um, yeah, there's a lot going on in a in a in a pretty small space. Yeah, mini pork fest. I'm sure it'll grow next year. Yeah, I'm thinking maybe I'll put it in the calendar next year, or maybe I'll live closer to it by next year. We'll see. Yeah, see yeah. how that works out. Lots of things in motion. We got to, I mean, we know they're not done with these lockdowns and these sort of things. So I'm not, I'm not Mm. hip to living in a place where I might need a QR code and vaccine boosters to get food or something like that. Texas and Florida looking better and better. Places with freedom look mighty attractive right now. 
All right, so uh, and don't have the winners of the Northeast. <laughs> I'm not yeah. a fan of winner, and I'm yeah. not, and the, the all the people that. Sorry, I know we have a large contingent in Canada, and uh, they, Look, they dude, tell I'm me well set up for winter. Really all like. my winter clothes straight. No, oh, so do I. I. Got a snow plow and a snow blower, yeah. and now I might not need those if I have to get out of Connecticut. All right, so uh, do we have that L, uh, that uh, JP clip? The uh, Ministry of Truth, everything you need to know. Yeah, that's probably a good one because I thought the other one might be a little too offensive. So that's a good one that he's he's done recently. All right, so uh, 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 premature admonishment. Excuse Do we have me. an admonish button for going premature on the, on uh, the outro? More like yeah. a reproach. <laughs> reproach button. Reproach. We could have like, uh, yeah, anyway, it could be. I'm being pedantic there. Need a buzzer yeah. or a, mm. one of those old old uh, car horns. <laughs> need one of those uh, Hunter Thompson cattle, cattle prods. Yeah. Just come in all sparking and shh. That's a Johnny Depp callback joke. Yeah, I know. Like yeah, I was Thompson, say, yeah, I was gonna, that's why yeah. I'm laughing. I'm just like, I have to throw yeah, that out. Yeah, keep, <laughs> <laughs> keep up with that. Keep up with that. All right. So uh, I want to thank everyone who's made it through this live episode because you guys are special people. Those of you getting through the episode on the replay, good for you too. But to make it through like in the the endurance mode, catching it live. I appreciate everyone, both that do it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We, we appreciate both. That's look, uh, look. It's a lot to go through either way. Grand Theft World is like trying to ride one of those bucking Broncos. <laughs> Not everyone's going to make it all the way to the end, but those who do our champions thank you guys for tuning in not dropping out here's jp sears to play us out do it live we're going to seize their yachts their luxury homes and other ill-begotten gains of putin's kleptocracy yeah kleptocracy and club sounds like he's suffocating do you think it'll be okay? Good evening! Our top story tonight, President Biden forms his Ministry of Truth, aka the Disinformation Governance Board. What is the Ministry of Truth? And what does it mean to your freedom of speech? How is it connected to Obama? And who is this delightful woman that's in charge of it? And why did Hitler have a Ministry of Truth too? We'll answer all these questions for you tonight as we tell you what to think with a full episode of Lies You Can Trust. But first... Of Putin's kleptocracy. Yeah. Kleptocracy. It's not like he has a job that requires high levels of cognition and communication. I mean, he's the president, not a grocery store clerk. But rest assured, this is the faithful leader that you are gladly surrendering your First Amendment right to freedom of speech to as you bow down to his ministry of truth. Because disinformation results in precisely zero deaths, the Biden administration knew it was time to reverse these statistics and thus formed the Disinformation Governance Board. It's here to protect you from dangerous things like disinformation, words, differing political views, and giant jellyfish. All they need to do to protect you is take away your First Amendment right to speak freely and hear other people speak freely. It's kind of like the best way to save a drowning person is to take away their right to breathe. Here, hold the cinder block for a second. Where are you going? 
Well, maybe when Leah Thomas is done with her prostate exam, she'll swim down and save you. Our world-class journalism shows that Biden's Ministry of Truth, which is formed in order to prevent false narratives from being spoken while propagating the truth, is comprised of people who tell you men can get pregnant. So you know right off the bat that you'd be stupid not to surrender your right to free speech in order to be protected by these honest people. But what Americans want to know is, who will be running the Ministry of Truth? Well, the U.S.'s first chief propaganda officer is Nina Jenkowitz. Here she is describing to the American people her intentions in running the Disinformation Governance Board. I want to be rich, famous, and powerful. Same for Fauci. Early polling shows that 100% of all Americans support the formation of the Ministry of Truth and support Nina Jenkowitz running it because the Disinformation Governance Board has deemed any... Hang on, if you haven't heard that clip, in, in, she asked Santa Claus who she asked to fuck to get rich, famous, and powerful. Just, uh, yeah, go find it. That's pretty funny. I, I've not seen that one. No, I saw the little jingle she stole from the... I think we need to play it right after this that. video just to have it in the source material, because Let me find her that. musical talent is very enlightening. Anything else to be disinformation. Now let's take a closer look at the person who has the job of telling you what's true and telling you what's false. Information laundering is really quite ferocious. It's when a huckster takes some lies and makes them sound precocious by saying them in Congress or a mainstream outlet. So disinformation's origins are slightly less atrocious. It's how you hide a little lie, little lie. It's how you hide a little lie, little lie. It's how you hide a little hide a little lie. When Rudy Giuliani shared bad intel from Ukraine, or when TikTok influencers say COVID can cause pain. She is an absolute delight. It says here the White House defends the disinformation board, saying it's apolitical and nonpartisan. Even though Nina Jenkowitz supports Hillary Clinton. This just in! The Disinformation Governance Board has ruled that it's disinformation to say that the Disinformation Governance Board isn't nonpartisan. Oh, and when Trump was in office, the head of the board, Nina, said she would never want to see the executive branch with the kind of power to determine what's true. Watch. Imagine that, you know, with President Trump right now calling all of these news organizations that have. Uh, inconvenient for him stories that they that they're getting out there that he's calling fake news and now lashing out at platforms I would never want to see our executive branch have that sort of power nonpartisan people get it through your skulls and in an act of graceful nonpartisanness Nina has already said online mockery of Kamala Harris is a threat to democracy and national security. That's right, people. Would you quit mocking the most mockable human on planet Earth? She is a respectable leader. Oh, and here's Kamala Harris explaining in great detail the Russia-Ukraine conflict. So Ukraine is a country in Europe. It exists next to another country called Russia. Russia is a bigger country. Russia is a powerful country. Russia decided to invade a smaller country called Ukraine. So basically that's wrong. Wait, Ukraine is a what? Ukraine is a country. Oh, country, yes. She's your vice president. She just goes so fast and in so much detail that she's hard to keep up with. Right, Nina? Now that's a look you can trust. And here's Hitler's disinformation chief, Joseph Goebbels. 
And I don't know about you, but each of them evokes the same warm, fuzzy feeling of altruistic trust inside of me. Moving along. In addition to the Biden administration, throughout history, there's also been other governments who have formed propaganda arms in order to dictate to their citizens what's true and what's false. Oddly enough, they've all been dictatorships, but not Biden's Ministry of Truth. His is here to save democracy. Just like how the best way to save a starving person is to put them on a prolonged fast. Because fasting's good for you, is what we'd tell them. And here are some examples of other governments that have created ministries of truth. Adolf Hitler and the Nazis. And specifically working under Hitler was Joseph Goebbels, the Reich Minister of the Nazi Party from 1933 to 1945. He helped kill six million people. Joseph Stalin in the Soviet Union. He helped kill an estimated 20 million people. And of course, Joseph Biden. But his propaganda arm is different. Because unlike every other time in history that one's been used, he's using his propaganda arm to save the lives of people. There sure are a lot of Josephs in that list. But enough of the coincidences. As disinformation has resulted in zero deaths, and ministries of truth have resulted in millions of deaths, our leftist logic can only conclude that in order to save more lives, we need more ministries of truth. This is one aspect of Hitler's government that Biden has decided to copy. And remember, Hitler's ministry of truth convinced a nation full of people that he was just building back better too. Now the naysayers kind of give Hitler a bad rap and say that what he was doing was bad and evil, and therefore Biden shouldn't be following in his footsteps in any regard. Well, here's what they don't understand. Hitler used a ministry of truth because he's evil. Biden's using a ministry of truth because he's good. And his ministry of truth will prevent you from saying anything other than he's good. Make sense? Well, what does Tulsi Gabbard have to say about the disinformation governance board? I imagine she's a fan. Let's find out. How do you feel about the ministry of truth? This is the kind of thing that you see in dictatorships, this ministry of truth, this department of propaganda that the Biden administration has just stood up. And the reason why you see this in dictatorships is because they're afraid of us. They're afraid of the people. They're afraid that we might actually think for ourselves. Well, that sounds just like all disinformation. And Tulsi Gabbard is so untrustworthy that the DNC had to sabotage her run for president because she's not controllable. She's a Democrat that's unwilling to just go along with a narrative that other Democrats propagate. Obviously, you should not trust anything she says because she is a principled person, not a useful idiot. And Obama does not like that kind of person. Speaking of Obama, here's what Biden's boss had to say. While content moderation can limit the distribution of clearly dangerous content, it doesn't go far enough. Democrat Tulsi Gabbard, who the Democrats hate, once again points out, Biden is just the front man. Obama, on April 21st, says, social media censors don't go far enough. So the government needs to step in and do the job. Six days later, Homeland Security rolls out the Ministry of Truth, AKA the Disinformation Governance Board. What she and other misinformed right-wing nut jobs who are Democrats don't know is a democracy is where you have elected leaders 
being controlled by unelected leaders who can then take away citizens' right to free speech. I mean, I love a good old-fashioned democracy. Don't you? Now let's check in and see how the lions are complying with Biden's Ministry of Truth. Well, free thinking is obviously the next pandemic we have to defeat, and we're working on it now. That's it for today's news. The Ministry of Truth is here to help. Now believe what we tell you and quit thinking for yourself. It's the law. Welcome to 1984. Good night. Okay. Uh, so I first heard that from No Agenda Show, so that's where I just found it quickly. This is audio only. Thank uh, you to the pod father. Yeah. From episode 1447. Uh, they've got, yeah, they do it. They do it so well. They've got a great audience too. Uh, let's see. Ever since I was a baby, I have had one dream in mind. And each Christmas, I think maybe it will finally come true. Alright, the reason this is getting played is this is Nina Jankowitz singing a Santa Claus song and she's now in charge of the Disinformation Governance Board Ministry of Truth and we should hear what she has to sing. Yes, thank you for teeing it up. Everyone has had from time to time so I know you'll understand me when I share my dream with you. I want to be rich, famous, and powerful. Step on all my enemies and never do a thing. I want to be rich, famous, and powerful. So all I have to do in life is sit around and sing. I don't want to work, struggle, or compromise. When I set a goal, I want to reach it right away. Because paying your dues, that's just for other guys. As for me, I want what I want. And I want it all today I don't want to audition I don't want to take class I want to be discovered While I'm sitting on my ass I should not have to struggle I should not have to sweat I tried that for ten minutes once And look, what did I get? What did it take to be famous and powerful? Santa, if you're listening Please tell me what to do Who do I fuck to be famous and I've done everything I can, and now the rest is up to you. All right, that's enough of that. <laughs> oh, that says a Interesting lot. resume. Interesting resume she has. Yeah, that's an understatement. I'm sure Homeland Security knows of such things. Right? It's not like Adam they, Curtis. They probably chose her based on that. Probably, yeah. Interesting little Broadway pieces. She must have been a failed Broadway star. Aspiring, but never quite worked out. You know, Hitler scary. was trying to be a painter at one point, too. So Scary Poppins. <laughs> All right. Okay, have a good night, everyone. All right, tee it up. Thanks, everybody. Peace. Conspiracy is the story of history. It's the story of plunderers taking care of people who produce. They claim to take care of them through government, which doesn't give you anything. It doesn't take away first. So it's not creating something out of nothing. It's very real what they're doing. They're taking your rights or taking some people's rights and adding more to someone else's rights. If you haven't heard about our Grand Theft World community membership, here are a few of the things you've been missing. 
a mobile app where you can access replays of the Grand Theft World podcast and show notes. Access to the Grand Theft World community on Discord, where we crowdsource news and resources, and you can contribute to the show. The opportunity to participate in the Grand Theft World bi-weekly town hall. Exclusive content from Richard Grove, including behind-the-scenes footage and future access to unpublished material. 93 episodes of the Peace Revolution podcast, and the Grand Theft World newsletter delivered straight to your inbox each week. If you want to stay ahead of the great game, visit us at GrandTheftWorld.com, click or tap the button in the top right-hand corner, and join a vibrant community of researchers blazing a new path to truth. We'll see you there.